One podcast has crushed the horror landscape, leaving behind the silent audio waves of all of those who have came before. Introducing our hosts. This man needs no introduction, but needs seven takes to record his own. He is known for rating bad movies high and known for rating good movies high. Don't try to call him because he only phones it in. He is our host from the foreign land of Canada, Mood 616. This man is willing to die even on the smallest of hills. He argues to the point in which he disagrees with himself. A man who knows a remake when he sees one. He is the Mexican-born super producer known as the humble one and the sexy one, JP. They are known for creating superstars out of their guests. They are known for being the number one horror podcast on the Horophilia Network, except for when they allow others to take a turn. They are the devil's advocate of horror podcasting. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 90 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, M-O-O-D to the Z, also known as Moods. And of course, I've always got my real-life size blow-up Mexican homeboy, the sexy one, Double Shot J, also known as JP in the studio. And the fans ask for it. We are proud to welcome back to the show for a second straight appearance. D Boogie, aka the Boston Brando, also known as Derek here, back in the house. What's going on, homies? Yo, yo. Hey, I, what's going on, man? I, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Derek making a repeat a, appearance back to back makes him the only guest who has done that. I believe. I was actually just gonna say that he's the first person ever to pull that off, back <laughs> by popular demand. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Black milk, man. Yeah. <laughs> like the Boston Brando. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was great. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I didn't crack up while I was saying my real life size blow up Mexican homeboy. <laughs> I, almost hold, I, I, I was holding it in myself. I was like, oh. I almost fucking uh, I almost lost it. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> so what's going on, Derek? Glad yeah, to be back. Uh, yeah, man. Great stuff. Awesome stuff. It's just been crazy. Like, because last week I was on vacation from work, and now I just got back from work, and kind of hectic with like the work schedule and stuff. But I've still decided, why not just come back for another episode? Well, especially coming off that marathon episode, man. That uh, exploitation show was like roughly five hours long. That was yeah. yeah that that was doesn't even count the uh, like hour that we was on before we started recording. Oh, it was like it had to have been like a seven-hour recording or something, six and a half-hour recording at least. Yeah, if you guys out there listening did not check out that show for some reason, and you're listening to this show, definitely go back and check out that one after this one, or even before, because I really do think that that's one of our better shows in a while. And uh, you know, I, I called it a top ten percenter, and I mean that. What I mean by that is like if you would take all of our episodes and like the cream rises to the top there's a percentage that's probably about 10% of like the best stuff. And I think that's one of them. I agree, man. It was really good. It was, you know, it really kind of comes down to the films though too, right? You know, there's so much to talk about with wake and fright and just exploitation in general. And uh, I thought the conversation flowed really well. I mean, it's a subject I'm super interested in. So yeah, yeah, it was a really good show. I actually listened to it a couple of days ago again for the, it was really ran smoothly. 
Yeah, that's good. So if the people out there listen to this episode, if you are a fan of any type of Australian films, exploitation, check out the episode, like JP said. It's really, really good. Yeah, even if you're not, this might actually, you know, make you kind of, it might sway you, persuade you to, you know, go and check out some of these films, especially Wake and Fright. You got to check it out. Um, Good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, so what's, I I think Australian uh, cinema is probably, you know, my favorite in terms of foreign. Like, I mean, I've seen some French stuff. I've seen some Italian stuff, but it seems like for the most part, um, I like, more percentage of the Australian films that I watch than than most of the genres and and that's kind of you know interesting because I, I've said this time and time again I've said this to Jeremy but um, one of the reasons why Jeremy loves French horror is because we only get the good ones really like they don't really send over the bad ones yeah <laughs> and yeah, that's yeah. with really any yeah. country but Australia is an interesting example because um, the, the era in which a lot of the Australian films came over wasn't an era where it is today where they pick and choose the good ones. You know, it's like a, a lot of the stuff just being made in general was coming over and they just happened to be good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I discovered I, a few, I discovered a few gems from like Australia over the years. Like, uh, this one's not really a horror film, but stone. It's really fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I actually recommended that film to moods plenty of times. Yeah, and I still haven't. I picked it up. I still haven't gotten around to watching it yet, though. But, but uh, anytime I'm recommended an Australian film, I always jump on it because it's pretty much beti- behind Italian films. Like probably my second favorite uh, foreign, you know, mm-hmm. place to watch films from. I'm, I've always I always stress in my in my videos and on my channel and stuff how much I love Australian films. Like I did an Aussie Week one time on my on my channel, and and I remember when I, I reviewed the Tunnel. That that review got so many crazy comments that are just like I've never heard of this man, and from a lot of Australians, it's it's amazing uh-huh. how many films I reviewed in that week. That you know, my regular Australian viewers are like, I've never heard of this film, never heard of this film, oh. never heard of this film. Like that's so crazy, and, and they... I was like introducing them to their own films. It was like the strangest thing, but the tunnel. I still get feedback on the thanks for recommending me the tunnel. Yeah, that's cool. That, yeah. That's usually the case with a lot of uh, foreign territories. Like it seems like French people really don't watch their movies and Australian people don't really watch their movies so much. It's, it's kind of interesting how that, that works a little bit. Mm-hmm. I try to stay out of that, that, you know, almost that stereotype a little bit when it comes to Canadian films, I try to watch them all, but then the odd one comes across like, you know, um, death dive where Matt introduced me to that film. <laughs> it was like this French Canadian film I had never even heard of. And he's like, Oh, check this out. It's from, it's from uh, Quebec. And I'm like, what the fuck? So it happens, you know, underneath the radar. But um, but Derek, since you're back on the show for a second time, and we never we never played five questions with you the first time we came on because, I, well, I'll admit I pretty much dropped the ball on that one. I just completely <laughs> forgot to do it. So no excuses there. I just forgot to do it. I suck. So what we're gonna do here is we're gonna play a quick little game of, of five questions. This was the whole oh, reason he came back. Like we didn't even want him on the show. We just felt bad that we didn't <laughs> do five questions. Exactly. <laughs> but it's going to be a little different, and it's going to be based on you know your second appearance here. So these okay. questions are very quick. Just say whatever comes to your mind. It doesn't have to be even your real answer. It doesn't even really matter. But um, question one, what's your favorite sequel, as in part two? Mm, probably. Wow. <laughs> I stumped him. <laughs> 
I'm gonna have to say like maybe like uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. As no, part as in two, like I mean. an actual part two. Oh, part two. Oh, my bad. Mm. That's when you come back for the fourth I'm gonna... time. Fourth <laughs> <laughs> time, yeah. I'm probably gonna have to say maybe like uh, Child's Play two. Yeah, that's that's good. All right, second favorite place to buy films online. So do you have a number one? And then where, where's your second place that you go to? But don't tell us uh, your number one. Yeah, don't tell us your number one. Probably uh, BestBuy.com. Really? Wow. Yeah, I get uh, some good deals in there and get points and stuff. That's why I use it. Oh, interesting. All right. I, which, that, that That's actually why I was not expecting that answer one bit. <laughs> Funny. Uh, second favorite media company. Mondo Macabro. All right. Two Chains or Tupac? <laughs> Tupac, definitely. <laughs> and finally. You might have been banned from the show based on your answer. <laughs> I was just trying to think of stupid questions with two in it. <laughs> that was a good uh, one. And what's your second favorite podcast? Hmm. Exploding Heads. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And that does. I, well, well, that was well, very good, Moods. <laughs> Well, that's the. Well, I've been listening to you guys before they even got into like, you know, uh, flotation and stuff. Derek, you did find so, your first answer. No need to elaborate. Yep, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I know that question, that question was designed to have a rip on exploding heads again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well done. Both well done. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, what has been going on in the daily lives of you guys, man? Here. You know what? I will start. This week, I have been like crazy, crazy sick. And you know what happened to me? So I've been looking forward to this horathon that, you know, comes here. Uh, well, I guess it just started last year. So I guess this is like the second, second annual, annual second annual one. But this year, they kind of did it a little different. They're spreading over a few weekends. And uh, this weekend was the first weekend. So Friday, they played two films. And then Saturday, there was also two films. Um, I was really, really fucking sick this whole weekend. So... I kind of I didn't want to go on Friday, and last night I was I really wanted to make it and stuff, but I ended up not not going, and I missed Suspiria on the big screen. Oh, oh my god! I know, man. I was like, I was so out of it. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. You should have just popped <laughs> that, like eight Nyquil kit pills and just rolled. You know how that's how sick I was. I couldn't move, dude. I was just like I couldn't concentrate. I was just dying, man. It was fucking brutal. But you know. Missing Suspiria was just like a huge blow to me. I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks so bad. I have a similar but, story, but way more awesome. Yeah. Well, I hope it's better than that one because yeah, that just sucks. Is. So I went and seen Psycho on the big screen. Boom. Mm. Yeah. It was well, pretty, nice cool. pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice I actually how, saw. How was that on the big screen? Uh, awesome. Because uh, it was a re- you know. It, it, that 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 cinema, that little theater is is awesome. Like the screen's really big, the seats are comfortable. It's laid out in a nice way. The sounds good. It's a huge theater. I mean, I can't even tell you how many uh, screens it has, but it, it, it's a lot. Uh, there's multiple floors. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. And um, yeah. So so you know, this was, I I told you guys that I went and seen The Shining there, and uh, before that I seen Thirty. Are these all there. film prints too? Are these all film no, prints? They're not film no. prints. Uh, they're, okay. they're definitely some sort of HD transfer. I, I'm not sure exactly what they yeah, are, but yeah. 
But it's it's really neat because the, they kind of take a lot of feedback from the people who go to those. And on the Facebook page, uh, they take suggestions. And usually, two when they plan like a month, uh, the month really started in September with like the Lost Boys and Donnie Darko. Uh, and then it went into October with uh, Psycho Poltergeist and The Shining. Uh, not in that order, actually, reverse that order. <laughs> and uh, ending with Halloween, of course, which I won't get to see Halloween. I, I've seen it twice on the big screen now, uh, one on 35, and I've seen it at a drive-in. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to wear that awesome feeling out, so I, I probably won't go see Halloween. But uh, they, they take suggestions, and they usually pick about two each time. So uh, I hope that they do something cool for, for you know, next year. But also they kind of there's a guy who kind of emcees the whole thing at the beginning and you know he gives a little facts on the films any any of those facts any horror fan would know <laughs> you know that they're like the mm-hmm. obvious ones and stuff uh like they use chocolate syrup for the blood or whatever you know and, 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 <laughs> this is the first time yeah, yeah. a toilet has been flushed on camera or something you know uh and it, but but it's fun because there's a lot of people in there who there, I, there's a lot of younger people that I seen going to the to the the shining and, and psycho as well which I was happy about and a very respectful audience uh, an audience that it seems to be there for the actual movie and they laugh at the funny stuff and they you know uh, they're in they're into the movie like you know the shining in the shining uh, one of my favorite parts was seeing the the people react to the old woman in the mirror. Uh, because there was a lot of people who had never seen The Shining in there, definitely because of their reaction. But Psycho was really, really cool. Uh, it, it, it's been a lot of years since I've watched that movie, mm-hmm. and it's so suspenseful and so good, and the performances are so great. Um, but I actually noticed like a little of the flaws in the, in in its era that that I was watching. Like, it's a movie that if you are watching it for the first time and you're not like super in the film like you almost they can almost lose you in the beginning of the film because it's it takes a little bit for things to happen like especially the very first scene with um you know uh uh what is her name crane what's her name mary Mary crane Crane. yeah yeah and uh sam loomis like that scene is like very long and like very over dramatic you know but uh-huh. you know i'm not gonna sit here and bash psycho obviously because it's like it's near perfect but uh there's there's just a few things that i noticed in it but there's also so much good things that i've noticed in it too you know uh like there's one scene uh where outside of the cabin there's a little box on the wall that says like please place your keys in here i never noticed that as many times as i've seen psycho i never noticed that really, really? That you can that, huh. yeah like and i noticed it on the uh you know seeing it on the big screen and stuff uh it's it's not that far of a drive either. It's actually right next to the theme park where they shot the entire Adventureland movie. Uh, it's very not oh, yeah. right next to it, but it's it's really close to that. Which nice. I, hmm. I went there as well uh, for their Halloween Fright Night thing, uh, and uh, that was really cool. But yeah, the Psycho, uh, super cool to see it. And I actually made some suggestions to the the MC about films that they should show in December because they're going to show like a Christmas story and Christmas vacation. 
Uh, but I was like, how about Silent Night, Deadly Night? And he's like, whoa, I don't, I don't know about that because, you know, typically it's been a family thing. And, and I was like, Black Christmas? And he's like, uh, you know, and I was like, what about Gremlins? Come on, Gremlins is family. And he's like, you know, we showed Gremlins a few years ago and it went over pretty well, maybe. So their lineup for December hasn't officially came out yet. But if there's one of those films that I suggested in there, I'm 100% going. Uh, nice, any nice. three of those films, I would absolutely love to see in a, in a theater with a bunch of people. Nice, nice, nice. nice. Yeah, Got any I... good uh, theater stories? Who, me? I actually yeah. do. Actually, Whoa. oh wow! I actually got to go see Shinja Jared this week. What's Ooh. that? The new Godzilla film. That's awesome. The new God. Wait, didn't they so just how make was a it? Godzilla film? Yeah, the Japanese one. Yeah. Oh, they, wait. It's a. Uh, oh, go ahead. The, so the the there's an American Godzilla film that came out like in 2013, right? Mm-hmm. So they made a Japanese one as well, and there's like 30 Japanese ones, right? Yeah. Okay, so this is it's is this the same production company that that made all the other ones, or is this like a new Terminal extra strength tablet? Whoa. Oh. <laughs> is this like a, <laughs> is this like a new production company? Like is it's it Toho. is it a sequel? It's a like a reboot slash reimagining. Oh, okay. It's Toho Studios though. It's just had they done that before? Yeah, yes. you know if it's Toho, this has got to be some good stuff. Yeah, it's it's like a they have done it before in the past. Like each like uh, series of new Godzilla films, like from like they did it before in '84 with uh, Godzilla '84. Uh, we know it as '85. Yeah. And then they did it again with Godzilla 2000. That's like a whole new like series of films okay. that came out of those. Really surreal experience to see like a Japanese Godzilla film on the big screen, and it was probably my favorite experience of the year so far. Was it? Done? I'm not gonna. No, it was all in subtitles. Oh, cool. It was just in Tyson, and we watched it on the big screen, and I really like. I'm not gonna go into full sense about my thoughts on the film, but. I highly enjoyed it. That's all I'm going to give away. And maybe we'll get more into that discussion maybe on a further episode. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of like hardcore Godzilla fans will appreciate it and really enjoy like the little homages it actually blends in. Because they do change a few things about Godzilla's mythology in this film. Oh, but, really? But it works for... like the time period that this film is set in it's like a it's a now like period like it talks about like the stuff that's going on in japan now type deal so where does this fit into the timeline well it doesn't it's a wholly new like creature so it's just like an updated version so they change mythology so it's like it, it kind of it's kind of like a standalone film then in a sense mm-hmm. i didn't really read into this one too much yeah it's a standalone well, a lot of them are standalone films, like eighty well, four, eighty four through like ninety five. Those are all like standalone. Eighty four yeah. was the standalone Godzilla film, and all the films that came after it, till Destroyer, were its sequels. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but this mm-hmm. is like another standalone one. That's this one actually isn't just deriving from something else. I know you yeah. really like Godzilla, Derek. Uh, have you seen every Godzilla? I have. Whoa, that's crazy. I've only oh, seen yeah. like four. I'm getting pretty close. I've seen pretty much all of them too. Mothra being my favorite character. <laughs> Dude, fuck that moth for real. 
That shit <laughs> ruined joke. Godzilla for me. Like, I, I the first Godzilla, I was like, oh, this is dark. This is awesome. Like, really love the first Godzilla. Uh, Godzilla Raids Again, which I believe is the second one. Am I correct? Or mm-hmm. okay, yep. Mothra definitely is. is one of the most is one of the least entertaining. Yeah, so so I like that one, and then King Kong versus Godzilla, like. Eh. But then Moth, the moth comes in, and I'm like, fucking, what the fuck are these fairy things? Like, I hated it. I just hated it. I was well, like, how do you go from well, this dark shit to this? Well, Mothra had her own film, and what they did is they started to connect a lot of, like, other, like, standalone kaiju monsters into, like, the Godzilla Which universe also. because some of those monsters are fucking badass, yeah. but that yeah. fucking moth is lame, dude. Is there people that are fans of that thing? I actually respect his story, but he's not one of my favorites. Wait, that Mothra. Her story. <laughs> oh, it's a her. I find Mothra <laughs> to be one of the least and in, most interesting ones. That's for sure. But most interesting? Well, yeah. Least. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> you guys are giving me like mini heart attacks here. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't, uh, I can't yeah. really describe how much I hated that moth. I just didn't like it. I was not down, and that's so and that's literally where I, the nope, ones? I was done right there. And not, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's the, the last one I owned, like because I bought all four of those in a very like you know right around the same time, and then I was like, oh, yep, I, I'm I'm good for a while. <laughs> you didn't like King Kong vs Godzilla? No, I don't think so. I don't really remember <laughs> that one. The first two I liked. I like, the first one was great, but yeah, it didn't didn't really. Well, if you like dark and serious, you're going to love Shin Jajera. Is that the new one? Yes. Good. That's what I'm saying. That's About cool. fucking time. <clears throat> yeah. So. So is that what, is that, where, where like, is that thing screening all over the place or like what's yeah, going on? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a limited run, but what happened was everyone, it's actually doing really well from what I'm hearing and they extended the lim- run to another week. Oh, okay. Because I've been seeing, like, other posters and stuff of them going to see it in theaters, and I'm actually really happy that it's doing good with its limited run, and then I can't wait till the Blu-ray comes out, so be definitely hmm. that up. Yeah, because I didn't even hear anything about that thing coming to theaters, at least not up here, so I, I doubt we'll even get Listen, any I didn't even know it was being made. Like, no, I did know it was being made, but I had no idea that it was, like, done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> interesting so, um but yeah I, I definitely want to check it out man i'm a big godzilla fan i still gotta watch the 84 blu-ray man so i'm gonna check that out you said the transfer is really good gotta check that shit out man. Mm-hmm. yeah it's a fun film don't get it me is. wrong i think i do like godzilla and i think that as i oh, i've seen destroy what the which one came out in 68 destroy all monsters destroy all monsters yeah, yeah that one was dope uh destroy all monsters is awesome yeah because i watched that for the 68 show and it was like right yeah. outside on the bubble i love the smog monster man so good yeah, Gig- Gigan. There's definitely Gigan's some awesome. uh, some that I think that I will like. I know that some of them, like I know that he goes back and forth with like being like a monster and like a like like a like. I think uh, I think you'd really like. Practically. I think you would really like the '90s films because even though he fights other monsters in them, he's technically still a bad villain in the film because he's destroying cities and shit. Yeah. After he like fights monsters and shit. That's what I hate is the idea that he's like a good guy at points like they did that with the puppet master films and like i hate four and five for that reason like i don't i I guess i don't truly hate them but i just i just don't like i'm not super into them because of that another one i think you would really like is gmk 
which is from the 2000s. Is that the That's black actually, one? No, no, this is uh, from the 2000s. It's uh, from the same director of the Gamera trilogy. Okay. And and he, Godzilla is wicked evil in this film. Like even his eyes are like pale white and stuff. And he's just a destructive force. And it's up to it's actually a very interesting film because they have King Ghidorah as a good guy in this one, hmm. who's usually Godzilla's villain. And they're yep. him, him and Mothra right. are trying to stop Godzilla. That pretty much. Like Moth isn't in it that much, but um... <laughs> no, he's, a, he's, a, he's yeah, actually that, a cooler that, design than that's an interesting film actually. It is. Yeah. Uh, so, um, all right. Well, one thing that I did want to mention before we roll on, guys, is uh, I wanted to read a couple more reviews from iTunes. Uh, as always, you know, the contest is still going on. We didn't get a single review from the last episode, which I'm a little disappointed <laughs> in because we only need one more review to give away another uh, Blu-ray. So I don't. That's because nobody's yet is. to listen to the damn episode. <laughs> <laughs> so seriously, guys, like if you're listening out there, no matter if you don't comment or you don't really interact with us that much just hop on itunes create an and account win some and leave shit. a re- review like you have a, a good shot at winning like there's right now there's 29 reviews that's like a one considering we're giving away multiple things here i still have a couple copies you know you have hell, you have like a semi-decent chance of pull, getting your name pulled so come on guys hell hell even i'm gonna probably throw in something because I got, <laughs> okay I, there you go yeah all right so leave some reviews yeah, so, uh, you know, and I just want to wait. We're at 29 now. I just want to get to 30, and then maybe maybe we'll do one, you know, re- after, you know, 30, 31. We'll do another one. So so who knows? But we got to get to 30 first. So uh, the first review here is from Ken Foray. I, I, I know he's a fan. <laughs> I, I know he's a fan, but, you know, I didn't think he was a big enough fan to leave a review. <laughs> well, obviously Ken Foray left a comment. Yeah, five stars. He says, awesomeness. Ten for it, man. Of short words. Yeah. So it makes him so great, man. <laughs> then we have it's the snowman, the best five stars. Simply the best horror po- podcast out there. Funny and informative. I have so, I have found so many good movies by listening to these guys. And I bet he found a couple more on the Australian show. Check it out. <laughs> uh, th- then we got one yeah. from the homie Zach. He says, my favorite horror podcast, 22 Shots, is by far the best podcast out there. It's very insightful, and that moods dude is one funny son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we have uh, Sasa Meow. and uh, Meow. She says, <laughs> well-rounded podcast for horror fans. I've been subscribed to these guys since late 2002 on YouTube and have been an avid listener of their podcast for a while now. Not really a podcast person, but was surprised at how this show drew me in and have become part of my weekly routine. Excellent material from horror news to releases, discussions about the genre and horror collecting, personalized segments, and much more. The hosts, Moods and JP, are incredibly engaging and hilarious have great personalities and collaborate with fun guests and other podcast hosts on as uh, hosts as well on select episodes you will put yourself laughing at some point they they're also very responsive slash interactive should you have questions or requests about upcoming topics slash shows i have pretty much stopped searching for my own horror inf- horror info on horror uh my own info on horror and just tune into the podcast instead. Highly recommended. I mean, is that review not like the best ever? <laughs> yeah, man, we become review. part of her daily or her weekly routine. Yeah, 
that's awesome. That's I mean, an awesome review. Kind of merged ourselves in there and makes you feel a little warm inside. So we'll Good end stuff. it on that one. We have a few more to review next show, but um, Sasa, I mean, come on. Like, this, this chick's Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent comments. Thank you, everybody, once again. And uh, like JP said, man, get him in there. We need one more before we do another draw, so yeah. why would you want to miss out? Like, mm-hmm. why? I mean, it's just free shit, man. I mean, who doesn't want free stuff? Yeah, free yeah, stuff is seriously. the best stuff. <laughs> right? right? There's, only one, there's only one answer there. And, so. and it's not like I'm giving away shit either. I mean, both of these movies, The Neon Demon and The Wailing, are top ten material for 2016. Seriously. Mm-hmm. There you go. I still haven't seen either of them because JP's not giving them to me. He's giving them to you guys. Yeah, and they I don't even the... want them. They don't even want them. I might as well just give them to you. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. That is just unbelievable. <laughs> All righty. Well, since we got the uh, the comments in, um, let's get into some news. We got some news here. All right. The first little bit of news here is not that newsy, but it is of note. And that is George Romero will premiere a 4K restoration of his zombie classic Night of the Living Dead during the Museum of Modern Arts to save and project an annual celebration in New York of newly preserved and restored films. So why that means something to me is if they did a 4K transfer, if somebody did it, whether it's a museum or not, that means that it's more possible to get a Blu-ray release of it. Right? Mm-hmm. What in region one? Region yes. one? Possibly. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there is there is Blu-rays of it. I mean, I have to say, man, the uh the umbrella release of it looks amazing. It does. It, looks, it really like I popped in, I was like, oh shit. That looks a lot better than it usually does. So I'm curious, man. A four K transfer on this? Holy shit, man. Should be interesting. I'd love to see what that looks like, because after seeing this uh well, this 2K scan of the Umbrella one, it looks pretty damn good. Yeah, fantastic so. company, too, out of Australia. Oh, it's a great release, man. I got yeah. to pick up that, yeah. you know, that double Night of the Living Dead one with the, the OG and the remake on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both, they look both fantastic, man. Both yeah. look fantastic. So, By the way, they pay me to say that. Working for Umbrella now? Oh. <laughs> companies, on the the company right is there. very cool. Uh, But after that, we have a little bit of an update on the Let the Right One In pilot. That's uh, TNT's new horror TV series. We mentioned a while back that TNT's working on a block of horror shows, including the reboot of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, Let Mm -hmm. the Right One In, as a TV show, is going to be another one of their series. And they began casting. It's a very Mm. weird show to... a weird movie to do a... TV series on. Yeah, I don't know. Let me yeah. guess, that girl from Kick-Ass is going to be in it, that Chloe Moretz or whatever name is. Not that I know, is... but I would not... That doesn't doesn't she play in all these remakes? And things? Oh, did, so... Was she the girl in the remake? Let yeah, she in? was. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she's already done it, so she should. Huh? Yeah. Um, I like uh, I like her though. I don't, I don't give a fuck. She she's I think she's pretty cool little horror actress. Mhm. Uh, I I like her too. Yeah yeah no she she's decent. Yeah, um, didn't she, she also got cast in the Suspiria remake too, didn't she? 
Um, she did. I don't know if she officially got cast, but she might have. She's definitely. So Carrie Suspiria fucking wow. let the right one in or let me in or whatever it was called. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dark That's... Shadows. Yeah, it's unusual. Wow. So, the only thing she's done original, I guess, is kick ass. Yeah, I haven't really. I don't. I'm not. I'm not up to date on the filmography. <laughs> or anything, That's just but, strange yeah. to be in that many remakes and reboots of things, man. It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's a little out there um, against the norm. After that, we have a little bit of news that I guess I guess Derek would be interested in. Moods too, but more so Derek. Uh, Michael Doherty will actually be writing, co-writing that is, uh, the Godzilla two film. So the American Ooh. Godzilla sequel, which oh, yeah. uh, Michael Doherty, you guys should know from uh, next week's, uh, one of next week's featured reviews, and that's Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. He wrote and, Krampus. and directed Trick or Treat, uh, Krampus as well. I wonder how he got involved with writing a Godzilla film. I don't know, but it's great to see, because that's a mega movie, right? Like, that's going to make a lot of money. Well, He's that's what I'm saying. It's like a mega production. To... Yeah. yeah, we've been seeing it I mean, I, lately. I guess it. I mean, I guess Krampus did really well, though, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how it so, happens, I mean, though, right? His name kind of got out there. It's kind of yeah. It's like James know. Wan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, man, the guy's a really good writer. Who knows? Maybe he'll, he'll do something really good with the new Godzilla film. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that the last one was complete trash. I didn't really care for it overly that much, but. I had my I, problems. I would, I would with like it. to see what. He, yeah, I, I had problems with it too. I'd love to see what he would do with the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's but it's, he's not the only one that this is happening to, right? Because uh, Scott Derrickson, like, listen to this, right? Like, Scott Derrickson. You guys know Scott Derrickson? Yeah, he directed, like, uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah, he did Urban Legends Final yeah. Cut. He did a, a writing job on there. Hellraiser Inferno, The Exorcism mm-hmm. of really Emily Rose, Sinister, Deliver Us from Evil, Sinister 2, and now Doctor fucking Strange. Like, seriously, bro? Like, good job, right? Like... Yeah, like that's that's a really like, I don't get good, how do you how do you go from all those shit films to fucking Doctor Strange? Well, he hey, got progressively at, better though, man. I mean, well, look, I mean, well, Sister was really good. Well, look at James Gunn. He's he's a Marvel director now, exactly. and he started out writing for Troma, Tromeo and Juliet. Yep, well, yep. I know, but like, but th- but this guy had like a long string of not the greatest. I guess people like Sinister. I mean, Sinister wasn't terrible for myself. It was okay. Well, I didn't mind it, but the rest of his film that's crazy. He just went from. All this to like, bam. Well, Mr. Oh, Emily Watson, Rose is the popular. Homie, the, yeah, the, Mr. Watson, the homie over at uh, Horror Corridor, recently did a top ten, uh, top twenty favorite horror films of all time, and Emily Rose was on that list. Uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose, I believe, and it's one of his favorite top movies. twenty horror films of all time. Yeah. Really? Did does anybody in this room? In this room, yeah, <laughs> like I'm talking like we're in the you. same studio. Um, we did, are. Did you did you guys care for that film? Listen, okay, I okay. There's a difference between popularity. A there's a difference between popularity and good films. Okay, I understand that sometimes people make a lot of films like this guy has. And to, in in my opinion, none of them have been really that great. But to go from pretty mediocre to, to less average stuff to like you know, Sinister. bam, you're writing you know Doctor Strange type or you're doing Doctor Strange type stuff. That's pretty crazy, man. Emily Rose, I didn't care for it. Well, okay. Like, Emily Rose came out in 2005. I seen it, didn't like it. Haven't seen it since. But the homie Mr. Watson 
and those other people who were commenting on their love for the exorcism of Emily Rose really kind of convinced me that I'm going to revisit it because uh, the way he described it sounded awesome. And I was like, well, shit, I must have missed something because I thought it sucked. So no, I'm you didn't go miss back. anything. You didn't miss anything. It's it's very generic. I, but revisit maybe maybe I it might change your mind. But <laughs> you know what? I don't know, Derek. You've seen it. When's what do you, the last what do you time you've seen it, Moods? Two thousand five? No, <laughs> two thousand. Yeah, the last time I, I seen it was actually when the DVD came out, and I watched the extended edition of it. So I don't know how different it is to the theatrical. But... I watched it maybe roughly five years ago again or something. Well, I don't know, Moods. Listen, I didn't you, hate you have yet to hear Horror Corridor, so shame on you. But I will tell I you t- that this guy is really good at, at kind of voicing his opinion and, and letting, you, letting you see it from his angle. So, like, I know, based but on I've, that I've alone. Seen the film and I already have I mean, it's not going to change my opinion. I mean, I've seen it. It, it, it so could. I'm, it could. It's possible. You never know, man. I mean, you never know. Like, it, sometimes you just don't see movies the way that other people see them. They kind of shed some light on why they like it. And it's like, oh, I never <laughs> looked at it that way. I'm hoping that's what happens with me. Maybe if, um, the worst comes to worst, you probably might appreciate what they were doing with the film. Yeah, it still doesn't make it good, though. <laughs> that doesn't, but... Honestly, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it, either. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> like, I, I, no, didn't, I, I, I thought... didn't even... I thought it was boring as shit, but I was also, like, 15 or something when it came well, out. Well, yeah, it, it was more, like, courtroom stuff, but I got... Like, I watch a lot of, like, Law and & Order and stuff, so I got used to that aspect of it when I watched it. So, it was an interesting experience, to say at least. But basically, at the end of the day, though, yeah. man, I just think it's super dope that these like horror guys are getting their due, and they're they're making a lot of money. Like, good for them. Like, good for mm-hmm. Scott Derrickson. Good for James Gunn, James Wan, and and the rest of these guys. Like, bravo! Like, it needs, well, at it least James Wan makes good films, though. At least he makes you know decently good films. So, I mean, his respect is due, though. So that kind of makes sense to me, but. You know, that's just my opinion. Well, James Wan makes fantastic movies, but... That's what I'm saying. Like, at least his, you know, where he is today is because he makes good films. He writes good films and directs good films. I mean, I, I don't I know. Really As the other guys, these aren't the strongest things. I mean, you really like Sinister? I didn't mind it. I thought it was decent. It's you know, one of the I have best movies against. of 2012, for sure. <laughs> Hell, the guy who directed Clowns making the new Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Good on him. Because that movie actually is really good. Clown is good. Yeah. Clown, yeah, Clown would have definitely made my top ten last year if I had seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I think that you know, listen, we're gonna start losing all these horror directors to all these fucking blockbuster mainstream films. They always films. come back. But <laughs> before you know it, all these guys are just coming up in the genre. And be like, bam! Here's your Hollywood job, Jack. I'm surprised <laughs> that uh, I'm surprised that Adam Green has not got his shot. Nobody yet. comes back from that shit, man. Nobody comes back James and makes Wong those. Just came back. He like literally went, made Fast and the Furious, came right back. <laughs> yeah, but he's mm-hmm. but but these are still Hollywood budget films, though. Yeah, yeah but they're, they're he's still they're in that rent. movies. Like like Contract yeah. Two is just as strong as the first one, if not better. Mm-hmm. So, I still have to see it. I mean, I, okay, I know you had your beef with Sinister and stuff. I think it's actually incredibly scary, and just just the the camera work in it is fantastic. Like, if you rewatch I, it and pay attention to the camera work, it is really good. And I think that, if anything, and, and Deliver Us from Evil 
also had really uh, good camera work. Yeah, it was a little yeah, boring yeah. for my taste, but it the mood of it and the camera work was great. So I thought it was decent. Maybe worse. somebody saw something in Scott Derrickson. I've I've recently listened to him talk on a podcast, and um, I think the guy's really intelligent. Yeah. definitely, definitely uh, capable. So Doctor we'll Strange see. seems like his alley. I mean, too. there's there's a little bit more behind you know just what we see to the story though too right i mean it, it, there's something to do with him also mm-hmm. i mean these, these guys get jobs also because they're they fit into the industry also who knows I, I i really don't know i mean just i mean if you just judge buddy's filmography the way it is and then all of a sudden it's like dr strange like holy fuck man i mean good for him i'm not i don't want to take anything away from his success that's fine yeah but i'm just like if i was th- sitting and i was looking at this filmography going well fuck inferno fucking blah 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 i'm like holy shit man like i don't know but you know, sometimes there's more to the meets the eye, though, in general, because, you know, these guys were also directing other scripts and shit like that that aren't the greatest. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got to you got to kind of look at it like that, too. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Doherty getting uh, Godzilla 2 is entirely based on Krampus's success, I would say. And whoever, well, of course, whoever well, liked him or whatever, there's definitely he had, he, somebody had to been like, oh, yeah, like, I really like this Krampus movie. Like, I got to get I, like. We got to interview this. But guy I can see the connection there, though, man, because, you know, in Krampus, it has like, it has some really good visual shots. Like, it's very atmospheric and shit like that. There's a lot of really good stuff going on in that film, which I could see, you know, the producers are going, well, man, if we can incorporate that type of mood and that type of atmosphere and feel from something like that into a Godzilla film, you know, and keep it dark and shit, I mean, it, it kind of especially complements each other quite well. I can see where they're coming from with especially- that. Especially, especially with the other monsters that they announced for the sequel too, which yeah. I'm highly stoked for. Yeah. yeah. Well, also you got to remember though, Michael Doherty actually does have, you know, a, a decent foot in this. Like he he wrote he he wrote uh, a screenplay for X Men Two, and X Men mm-hmm. Apocalypse. So I mean, mm-hmm. and Superman Returns. So mm-hmm. take that for what it's worth. I mean, he's he's definitely dabbled in in the bigger stuff. Uh, but yeah. the only thing that worries me is like, dude, I thought we were getting Trick or Treat too, homie. Well, he's not yeah. directing it, is he? He's just no, he's not directing it. He's he, but he's writing it. I don't know. Yeah, I know they're looking for a director because Edwards backed out of it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, who knows what it, what is going on with that project? Is yeah. well, Ed, yeah, Edwards backed out of it because he's doing Rogue One, that Star Wars. But no, is there is there actually a script for it though? Oh, well, that's what JP was announced. What the Godzilla? Yeah, Michael Doherty's are writing it right now. That's yeah. what... No, for Trick or Treat too. Yeah, there. It, I think he said the last thing he said. Like, is there actually was... like a full script done? Because, like, apparently Buddy dropped out of directing. But it is I? I no, no. I did, the, he, there was no, confirmed script. Though. That was not. He wasn't talking about Trick or Treat that somebody dropped out of directing. Oh, okay. That's what I thought he said. I was like, okay. no, I'm talking about the Godzilla director. He that's right. Dropped, that's right. Okay. He dropped out of um, part two. I know, but just when you brought up Trick or Treat, I thought I'd mention oh, that. Oh, I'm pretty okay. sure that there isn't a bona fide script for it because JP said, where's Trick or Treat 2? No, no, the, he's been he, – I don't know if it's like done, done, but he's been doing it like for a long time now. So I don't so there, know. Yeah, there's just been no confirmation that it's actually – Well, I mean he, he been materialized that at all. it's happening. Like he came out – like yeah. for years he said like, ah, oh, one day, and he's oh, no, came for out sure. and said he was doing it, so – um, yeah, they actually even made an announcement, like they made it all official and stuff. So I, I don't know, like maybe it's just taking longer than well, who knows? Who, who, who knows? Who how how long he took to actually write the first script? He might 
actually take time and process well, the thing with the first script was he's he'd all he he'd had that character and like ideas around him for years like he used to because mm-hmm, uh, he did the animated short film that yeah, yeah i know uh so i'm sure he's thought about stories for since the first film so we'll, we'll see with that i think it's just taking a while to materialize godzilla also taking a while to materialize uh this this film is going to be uh probably a little while um 2017 March 20th. Okay, that's not or uh, no no King Kong. The the idea behind this is to create a King Kong Godzilla universe where the two will meet and face off in 2020. So uh, mm-hmm. this film is gonna come out, and then the Skull Island Kong movie is gonna come out, and then hopefully a mashup. So uh, nice. Uh, another King Kong versus Godzilla film. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, see these these are just all preludes. This is pretty awesome. Hopefully these are all good. Mm-hmm. Leading up to that, that'll be even more exciting. Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to that new King Kong flick. I think it'll be cool. That's cool. I've seen clips of it. It looks decent from mm-hmm. what I saw. Uh, yeah, the last one wasn't my favorite, man. Yeah. Well, Definitely was not that, my favorite that, you film. You know what? That sh- that movie has been in- brought up entirely too much on this podcast. <laughs> like, like, it really has. <laughs> like, it feels like <laughs> almost like every other episode we talk, we mention that or something. But uh, the infamous I, Peter I Jackson's comment. I bet you that Ty West gets the next big shot because um, Ty West is making. But isn't he getting stuff. it right now though? Like, isn't he doing the western though? He is, and I think that that's a bigger movie. But I don't. I don't. It's not like it's got a some pretty. It's got some A-list actors in it, though, doesn't it? Definitely it definitely has some okay. A-list actors, but I, I'm talking about like release. It's not like a blockbuster, like fucking Godzilla, Doctor Strange, like those are like mega blockbuster movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, but, but those are but those are actually like in that blockbuster. I mean, this is still an A-list film. I mean, if you got John Travolta starting your film, I mean, you know, it's not chump change there. Oh, man. No, well, no, but I mean, we. I'm just saying, well, like John Travolta's been doing some sucky films lately, too. <laughs> But I'm saying he's probably still not. Ch- but you know, you get my fucking point here. Yeah. A blockbuster is a fucking block. A blockbuster yeah, can have no big games in it. Really, it's still a big budget fucking you know superhero film. But you know, I mean, still Travolta. That shit sells. I mean, mm-hmm. you market it properly, man. It's an A-list film. It's still yeah, studio. but I'm, ju- I'm just talking about scope. Like, I'm not talking about like, oh, like who's in it or anything like that. I'm just saying like yeah. he's gonna get the next big shot. Is what I was trying to say. But yeah, I mean, for sure, in the Valley of Violence has has a lot of big names like Ethan Hawke and uh, John Travolta, like you mentioned. Uh, also, Larry Fessenden. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. See, that cast is that cast is awesome. Yeah, so Fessenden is awesome, man. I'm really looking forward to that movie. Honestly, him and, him and his huge forehead could be in any of my fucking movies. <laughs> <laughs> After that, we have uh, Don't Breathe is coming to home video November 29th. Uh, and digital November eighth. Uh, it doesn't look like it's super packed with um, features, but it does have deleted scenes. And who's releasing it? Do who... Uh, who is releasing it? Whoever it is, I got a press release. Sony. Sony's releasing it. Ah, uh, so that's why there's no uh, features on it. Actually, there is five <laughs> featurettes that I didn't see. They were listed down bottom. So <laughs> Look at this guy. He doesn't know how to do the news properly. Come on. <laughs> um, five featurettes, a commentary, and deleted scenes. So really, really curious. I, I'm actually super curious to hear Fede Alvarez's commentary because to me, to me that that should be really. I'm, I'm curious to see what he says about it. Yeah, I can't wait to revisit it myself. 
just the film in general. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I I, I love Don't Breathe, really. Good. I'll probably have to pick it up in like March or April of 2017 when it goes down to ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck. So after that, we have Jack Frost getting a 2K Blu-ray release from Vinegar Syndrome. <laughs> Dude, that lenticular cover that they have for that is fucking great. <laughs> it's really yeah. cool. It, it looks awesome. Like the, I'm gonna, the, I'm gonna, I'm, the video looks really, really damn good. I was. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have to order it now. <laughs> yeah, did you? Um, they're putting. There's no pre-orders for that, right? They're, it's coming out. They're doing it on their Black Friday sale. They're gonna put it out. They're so smart because that shit's gonna sell out that day. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I, so, I've been even ordered from Vinegar Syndrome during their Black Friday sales. Uh, but you know, Je- well, I can't <laughs> wait for video because there's a few. I want to grab the rest of the black exploitation films and stuff. But yeah, got to get my hands on that. That lenticular man, I almost shit my pants laughing when I heard that they announced Jack Frost. Vinegar Syndrome. Are you, are you fucking kidding me, Jack Frost? Yeah, a little bit and of backstory course- on it was we were actually talking to Brandon after he went to a convention a few months ago, and he said he was talking to the uh, Vinegar Syndrome booth, and they teased that they were releasing a Christmas horror film that had never been released. And oh, we I were forgot like, about that conversation. We were yeah. like, oh, shit, like, is it going to be elves? Is it going to be this, that, or the other? We were all speculating. None of uh-huh. us thought it was Jack Frost. Because, well, because one, Jack Frost fibbed. actually had a release. That's because they kind of fibbed. He, they, he, they didn't specify never been released on Blu-ray. Yes, they did. It's been... They, 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 I believe Brandon said they said it's never been released on DVD or. or oh, they, they yeah. even as far as wanted to say that. Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe oh, they either crazy. just whoever was at the booth like just didn't know about the, the original Jack Frost that. Re- re- uh, release. Yeah, well, we interpreted it as never been released, so we're thinking elves. Yeah. I'm like, what are the Christmas films that I, I home for the holidays? Home for the holidays and all these crazy things, and it turns out it's Jack fucking Frost. Man, I laughed so hard I was reading the comments underneath. Uh, after they announced it and stuff, and it was like, "Were well, you guys releasing part two? The only question everyone was asking: Where's part two? Why the yeah, fuck Jason, do you want part two? That's what Jason, I said. Who the fuck Jay, wants part two? It's Jason posted terrible. that. He's like, he he likes it more than part one. Oh, for fuck's sakes, that's ridiculous. Part two is such a stupid movie. Listen, Don't part... get me wrong. I love my low budget shitty films, but part two okay. is on a different level of shittiness. It's it. First of all, the idea is just it's not even funny. A fucking a snowman in the tropic in the, in the tropics? That's fucking <laughs> retarded. No, it's it's, yeah, it's, it's funny, really but it's such dumb. A it's, it's it's a really, really bad movie. Like it's not Plus even the effect. <sighs> everything about it is bad. The effects, like, just everything, everything that happens in the film is stupid. Like I don't understand why people even find it. No wonder and, Jeremy sent it to me for me for free. Oh, it's such a bad movie. It's just one of those titles that. Um, I, I had no, like, literally when it was announced, Jack Frost, nowhere in my brain was like, oh, they should have did part two, too. No, like, no, nowhere even close to thinking no, that. <laughs> I, that didn't even, yeah, me neither. Like, it never came over my, my mind once. Like, <laughs> like, like, Jack Frost isn't, like, that good of a Like, I mean, it, like, I think we all liked it because it was like, you know, it's, it's, it's funny and stuff, but, like, dude, Jack Frost, too, come on. Like, it, like, oh. like. I can almost understand the hype for Jack Frost one because of the cover and stuff, but like, and because it was a sought, like it's been hard to get forever. But I mean, Jesus Christ, with Jack Frost too. But at least it's decently fun. I mean, it's still a ridiculous idea, but at least it works. At least the the settings in the wintertime where a snowman could actually, well, realistically walk around. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But it, it's just a better film. 
Yeah. I don't get the love for part two at all. It's just, the, the, I mean, the quality of part one isn't the greatest. I mean, we we joked about how the the. Remember, we even looked at the cost of the suit, and it was like no, hundred grand. The director told me. Yeah, that's right. The director told you the suit was like a hundred thousand dollars. We're like, what the hell, man? Where'd all that money go? It was like, man, you can tell it's just like this this foam material and shit. I'm just like, oh my god. But even part two, like the quality is even less than that. I'm like, everything about part two is just so bad. I can't remember how hard we laughed that that uh, the actors came back for part two. (laughs) Yeah, how did they get to do that shit, man? Ah, it just makes it even worse. So funny. But Jack funny. Frost uh, coming to Blu-ray December 13th from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, I don't care that Vinegar Syndrome like will not, for the any like begging whatsoever, put me on their press release. I still think they're one of the coolest companies out there. Uh, their me releases too. are really neat. They, they do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so hopefully they announce maybe another Christmas movie because like I was I, I got to be honest like as cool as Jack Frost is like. I was a little underwhelmed with that announcement. Uh huh. You know what? I'm actually happy to upgrade that because um, the DVD I have is, you know, it's full screen. It doesn't look great. You know, there's like nothing to it. It's Hurry like bare and bones it. and shit like that. And uh, I have a region two release of it. Uh, I don't even have the region one. It, it's just it's really shitty. And plus, this is going to be it's going to be a. I mean, Vinegar Syndrome. If you're familiar with their PQs and the transfers that they do. Mm-hmm. They really, really blow my mind, dude. Like it fucking blows my mind. Like I, like I was telling Derek the other night, I reviewed Psychic Killer from uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and the transfer just like blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. It was so clear and just amazing. I'm like, wow, these guys are on a different level. So yeah, I gotta pick that up still. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty enjoyable. Pretty enjoyable. No, I seen I seen it before. I reviewed it. Oh, I know. No, I know. I, I know you've seen it before, but I'm just saying it yeah. makes it so much more enjoyable watching with that crazy transfer. Uh, tra- just, wow. <laughs> so uh, but, so uh, moving on here, we have uh, TBS uh, has picked up a half hour horror comedy pilot called Nightmare Time. This uh, this is basically set in Plaza's Nightmare Clinic. Uh, that's Aubrey Plaza uh, from Parks and Rec and Legion. Uh, nightmare clinic celebrity mm-hmm. guests check in to overcome recurring nightmares thanks to advanced technology we're able to peer into their restless minds and witness their nightmares in real time but what's real anyway maybe it's all just a nightmare in Aubrey's mind one endless nightmare that could eventually destroy her and the entire world oh no sounds shitty to me okay uh, what was the name uh, of this one again nightmare time nightmare time <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nightmare time the, like as in like the, guess what guys it's nightmare time yep what nightmare time like is there an exclamation point after time or is it just say nightmare time uh nightmare time boring you can't even like fucking shit. accentuate the time as in like nightmare time fuck that shit uh, yeah I, I have no interest at all that sounds actually pretty <laughs> boring well, it's just going to turn out to be like the number one rated show. We're just sitting here trashing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I always Probably. joke about shouldn't trash something until you've seen it. You know, my, and I always tell JP, oh, fucking trauma movies suck. Have you seen them? No. But uh, Nightmare Time, I'm, terrible. Have you seen it? No. Nightmare <laughs> Time. Wow. It's, Listen, uh, bad sometimes, title. Bad title. sometimes I go on the uh, website, the 22 shots of moods and horror.com website. 
and mm-hmm. I check around. I just poke around a bit at our ratings, and usually during the show is when I do that, when I should be focusing and recording. But I, I like to do that, and sometimes I just look at a rating that either I gave or like that's what he does gave. when I'm reviewing a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm always just I'm like oh wow I can't believe that happened like Phantasm I gave an eight and I was like what why did I do that. Like that's Dude, gone. didn't I call you fucking nuts when you rated it eight on the on the show? Probably. I'm sure Derek can remember. Probably. I, I was mm-hmm. like, dude, you're half retarded. I don't, yeah. I don't even remember what I like, gave it though. Jeremy <laughs> came in higher than me. Like, <laughs> you gave it a nine point five moons, and I gave it. Yeah, eight, I Jeremy gave it an eight point five. But going like, I was just looking. I was like, J- Moons gave Jack Frost one a seven, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. That I thought we all came in at about five on that one, but what did what did you give it? I gave it a five, and Jeremy gave it a what? Four. <laughs> but, but, Four. But we, but we all gave uh, Jack Frost two a one. Besides Steve, who gave it a one point five. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's actually the lowest rated uh, review of all time, isn't it? No. With the total. No, is it Entity? No. Entity is, no. isn't it? Wait. Oh no! I'm thinking Howling Seven probably. Yeah, Howling Seven has a two point five total. <laughs> five, that's with three people. Yeah, Entity actually has uh, five and a half total. So, God, that is shit, man. That is just shit. I can't believe three of the Howling films made it in the Hall of Pain. Jesus Christ! I know it's really, really fucking bad. Uh, speaking of the website, have you updated? Have you updated the uh, the top ten list and stuff? I I did not update the actual like top ten list where you can see like everybody's poster and what they did, but I did. Yeah. I'm up to uh, show eighty seven with the ratings, so I, I just need to mm-hmm. do Blair Witch and Ozploitation uh, in this show to be all caught up, and then I'll work on the top ten list. Cute. Nice, nice, cool. Yeah, I've been so once those are all updated, of, people, you got to go check them out because I always like going back to there. I think I'm just sometimes I'm blown away it's when a I nice go. Nice visual through. reference. Yeah, it is. Like, I'm, I'm actually blown away at how many films have been rated on this show. Oh, <laughs> it'd yeah. be I, was actually, I was actually looking at the website the other on. day. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know how many films are actually listed on there. Well, I think there. I think I like honestly. I would love somebody to go back and. Listen to some of the. I know we've missed films for sure, but also like some of the some of the films we rated like in the quick cut segments are not on here, and I'm yeah. not mm-hmm. sure if they should be. So, but some are. So it kind of bugs me. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, but that wraps yeah. up the news. Is nice. what it is, I guess. Yeah. Alrighty, so getting into. Uh... What we like to call mood swings, yeah, and uh, the new releases for uh, what is it, uh, October twenty fifth, two thousand sixteen, the DVD and Blu ray releases, and there's actually not that much this week, surprisingly. Um, last week there was a lot. This week, yeah, yeah. All right. First up here from Severn Films, we've got the long-awaited uh, Blu ray release of Burial Ground. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually the film that was uh, where we took our name from for the other show that we had a long, long time ago, Burial Grounds. Yep. That's where it came from, this release here. Um, yeah, man, uh, Burial Grounds, what can I say, man? It's it's a ridiculously stupid, fun film. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I enjoy it, man. Um, okay, Derek, do you know if did Severn do their own uh, transfer I, on this one, or did they? Because I know eighty eight films Blu Ray came out before Severn's. Are did they use the same transfer? I'm not really too sure on the transfers, but I know Severn usually does their own. Listen, if you okay. guys don't mind, I want to talk about that real quick. Uh, I cannot stand. Now, and not by, by the way, I'm, I mean no way, shape, or form that you were just doing this because you just asked a question. But when I get on Facebook and I see a new release comes out, and it's a film that has a release from the UK or it has a previous release, and mm-hmm. it's the same transfer, why do people get mad about that? I don't know. Because I have no idea. It, like... If you did a good transfer, like you can't improve on good. Like, like you know, if mm-hmm. it's just like, why do why try to do a new one if the other one is really good? Like, I don't get mm-hmm. it. It's like people just, I guess, if it doesn't say new, it bugs them, and I'm just like, what the fuck? I don't even understand that concept. Well, no, this would be. I mean, this is the first time Burial Grounds has been released on Blu-ray. So, I mean, if they are the same transfer, it is like the only Blu-ray transfer. Right. They well, sure. well, technically, Wait, I thought you said the 88 a... films had a transfer. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. If it is the same one, Well, right? it was on Blu-ray before that, too, by Shriek Show. But Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about the Shriek Show one. But, of course, um, but no one's going to use that transfer because I heard it looked like the DVD. <laughs> yeah, they were transferred. Actually, I, think, I think it actually was. I think um, a lot of the Shriek Show Blu-rays that came out. Is there a way to prove that, it's, that it, it's not? They were just... Uh, what do they call them? Upscaled? Yeah. yeah like the like large, is so there a way to... Upscaled. If there's a, is there a way to prove, like... Like, so let's say Bill from Code Red releases a Blu-ray, and it's just, like, something that I could have did, like, on my computer with, like, a program. Like, is there a way to know, prove that he actually did, like, a new, like, 4K, like, 2K scan or something? Like, I don't... Like I, I'm not technically savvy. You know what? Know. I, I don't think so. I don't think so technically because it, it really does come down to the print that you're scanning, right? Because if uh-huh. you use like a if you use like a beaten up print and you're like, oh man, that doesn't look like a 2K scan. It, it might be, but if the print is already shitty, man, you know your your 2K scan is probably not look not going to look the greatest. That's why a lot of these companies won't release films until they find like the best quality print. Mm-hmm. So when they do their 2K or 4K scan, it comes out looking fucking ridiculous. You're like, well, wow, that's also, really, really also, good. Also, like, isn't it di- like, because some people, they go in and, and like go like frame by frame and like and scan yeah. it that way, don't they? Like some, some people, like I don't know how the whole thing works, but it always seems like Synapse and like Vinegar Syndrome, like when they show pictures of the shit they're doing, it looks like yep. it's not, they just put it in a thing and it like and like scans it like it's like this long process or something you know so i i don't know like what it what they actually do but i was just curious like the two questions that i had was like why do people get mad that that it's not a new transfer if it's if there's one that already exists it's a fucking they Mm -hmm. already did a blu-ray transfer like yeah you might be able to do one slightly different but for the most part that's what you're gonna get when you well more or less my question it had nothing to do with you know obviously you you know what i meant but yeah um, i was i was only wondering because i know that severin does like to do their own transfers and stuff and i was just curious to to know if they did their own or if they just used the one that 88 used because i know sometimes like i'm not sure exactly how it works with rights and stuff but i'm sure companies can't just like go and steal their transfer no. they probably have to get some type of permission uh-huh. so that's why i was wondering cuz severin 
I asked the question because Severin's Blu-ray came out after 88. So I'm wondering yeah. if they actually just 88 put out theirs and Severin's like, well, I guess we'll just, we have this really good print. So we'll just do our own. So I was just curious. It doesn't change anything for me. I was waiting for the Severin release anyways of this. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and my other but, question was just, you know, say Bill released it a blue released a Blu-ray. Like, is there any way that we can prove that he didn't just upscale it? And, or, you know, well, well, certain releases, maybe. But he no, has I mean, like, bro- is there a way to prove it? Like, I don't know. Is there a way, like, you can see that? Or is it just, like, opinion-based? Well, some of his transfers are total shit. Like, strange, the strangeness is really, really fucking... Yeah, I'm, I'm just, like, asking, like, let's say somebody came out with a Blu-ray and said it's a brand new 2K transfer or whatever. Like, is there a way to prove that they actually did that? Like, can you technically see it? Like, is there, like, a way, well, like, to... Well, I, I, I don't... I honestly don't think so. Well, uh, I, mean... I think there's certain... Rev- I know, like, they do, like, reviews on certain releases and stuff, and one of them is the transfer that they look at. And they do tell you, like, the differences of the transfers on, like, certain reviews, but I'm not really sure that is it how they do it, per se, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, is there something that you put it in that tells you, like, what it, like... No, I don't I don't think you could... You know? Yeah, I don't think you could like put it into a machine and be like, okay, scan it, and it goes, mm, no, that's a, that's an upscale. <laughs> yeah, because like otherwise, it's just a matter of opinion, right? Like, like no, no, yeah. I swear we did a two K transfer. It's like, well, like you can't. Prove I think it the or, thing, like, I, I, I think wish I knew thing more is, about it because I sound like an idiot right now. See, I think the differences between companies like Severin and Vinegar Syndrome versus Bill from Code Red is that Bill doesn't give a shit about the prints that he he just wants to put the movie out. He's not trying to find the best quality prints, unlike, you know, Severin and Vinegar Syndrome, where they'll search for fucking the best prints possible until they, you know, so when they do their transfer, it'll come out great. Like, Bill where is yeah. Bill doing yeah. this as well? Because, like, when you see the pictures from Vinegar Syndrome, they have, like, an entire, like, studio, like, like where they're, mm-hmm. they're going through and, like, restoring. Well, Bill them. obviously has people working for him, because I've heard some of the releases that he's put out recently look pretty damn good, like... Uh, Derek was telling me mutant. Like I have a DVD of that, and anything would look better than that. He says the the prince pristine. So he's obviously Bill. He's getting a little more. He has a lot of help from his brother too. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, those guys are, you know, they're doing restoration work on. He He should die soon, right? (laughs) So. (laughs) Who knows? I don't know. He's he's losing his mind. He's dressed up like a banana, going out in public and shit. Oh, it is fucking weird, but I think that He's really gone. what it comes down to is just Bill. He he really wants to put out those obscure films, and he knows what the fans want. And for the most part, people that are buying those releases aren't overly concerned that they're looking like you know the most pristine print in the world. They just want the films too. So, I mean, I let's face it: people are buying these films, even though they they know that the transfers look I mean, not the greatest. People because are, he's fine. Because he's that, using like people are to where he can make a living on it. Right, like he can be like semi wealthy, but like there's not enough people buying him to where he's like balling. No, no. But I don't. I mean, let's face it. I mean, how many of these people are from these companies? I mean, well, mm-hmm. the guy like owns the company, so he, like he. Sh- I'm sure he's like. I don't know. Like he's 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 like the head, right? Like like it's like the yeah. guy at Shout Factory probably is like the head of Shout Factory, or like. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Synapse, they they probably live a very comfortable lifestyle. Yeah, they're also such a huge company, though, too. Show Factory is a massive, massive company. Yeah. That company is ridiculous. That that might yeah. be one of the biggest outside of the main studios. This probably is the biggest. But this is the one thing I love about companies like Vinegar Syndrome and, and Severin and stuff is that they, they, they take the time 
to find those best possible prints before they put out their shit. I respect that a lot. You know, um, and they produce their own features and stuff. Yeah, and then they go and do all their own shit. That that's fucking fantastic. Like Last House on Dead End Street, man. You know, they put out that kind of that teaser, um, you know, uh, version on the uh, the Corruption Blu-ray. You know, but they said Mm -hmm. they're not going to put out the you know the the solo release of that until they find a better print of it so they can scan it and put out the best quality film. They're not just trying to put out the damn film just to put out the fucking film, even though it's very sought out. People want that film, Mm -hmm. and they know even if they put it out in a shitty quality, it'll probably still sell really well. Yeah, but I respect the fact that they're not doing that. They're not going the bill route. They want to give people the best quality film. I fucking have utmost respect for that man it's great so, so, same same with massacre video man like people are complaining about mr no legs not getting released lewis is just trying to find the best possible print yeah and he said that. that film was so damn obscure like you know he might have to use what he has but who knows he might find a better one you know i respect mm-hmm. that too yeah yeah so yeah so that is um severin's burial ground coming out uh <laughs> <laughs> on Tuesday. Uh, next up here from Scream Factory is uh, The Exorcist 3. Now, I know a lot of people were just tripping balls about this release when it came out. I'm like, ah, oh, fucking Exorcist 3, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm actually kind of excited for this because it's got a brand new cut of the film. Of course. And Anybody I'm a big fan of that is an asshole. Like, that doesn't want it to be released. For real. Like, like But it has all. a new cut of the film, and That's apparently this is the best cut of it. So I'm like, well, I already love The Exorcist 3, so if this is a better cut of the film, Sign me up. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, who would complain about that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. We know a few people. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But they're just not seeing the way that we are. I, I don't know. I, I just don't understand. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as much as we've harped on, you know, well, Screen Factory as of recently, you know, they still do good work. You know, I mean, at least they're putting I, out a different cut of this film. It's never been put out. And I think that's yeah, what people I, I, I think most of the remember. most of the complaints were... Uh, just because I think the Blu-ray like set came out like a few weeks ago. I know it's a new cut, but oh, dude, that I, set I, came out a long time ago. That was like well, a the, year ago. Well, the yeah, I think people are just because everyone just picked that up or something. I don't know. It's just well, I mean, I understand that too. But again, the main selling point here is the brand new cut. I mean, it's not like they waited for the shit to come out and go, hey man, we have a brand new cut. <laughs> and then we're going to drop it. It's like, no. They're putting, they're giving us something else. So yeah. that's what it is, man. It's the Exorcist 3. I, I, I personally love the film, so. I'm curious on it. Yeah, Exorcist me too. franchise <laughs> review! Oh, fuck. Ooh. It'll be devastating <laughs> to you. Listen, I don't even like any of the movies that much, so. I've actually I like seen part, the part three. So. I like part one and three. Um, it's really about it. Part two is so long. <laughs> yeah, part two is. <laughs> I haven't watched part two in a long we'll, time. We'll, we'll I just definitely oh. do the Omen before we do that. Nice. It's a good franchise, actually. It's pretty solid, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next up here from uh, Arrow Video, we got the Herschel Gordon Lewis Feast box set. Rest in peace to. HDL. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Is anybody yeah. buying that? Not <laughs> that price is crazy. So the Amazon price it's listed as one fifty nine on here. I've seen it for one thirty lowest. Yeah, that's okay. not bad. That's not that is not a bad price for all that. It no, isn't. It's it, just, it, I'm honestly, not I heard it's. 
it's like massive and it's heavy and it's like is it? It's, it's like insane. bigger than a normal arrow. Like it's just a monstrosity it's, it's, of a it's huge. Like yeah. a VHS big box. That's actually really kind of cool. I mean, I don't know, hundred and sixty bucks. It's still a lot of money to drop at one time, but I mean, yeah. when you really think about it, though, we're still spending more than that on multiple films that we're buying in a month. So if you just kind of put those off to the side and grab this Herschel Gordon Lewis piece, the thing is, though, man, I pretty much have every film anyways in here. I would like to see what Arrow did with some of these transfers, though, to be honest. Yeah, me too. You know, I'm, I'm very curious on the PQ on some of these. Because, you know, Herschel Gordon-Lewis's films back then, very, very low budget. You know? for, for me personally, if I bought this set, I would be getting every film new. Like, I don't own any of them. And I don't – I've never seen any besides Blood Feast uh, and I think uh-huh. another later one. But mm-hmm. – if I was more interested, 140 bucks is what what I see it cheapest for right now. But I did see it go for 130. 140 bucks for what you get a 17 disc set, right in that awesome case. Like that is well worth the purchase, if, especially if you're a fan of this guy. I'm not gonna get it because I'm not interested in it. But I, I think that you know when you look at other box sets that come out, you know most of these box. I mean, look at the Hellraiser box set, right? Was it like ninety bucks for three films? Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude. No, this is no. It, I'm you know. I'm just saying. You know, a lot of people look at the price and are just like, oh, so expensive. But no, it's actually a, a decent deal. I didn't realize it was only limited to twenty five hundred. I thought it was three thousand, but um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm sure it's probably getting down to the nitty gritty. But who knows? You know, who knows if there how much is left of it? But uh, yeah, I bet, I'm not I bet sure. it sticks around for a while. It, it probably does. It's, I mean, shit, man. You can still grab those. Uh, uh, what's the other arrow set that I thought? I think it's the Battle Royale set. They still have them on their website. Yeah. That one actually never fully sold out. That's crazy. But, yeah. Herschel Gordon Lewis fee set. It looks really cool. I love the artwork on the cover, too. It's awesome. Me, too. It looks got a really nice dope. blend of green and reds. Nice. All right. So, next up here from Vinegar Syndrome, we got a Blu ray release of Hobgoblins. Wow. <laughs> Dude, I haven't seen this movie since, like, 95. Damn. Or some shit. I don't even remember last time I seen Hobgoblins, man. I, I can't even believe this movie's getting a Blu-ray release. <laughs> it's like, like, it blows my mind. I Vinegar really Syndrome, like the man. cover, though, honestly. <laughs> yeah, the cover is dope. Yeah, it's cool, actually. But yeah, Hobgoblins, who would have ever thought getting a Blu-ray release? Uh... This is one that uh, I've heard a lot of mixed um, opinions on from this year. Coming up from Warner, uh, Lights Out. Um, have you guys seen this one yet? I haven't seen nope. this one. I hear, I hear a lot of mixed things on it myself. I can't remember if it's Lights Out or The Darkness, but I wanted to see one of them. Yeah, I think I heard some mixed opinions on Lights Out, but uh, it sounded interesting anyways. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I, I'm still going to check it out anyways. And... Uh, <laughs> This release again, Blue Underground with their very interesting choices to put out these three disc limited editions or whatever. Uh, Fulci's Manhattan Baby, <laughs> like it's honestly one of Fulci's worst films. It's fucking terrible. Like I, you know, Blue Underground has a really awesome catalog of films. You know, a lot of great giallos and like spaghetti westerns and you know some action or Italian crime films and stuff. What mm-hmm. the fuck? Why, out of all the films, are they picking, like, the shoddy Jess Franco films, the shitty Fulci films, 
to put on in these three disc collector uh, limited editions. I think what? they're dying off. I mean, like, I think I think we're seeing the last days of Blue Underground. Well, the funny thing is, they just announced like um, three new films to line. Yeah, I did. See yeah, that. but but I'm just saying, why are they picking out some of their older titles and giving them them? <laughs> like, why not? Pick, if you're gonna do maybe this, they don't have many of the old. Of, you know, maybe they don't have the rights to many of the ones they released previously. Because mm-hmm. they are, because we're seeing like Arrow release a lot of like Blue Underground stuff and Code Red's like releasing a lot of their stuff too. You know, like, it, it could opera. be. They might just be losing the rights yeah. to certain films. Yeah, maybe I, they just yeah. only have a few, a couple. Maybe they're just trying to upgrade what they can. You know. Get, get yeah, true that left. man. I mean that that's probably the case. They probably did lose a, the rights to a lot of their films, but. I mean, if that's the case, man, and this is what they have to choose from, holy shit. <laughs> that's not good. They better go digging in the crates for uh, some other films then. So, holy shit. Um, yeah, next up here from Vinegar Syndrome, uh, we got a film called Nightmare Sisters. Mm. I believe this is the one that... Is that Quigley? Yep. Linnea. Yeah, is this the one that uh, Slasher Video released? No, that's Cemetery Sisters. You thinking oh, of? Cemetery- oh yeah, that's right. Okay, never mind. I'm sick. I, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Nightmare Sister, totally different film. Never seen this film before, actually. Have you ever me seen neither. this one, Derek? Me yeah. neither. I I know it was on like this triple Linnea Quigley pad. I never ended up picking it up. Mm-hmm. I think I a lot. Really, I, I never really looked into this film that much. I actually ordered this Vinegar Syndrome monthly pack with this in here and and Hobgoblins and a couple yeah, other films. Hobgoblins. So uh, I'm looking forward to checking this out, man. I like the cover art on this one. I think it's from the I think it's from the same director as Slime Bolorama, that guy. Oh, okay. I will definitely buy any Gremlins ripoff or any Linnea Quigley movie, probably. So yeah, I'll probably get both of these eventually. I'm not saying I'm going to buy day one, but that Black Friday sale might be a good time to check these out. Yeah. Those monthly packs, though, like, if you're a big collector, like, you spend a lot of money, like, to collect stuff, like, those monthly packages are pretty cool. I like how they do that. Yeah, they're pretty nice. Yeah, they're pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually a really good deal, man. I got the the early pre-order one. It was only, like, I think 90, but it was, like, five. It's four Blu-rays in that that triple, I think it's the DVD set, whatever. Mm -hmm. That thing was, like, expensive itself, too. So it was actually well worth the price. So it wasn't too bad, but... Yeah, looking forward to Nightmare Sisters. Uh, next up here from Derek's favorite company in the world. Actually, all of our favorite companies in the world. <laughs> companies. From Wild Eye, we got a film called 24 Hours to Die. No idea. <laughs> it's like, I shit you not, man. This fucking film has a dude holding a hammer. He's in like... Uh, hazmat. Uh, and he's got a hazmat fucking mask on and stuff. <laughs> I mean... Come on, dude! Like fucking wild eye. You know what's funny? This sh- is it like a shitty cover. I can't really see it. Yeah. I Some mean, of it's not, shittier. It's not super shit, but it's, it's no. Good. It's just generic because these hazmat masks and just the whole setup of it has been done like a million well, times. Some some of their shittier cover films are actually kind of decent sometimes. Yeah, so I know. That, the... well, that, but that's where Wild Eye's smart, though. They put the best cover art on their worst fucking films. They get people to buy those ones and then suck us reading with that shit. Yeah. Uh, another one here from Wild Eye releasing. Uh, it's called Sin, also known as Self Induced Nightmares. Yeah, I'm not. Also, lame. Cover's kind of cool. 
it, it, cover looks kind of cool. I would never actually pay for a Wild Eye film. Just can't do it. <laughs> uh, uh, they have released some good stuff, but man, most of the releases are pretty bad. Uh, uh, from SGL, I don't know what company that is. Oh man, this cover, I don't know, man. Voodoo Rising. <laughs> also lame. Oh fuck, dude! This the tagline in this is so awesome. It's called "Them Woods is Evil." <laughs> <laughs> Them Woods oh. is Evil. It's awesome. That's, That's awesome. good shit, man. And then last up, well, actually, second to last for the releases this week, we've got another one here. Oh no, this is from Tomcat releasing. Shit, I thought it was from somewhere else. Within these walls, hmm. the tagline "Where Evil Hides." Are you kidding me? Like you couldn't think of something better than that. Yeah, I guess not. It's pretty bad, man. It's pretty it's not, bad. It's not the worst. No, but it's. I think that tagline's been used a hundred times, though. Yeah, but it's for a film called "Within These Walls," where evil yeah. hides. Kind of at least mm-hmm. fits, you know. Some most of them don't even fit. <laughs> Sometimes it works better if they don't. I don't know. It's just it's kind of funny. Who knows? But last up for the releases here, we've got the Curse of Doctor Wolfenstein coming for straight. Yes. Down. From real gore releasings. That release got pushed uh, back. Did it? Yep. I'm, I'm That's sure what I, I was trying to email before. Because it's still saying, yeah. Well, it's it, it, the release date here in Canada is November first, but I, I'm not 100 percent sure. But I thought it got pushed back. I could be wrong. That's what actually. It's funny because me and Derek were talking about that when you were off. Yeah. Go. And I was like, I'm pretty. I'm like, did this something happen in this film? Unless I just overheard Yens talking and then I just thought that it did, but I can't remember. No, I, I, I thought it did, but who knows? Who knows? It's still sane that it's released on the 25th, so who knows? You forgot mm-hmm. about what? Nerve. Is that actually a horror film? Uh, I've seen it on horror lists, whether it's a horror film or not. That's, I guess, up for debate. With Emma Roberts and Dave Franco? Uh, Nerve from Lionsgate. I didn't even think. I thought this was just some type of cult. Well, I mean, I don't even. I don't even. Well, I mean, if if anyone knows out there, there's a film called Nerve, starring Emma Roberts and Dave Franco. Um, Can't imagine where they got the idea for their cover here. Mystery crime, so probably not. Mystery crime. Yeah, I didn't think Mm. so. Yeah. Um, So for the release or the pick of the week. Oh shit! Machine Gun Kelly's in Nerve too. This dude's been in everything lately. <laughs> What's with you, Machine Gun Kelly, man? I like Machine yeah. Gun Kelly. It's awesome. Uh, pick of the week, man. Um, you know, this is kind of an interesting one. There's one obvious Be- choice here. Well, I mean, is it that obvious? Yes. And I'll tell you why. But it's your pick of the week. Your release of the yeah. week, so... Well, I mean, you can look at it this from two different perspectives. You know, I mean, if you're on a budget, you probably aren't going to go for the obvious choice here. Which is? Um, The Herschel Gordon-Lewis Feast box set. I mean, if you want, like, that one really, really nice thing or something like that, if you're, you know, if you're a big fan of HDL, then, you know, that's that. But, you know, if, I mean, it's not very practical for the average person, Mm -hmm. you know? So... That's the way I'm kind of looking at this pick of the week and stuff. So my pick of the week is probably going to have to go to, and it, you know, it almost, it's almost 
painful to say just because how much I've been ragging on lately. But I got to go with The Exorcist 3. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. That's the appropriate choice because at the end of the day, you're getting a film that didn't exist before. That's that's enough to be the pick of the week right there, the release of the week. Like, you, you got to give it to that. Like, I know that the I agree. Lewis sets cool and stuff, but if there's one release that you have to grab, it, it's The Exorcist 3. If you're going to only well, pick one. Yeah, that's exactly. The Legion, the Legion cut. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. Exactly. I'd be curious. Sure, there's a lot if, of people out there screaming at us, going, "Fuck that bullshit, man!" Burial grounds. If, if anybody's <laughs> out there who is crazy, um, which I'm sure there are, and really likes the show, I'd be curious if you, if anybody wants to go back and figure out when we started the release of the week. It wasn't too too long ago, but then also give me a list of what the release of the weeks were. Fuck, I'm trying to remember the episode, because I remember... Listening. Release of the week or pick of the week? Release of the week. The, the release of the week. Yeah. Pick of the week. I'm curious to see what the uh, releases were. Like, Because I, I know Scream Factory's been pick, picked a couple times. I know Arrow has. Yeah, a well. couple times. I know Arrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's because they... Well, it only makes sense that Scream Factory gets picked, you know, probably a lot, because they have a release every fucking week. Yeah. Yeah, but I'd right? just, so, just be curious to see what the actual titles were from beginning of us starting that man we should have thought of this and actually wrote that shit down it would, I it would actually do think for, of it. i did think of it when we it would have made for a good segment on the even on the website this is uh you know i'm trying to remember the well, episode well, that, of the week thing, not the pick of the week that's the thing right because like i thought of that when we started the pick of the week as well i was like i should write these down and then i was like no that's work and then like i thought <laughs> the same thing when we started the release of the week i was like i should write these down i was like ah then I'd have to put them on the website and it'd be, but it, it, you know, usually what I'll do is I'll always go retroactively and be like, Oh, now we have a bunch of them. Maybe I'll do it now. So if anybody wants to do that, you know, I don't want to give Rob more work because Rob already, uh, is doing a lot for me. And yeah. Plus so, Rob is having a fucking bad day like me because the bills were winning all day today and then blew that shit in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So I talked to Rob earlier, and he was he was a little upset. Yeah, <laughs> so. Rob's been helping me out a lot, and uh, Luis actually just you know dropped off of the face of the earth. Besides that voicemail last week, because he used to help me with stuff too. So uh-huh. uh, I needed I need another helper. Derek used to help me too, but now he's a, a uh, honorary member, so we can't uh, we can't have him doing work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, to man, we can, we, I, us hosts can't be doing any work. Oh, I, yeah, do, I, I do a lot of work already. I'm so. trying to think because I actually remember when you guys started doing it, but I can't think of the episode. Man, if you could remember the actual episode, that's crazy because that would save a lot of work. Yeah, for the guy who's going to be doing the work, not us, exactly. So. If you could, if you could pinpoint that episode, <laughs> and you just then you just move forward from there. That'd be awesome. I, I couldn't I mean, tell you, man. Listen, I'll tell you why it's not that hard because we have show notes. So all you got to do, people, is go start an episode where I started listing DVD and Blu-ray releases. Click mm-hmm. it, start at the beginning, and just scroll through until we go to the next. Because it's going to be at the end. So mm-hmm. scroll through until we start talking about the next thing. And if we didn't talk about the release of the week, then it didn't happen. <laughs> So there's a little tip for you guys. And that yeah. wraps up the releases. Nice. <laughs> yeah, the 25th of October. Fuck, not that much this week, man. Not that much no, next week. Not much, yeah. I, I totally, it's weird. I It just kind of, you know, being oh. October, you think every week would have just been slam jammed with fucking releases, but. But no. Yeah, November really slows down. There's actually a lot of releases coming out in November that I'm just not grabbing. Yeah, so. yeah. It's kind of unfortunate, but yeah, 
is what it is, I guess. Um, but anyways, let's move on. I'm sure we got some voicemails, some questions, some inquiries, some good and bad comments. So we got a couple. We should of actually do that once. We should actually start reading some of those off. We don't get that many bad ones to read them off, but I. I we would... got one today, actually. So, well, it, it, he's huh. he's a regular commenter on the videos, but he he was making fun of. Uh, uh, I think it was something I said in the last episode or something. I think it was the, last episode. The major uh, Dundee, the ice Dundee. No, the Canadian yeah, igloo no. Dundee. <laughs> yeah, the Canadian igloo. Dundee. No, no, he yeah, was talking yeah. about. I said something about how I like Poltergeist three, and he's like, "No, it's like one of the worst sequels ever in a franchise or a trilogy." And I said, "Dude." I mean, you obviously haven't seen the Halloween franchise. <laughs> yeah, and he also said something that I like sucks as well, but I forgot what it was. It was Lords of Salem, and I said, nope. Oh, yeah. Lord of Salem <laughs> Jesus awesome. Christ. <laughs> but I understand that, though. But he's like, a regular comment. He's, he actually yeah, is not trolling. Cool. That dude's yeah. real cool. Yeah. He, he'd been commenting on all, all... He's like the number one commenter on my 31 days, so you're mm-hmm. in my book, buddy. But I understand why people don't like Lords of Salem because there's a lot like it's just one of those movies like you know as soon as you see it, it's like oh people are gonna hate this but other people are gonna love it so just one of those type of movies yeah uh, but yeah we actually have some voicemails uh, unfortunately guys I was not able to grab all of them I, I totally it totally slipped my mind until like today and I didn't have time to do it so. We have the two from last week, and then we have another three for next week, and if anybody calls in as well. 90 episodes in, you think that we'd get better, but no. We're actually getting worse. (laughs) uh, We have two from Tyler in L.A., so uh, let's Mm. let's hear him. Hey, guys. It's Tyler from L.A., and my question is, um, has there ever been a time where you've seen two movies, but like you only have enough for one movie and my experience was when I seen um, it was uh, Black Christmas and Trick or Treat and I kind of regret not picking uh, Trick or Treat but I went with Black Christmas but it's, it's still a good movie but I just really want Trick or Treat like I know it's not hard to find but like in stores I can't find it but online it's very cheap um, but yeah just keep up the good work and Thanks. All right, so the question there is, have we ever only had enough for one thing? I mean, obviously, as collectors, we have to pick mm-hmm. and choose what we want each mm-hmm. month and stuff like that. But I think more so for me, coming from a, a, a memory closer than you guys of when I had, like, money given to me. Like, I didn't have a, a job or, or anything. So that was actually not too, too far away, you know, just... Uh, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. But I do remember being in a store and having 20 bucks and seeing two covers and like, man, I want to grab something, but what should I grab? And I remember the pretty much one of the last times that ever happened to me in store, it was uh, Dead Time Stories <laughs> <laughs> for 15 and it was, the other one was... Dead Time Stories. <laughs> uh, it was like a three-pack, like a Stephen King three-pack. It wasn't even Stephen King, it was like Killer Animals or something, but it was like... Mm-hmm. I, know, I remember Graveyard Shift was in it. And I went with Dead Time Stories because it was brand new, and it was George Romero's Dead Time Stories. I was like, anthology film, George Romero equals creep show. Like, that in my head, that's what it meant. It's like, <sighs> George Romero plus an anthology equals creep show so i was like hell yeah i'm getting this uh, worst purchase of my life probably literally <laughs> still to this day one of the worst things i ever like 15 bucks is ridiculous for that. <laughs> you, you, um, and you know he also mentioned in that little 
voicemail there that he had a choice between Black Christmas and Trick or Treat. That is a tough choice, man. That's a tough choice. But I'll tell you how yeah. I decide. Whatever holiday is closest. So if I if if it's after October, I'm going with uh, uh, Black Christmas. If it's you know right cool. after Christmas, I'm going with Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. Specific time of the year, right? Yeah. What about you guys? That's interesting. I had a few experiences like that before. Like when I remember when Best Buy was actually a Best Buy one time and actually had actual horror movies in it. <laughs> it was fucking yeah. I had a few like experiences like that. Uh, trying to think of, I can't think of like specific titles, but I remember I was in that fucking movie store for a long time, just looking at like maybe like two or three movies, trying to figure out what to buy with the amount of money I had. You know what I mean? Yeah, one time I remember going to Walmart and they had Mother's Day and they the remake and they had uh, the Theater Bazaar. This was like 2012. Uh huh. And I only had like twenty dollars on me or something, and they were ten bucks each, but like tax and stuff. So I was like, "Damn it, I, I'm I only I can only get one of these." And then I <coughs> I forget what I did, but I ended up getting both of them somehow. Uh, and I was happy with that. I was really happy with that purchase, but I hated, I hated like not knowing, like, I was like, which one should I get? And this was back when, um, I collected a little bit, but my watch stack was only like 20 movies high. And uh-huh. like, it's back when, like now I have hundreds of movies that I haven't watched yet. And it almost makes me want to just stop collecting for like a year and just, and just see all of the shit that I haven't. And it, then it'll be a little bit more fun to collect again. Uh, but yeah, that's another story for another day. What about you, Moods? <laughs> um, I can't remember exactly what I bought that day. Oh man! But I know I totally I, I regret this to the. I think I've told the story before, man, about the Hellraiser box set where I didn't buy it, uh-huh. but I bought something. I I it wasn't even movie based. I remember I bought. Um, it was Cat music. I, what's that? Cat litter. Cat litter, no. No, I was in HMV, and I actually came across one of these Hellraiser box uh, puzzle boxes, and um, I had never seen one in there before, and I was just like, uh, but at the time, you know, like, I had all the movies, and I was like, uh, do I need this? Like, wasn't really, you know, interested in double dipping and shit. And I think I ended up buying, like, oh, man, I can't remember. I believe it was, like, some shitty Raekwon album or something like that instead. <laughs> Immortality or it might it might have been that or something no it wasn't a morbidity it was uh it wasn't like time i can't remember what the fuck it was but i ended up buying something crappy that day and not getting that and i've never seen one ever since but yeah. i've always wanted that hellraiser box uh the puzzle box because they're just cool display pieces right mm-hmm. but that was that was a big fuck up that was a big fuck up because it was super cheap and you know it was it didn't have that out of print price on it and stuff and yeah, that was that was a big mistake. Shouldn't have left that. <laughs> I wish right. I could remember what I bought though, but it was shitty. Alright, back to Tyler with another voicemail. Hey guys, it's Tyler again from Los Angeles. And my question is what is a crossover that you want like really bad? So I'm talking about like 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 a film that is like from a completely like opposite studio. So let's say like um how about Chucky versus the Leprechaun, or something like on that level? Uh, yeah. So what do you what do you guys think? Mm. Well, I'm thinking Sharknado versus uh, Lavalancha. 
two lava, two lanchula. <laughs> yeah, for Sharknado. Nice. Let's, let's see. Let's see these natural forces uh, collide. Let's see oh, what yeah, happens. Definitely natural. <laughs> I, I was well, thinking... Sharknados are totally. It's a, you know, it's just a it's a force of nature. You mm-hmm. know, in these lava lanchas or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're all natural. Mm-hmm. Funny so All right, I would. I was thinking of like fucking chopping mall versus deadly friend. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah. Head explosions throughout. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. I was thinking of, and this would never happen, obviously, but in, in my fandom world, I thought of uh, Ash and the Evil Dead, or Ash versus the Evil Dead with Phantasm intertwined. So, like, hmm. the tall man and the tall man's evil and the spheres and stuff like i just feel like if you mash those two worlds together it would just be like like reggie and ash fighting together fighting together and like the spheres and the headites or i mean the deadites and the uh you know just the tall men and the dwarfs and the it sounds busy there's just so much madness in that movie it would have been amazing it's no natural forces that's for sure (laughs) <laughs> yeah yes. so um those are the voicemails like i said we will return to them next week uh so i have a few listener comments here that i actually did not i forgot i made such a big deal about like yeah you can email now and I, i'll put them in the the right folder so i won't lose them well, again episode 90 we ago. are lacking <laughs> yeah so turns out we had two emails from uh october 3rd and october 8th so a while ago, October third is my birthday. Me. All right, somebody was that, was that a happy birthday. birthday comment to me? It was not. Or was it a <laughs> fucking moods? <laughs> <laughs> this one is from uh, Jamie Bowling, and she says, "Yes, she says, finally, I can talk to someone else about this movie besides my husband. I love the first one. She's talking about the Blair Witch Project, by the way. The the uh, the Blair Witch re re sequel." I love the first movie. It was something different and so well marketed. I love how the atmosphere adds to the mood of the film and how it builds and builds and leaves you wanting more. As far as the Blair Witch Book of Shadows, I really like it as well. I think if uh, this would have been marketed as not a Blair Witch movie, it would have done better and made and made shit and not received so much hate. <laughs> I just keep it separate from the original as a standalone film. Now to the third one, dot, dot, dot. I didn't like it. I know the technology is very advanced nowadays, but I think the headset video is too clean and Hollywood for my liking. Also, the guy that plays Peter is in a, is in yogurt commercials, <laughs> which I see all the time, so that kind of threw me off because I was like, hey, it's the yogurt guy. <laughs> no, I didn't even know that. I, I kind of like... Uh, to have unknowns in found footage movies, just kind of my thing, I guess. I didn't care for the centipede, centipede foot bug either. There's one part in the end when James and Lisa are in the attic and the whole house lights up and the loud noise, and I thought to myself, it turns out it was an alien abduction movie. <laughs> I was going to say, fuck this movie, but I, it didn't. I, I, didn't. I didn't like seeing the witch. I just like it being left to the imagination. I wish they would have ended it differently having it end uh that was just seem that that just seemed lazy to me i give it a four out of ten but i am willing to give it a second watch to see if it maybe 
gets better with watches. Love listening to your show. You guys do some great work. Thank you, Jamie. That's a that's a great email. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Good stuff. And it, I'm sure that uh, moods would agree with most of those comments. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much everything on there, yeah. It's very close to my rating. What did I give it? Three? Yeah. Did you? Was it a three? Yep. All right. Uh, <laughs> this, this was another little email that we got in. Fun fact. This is from Duke. Fun fact. Writer Simon Barrett said they did not show the Blair Witch. He mentioned it was one of the witch's victims. Could it be Heather? Also, I think that the witch is the forest, so that's why they'll never see the Blair Witch. Thanks, Duke. Mm. So yeah, uh, Simon Barrett did come out and say that because people were saying like, you know, I shouldn't have shown the witch. You showed the witch, or I liked how the witch looked. I didn't like how the witch looked, and he was like, he was like, we never showed the witch. But like, it comes across as it comes across as we saw the witch. Oh mm-hmm. no, and he's aware of that. He's he's being cryptic, is what he's doing. Yeah, he, like he's me. being cryptic. Like, well, what you guys don't know is that's actually not the witch. But of course, you, know? you could you easily say that though. I mean, that just seems so obvious. I believe to, him. But I mean, it doesn't seem a little bit obvious to come out and say, "No, guys, that's not the witch." Duh, that's a fucking no, that's a victim. That like, I didn't think just of say, it. Did any of you guys think that that wasn't the witch? No, that wasn't the witch. No, yeah. I mean, everyone I talked to, man, when I, I said, I couldn't believe they fucking, you know, the CG'd witch and blah, and they're like, yeah, it's fucking crazy, they even showed that. Everyone just assumed it was the fucking witch. Yeah, but like, it actually makes sense based on, like, something we see later in the film where, where, uh, it's hard, I don't want to go into super spoilers on a mm. segment where we're not reviewing the movie, yeah. uh, but basically there's something happens that one character, uh, sees and and i'm kind of like oh like now that whole it's not the witch thing kind of makes like they're what yeah i actually I thought of that beforehand. i know what you're saying too i guess it's open for interpretation though right i mean yeah. that's right what I'm i mean saying. i think there was a little bit more like thought with the film than ended up coming across on screen yeah like i think i think probably on paper the blair like i wouldn't be surprised if years from now uh similar to how adam green and joe lynch and some and 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 Darren Bowsman and and these guys are on podcasts now talking about their horror stories with Hollywood. Like I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Simon <laughs> Barrett and and Adam yeah. Wingard are like Jesus Christ, that production was a nightmare. Or something. <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's still too soon to do that, isn't it? But yeah, down the road we'll yeah. definitely hear the real yeah, story. I mean, you don't want to. And then he'll be, and then he'll, <laughs> and then he'll renag that too, and he'll be like, it totally was the fucking witch. <laughs> so uh all right after that we have uh a email from i am citizen 2010 he says sup fellas devin from chicago here show is still killer y'all exploding heads and horror corridor are pretty much the unholy trinity of podcasts kudos Mm. recently i was organizing my film collection in alphabetical order by title, I noticed my personal top ten of all time are pretty evenly distri- dis- distributed. And it got me thinking. If under some bizarre circumstance I can only live with horror movies starting with one particular letter of the alphabet, which would I choose? Uh, I, dis- I, I would disclose my personal choice and provide examples of the titles under the letter, but I'd rather hear you guys hash it out amongst yourselves on the show. So let me know. 
so one thing I will say is um, I didn't I forgot to do this. I, I sent I saw, got the email. I sent it to Moods. I forgot to do it myself, but I also forgot to let Derek know about it. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll actually do that on the next episode. So basically, you need a film for each letter of the alphabet that is your favorite. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's actually a really fun question. And, and yeah. we'll just run through them really quickly. We won't be like. A, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I love this movie because, you know what I mean? Like, we'll just tell them what our title is. It's funny, man. I don't even categorize A Nightmare no, on Elm Street. No, me neither. As... I just, it, I, I don't either. It's in the ends. It's but in the ends. Freddy's, you it's put in the Freddy end. versus Jason, or no, you put, like, Freddy's dead in the Fs. Like, get the fuck out of here, Moods. No, I don't. It's with the fucking Nightmares. I'm almost certain you said that on, on show before. No, what I did before is I put, uh, it was Jason 10. <sighs> I put it, oh, <laughs> and Jason okay. goes to hell. But you yeah. know that was the old that was the old old me. I don't do that anymore. If you look at my collection now, Jason goes to hell and Jason Ten are actually with the the rest of the Fridays. Very well, very. Good. Mm-hmm. I actually did that with a lot of things, like certain sequels and stuff that were like you know they're right next to each other. It's it's organized way different. But I also have my collections pretty much mostly in uh, in companies, except for all yeah. the the single type titles and shit. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, also, he says, additionally, I'd like to propose a challenge of challenge of sorts. Hmm. The jarring jar. For every time Moods uses the word jarring during a review, a dollar should be added to the jar. And by episode 100, <laughs> y'all can use that sweet Canadian coin to purchase a film to be put up for giveaway on the soon-to-be-famed episode. Or maybe for a later contest, or whatever. Just a thought. The point is that he says it a lot, and I think that... <laughs> That's what happens when we review films like the Blair Witch when, you know, honestly, if you're watching the fucking Blair Witch and you were opening up a can of pickles every time they had a jump scare in there, dude, your whole fucking kitchen would just be filled with jars. That's the point of using the word jarring. <laughs> you can't help it, man, because that shit is ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. No, I use it when it's appropriate, but I will overuse it because when it's when it's overused in films like the Blair Witch or Blair Witch. I shouldn't say the Blair Witch, but yeah. yeah. Interesting. And I think if we tally it up without calling too much attention to it in the moment, it'll add up to a substantial, substantial amount of ducats. (laughs) Keep up the good work. We're not, we're not reviewing anything that's jarring tonight. So you won't hear the word come out of my mouth once, but anyways, well, I I like the word jarring because I think it's a very good descriptive word because mm. you know when you're watching something and it's just like you know you have that moment of what the fuck like what this dude I like that man because it's totally that moment where you know it gets jarred and I I think it's I think it's a great term but well you mm-hmm. like two bucks right now two bucks in the <laughs> you jar. said during a review did you not just read your own fucking jarn yeah Is but it... this was a review of his email. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> okay, fine. We'll keep it two reviews. But I gotta say, I didn't even notice Moods did that over a lot because I do the I say that word a lot too. I think that so he's also referring just... to the Blair Witch show because I know I said it a lot because that's how we describe Blair Witch. When I walked out of the theater with Dylan, I said, "Dude, that was like the most jarring fucking film I've ever seen." It was like every two seconds is like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" What the fuck? So now, now you out are reviewing Blair Witch right now. So dollar. So, <laughs> but no, um, I, I figured like, cause I, I do the thing where I say I, I, I should be saying were mm-hmm. and I say was, 
So that's something, but I'm not putting dollars for that because no. Yeah, but everybody but, has their <laughs> own idiosyncrasies. Everyone has their own. Yeah, even I do. Yeah. But yeah. um, I like this. I like the idea that that Moods has a catchphrase that we can make fun of. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, nice. interesting note. Interesting note. Thank you for uh, emailing Devin. Thanks. Good stuff. And uh, that is listener feedback. Nice. Slash voicemails. Oh yeah, sweet. Um, uh, do we have an odd segment that, this week? Uh, I was gonna. Yeah, we we don't have a typical knowledge segment, but I have I have something that I thought I would share. Uh-huh. So knowledge can be just. It's kind of a. It, I think it's kind of evolved into like just more of a way to just bring up a topic or just something so because we, we did that one where we talked about like that jeepers creepers episode that was inspired by or that jeepers creepers was inspired by an episode of unsolved mysteries yeah, well, yeah. this one is another article version hmm. uh so this is done by inverse.com and somebody shared this on the facebook group i thought it was pretty cool uh this is an article by sean hutchinson titled making horror schlock into collector's items with veshron video Uh, And it's an interview. So, after going out of business in 1992, the revived video label Vestron Video is making a comeback. It was once... Oh, and by the way, excuse me for my atrocious reading, by the way. I've never been good at reading to people. Uh, In my head, it sounds fine. When I say it out loud, well, everybody thinks I'm slightly above, like, the fifth grade (laughs) reading level. (laughs) Slightly above. Uh, it was once responsible for some of the best cult classic movies on VHS, and now uh, movie studio Lionsgate has brought back Vestron back from the dead to start a brand new specialized home video label. Uh, so let me skip down a little bit. Uh, this is part of the interview with Vice President of Marketing, Chella Johnson. Um, yes, so he is the Lionsgate's Vice President of Marketing. <laughs> So, what was the genesis of resurrecting this line of the 1980s horror movies? So, many important films in horror history are... are, uh, Damn it. See, that's actually them. There's actually a typo here. Mm -hmm. Are our... Okay. Um, They're in our catalog, and they hadn't been served well. People grew up watching a lot of these films, and we realized that there are fans out there who want to see them again. We're in the position of giving people the films that haven't made it out there, so why not give them it the best way possible? So we're, so we try to remaster each film as best as possible, revisit the filmmakers and the talent involved, and try to give fans something they've wanted to go back to after all these years. Why did resurrecting the Vestron name come about? We had considered starting a label like this for years. Uh, and it's just a matter of timing, and obviously there's a business aspect as well. Now was just the right time. We also pay attention to what people say out there. The Vestron line, and the logo in particular, is something iconic that so many people remember. It was our goal to call it Vestron because although all the films we're putting out weren't all originally put out by Vestron, that was the first thing I noted in there that somebody pointed that out, because that's what I said as well. Uh, it was about invoking the feeling of nostalgia for these kinds of movies. It immediately gives fans an idea of what to expect from the label, which mm-hmm. it does. That's that's perfectly explained there. 
the next question why put out semi-obscure movies out in a premium physical release as opposed to digital VOD you can't collect a digital file we looked at it at like collecting vinyl versus buying a song on iTunes the physical yeah. release is part of the experience this is something to collectors oh. who appreciate having and holding these movies we wanted to take care uh, we wanted to take care to go in depth because it's for the fans but it's also about preserving the films as well. We didn't want to change anything either, which is why we put them out with all the original artwork. Some of the horror de- designs you definitely wouldn't be able to do now. You wouldn't be able to get these past the MPAA. These additions should reflect the way the film was. That's an interesting little tidbit on how he feels about the uh, newly designed artwork. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because I did wonder that I was like I wonder if they went on purpose and didn't do what everybody else is doing with the uh, you know everybody's doing it now it started out with like kind of just Scream Factory a little bit and Arrow but now everybody's doing it and I'm kind of over it honestly Um, I still like it though because when you have it on the reverse side it doesn't it doesn't affect anything right Mm -hmm. Uh, but some of the like some of those artworks are like I, I hate the new pop art trend. Like I can't stand it. Yeah, um, yeah. a lot of those aren't even that great, that. though. Oh, dude, they're so I hate them. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's... how does the Vestron label want to separate itself from similar niche labels like Cri- the Criterion Collection or a label like Scream Factory that is putting out similar to- horror titles? <laughs> this is funny. He says Criterion is much more highbrow than anything we'd ever put out, but our model is along the same lines. Literally did not answer any single question about, like, he literally just dodged a question, completely didn't give Screen Factory, like, any shot, like, light at all, and just was like, yeah, Criterion, that's pretty much what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's definitely, that's definitely a PR guy. That's cool. (laughs) Um, He says, uh, what other catalog titles will be pulled from the Vestron label? Mm. Uh, They can be titles from any source in Lionsgate's catalog. So many of the awesome titles that were from the Trimark library, and we're even looking at a couple from the Artisan that aren't as old as some of the other titles. Mm-hmm. So oh, that, that's, that's pretty interesting because Artisan does have um, some of the like Blair Witch and stuff like that, while Trimark has a little bit of the older stuff. But mm-hmm. um, there's like like isn't like Wishmaster Artisan? It is. It like, is, so yeah. There, there's so many awesome. For shit Sleepless that come was on too, right? Yeah, or Gentle the Sleepless Gentle, was yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. Uh, how long is the process putting each edition together? Is is it easier since you have the licenses to these films in the Lionsgate catalog already? Not really. A, a lot of the process takes time because we have to dig things up to create new transfers for each film mm-hmm. to remaster them. You have to have good elements to start with, and that's what's mostly saves a lot of the time and scheduling. If those are here in our catalog, all we have to do is find them and unvault them. Other things might not have the best basic elements. It really depends on the title and how long it takes to get it out the door. Chopping Mall is our first release because it came together so quickly. The filmmakers were so receptive and involved with the release, and it was one that people asked to see. All the stars just align for that one. Mm. All right. Uh, does finding people for the original special features factor in too? 
uh, some of the people we want to find for the original special features are hard to find. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have no idea what they're up to today. In part of, in part, our title selection is based on whether we can find people for the supplements. Mm-hmm. So we won't put something on schedule if too many people are missing in action. Thankfully, whenever we've reached out to people so far, they've been receptive. People want to be appreciated for these underappreciated films. The director of Blood Diner, Jackie Kong, hadn't been very active lately, but now she's starting... Wait, a chick directed Blood Diner? Yeah, we talked about that. Did we? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But now she's starting a whole road show for the movie, showing it and going all around the country. Uh, And the final question is... Holy shit, it's like Troll 2 all over again. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be a documentary coming out soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the final question here is do you want to just release B horror specifically or will the Vestron label explore other genres down the road we've talked a bit about exploring more but we're going to keep it horror in the horror genre realm that's not to say we wouldn't do this kind of treatment to other films in our library there are other little gems coming up that aren't necessarily horror but we want to be protective of the Vestron label and anything released under it should be fitting and appropriate. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I think he, he I wouldn't mind that some... whole interview pretty well. Yeah, I wouldn't mind yeah. seeing some of those, like, uh, I don't know, maybe like the odd 80s sex comedy in there that Vestron released back in the day. Uh-huh. Those things are hard and obscure to find, man. At least some pretty good ones. Yeah, but, but, but maybe on a different label. Like, I mean, I wouldn't care if it came out on Vestron. The only reason I care is because they're numbered, and that would mean I'd have to buy it. Yeah, because <laughs> right uh, now like I'm just looking at the collecting. little. I'm looking at the little picture right now, dude, and it has Chopping Mall, Blood Diner, Waxwork One and Two, Return of Living Dead Three, and Chud Two, and it just looks cool. It just looks cool seeing all the titles lined up, and then, uh, then you'll see like meatballs in there. <laughs> yeah, you guys see like, where my Waxwork One and Two was shipping? Not to like fucking yeah, November, November January. <laughs> Gotta have the worst luck, man. Fuck. Yeah, I, I actually really, really like. Uh, the Vestron label so far. I just got my first one, which is Chopping Mall. Uh, I'm going to buy Blood Diner probably next pay, and then mm-hmm. Waxwork after that, and then Return Living Dead after that. So, mm-hmm. Really, really cool so far. Yeah. I hear they even changed the uh, eco-friendly cases. To the clear so, ones, yeah. So, so They're listening. They're listening. All companies start out great and listen. And then they don't. So we'll see what happens. But I do like the fact so far, that they're, you know, that they're they're very involved with the fans and stuff, and they're listening to yeah. them. That's how Chopping Mall came out first and stuff. So, I mean, as long as people keep voicing their opinions on certain titles that they have in the catalog, then uh, we might not? actually see those ones. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's what happened with Chopping Mall and, of course, Blood Diner and things like that. So, um, yeah, just keep spitting your opinion out there. Maybe it'll actually come out. Maybe yeah, we'll see there's, like a, there's no so excuses, many, man. No excuses, there's man. There's so so many titles many that could t- come out from them too. Uh huh. Yeah, they're sitting so, on a back catalog log of a lot of films that have never been released too, like on DVD or Blu-ray. So, or like so that good. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna just say that I'm very excited for this label and what they announce and do in the future. Yeah, me too, and I, I do hope that they keep it relatively like two a month type thing maybe yeah. three or four max but yeah this, i think that's like, six to nine fact. a month is just ridiculous <laughs> yeah, it's yeah not like scream factory with the seven titles a month <laughs> i noticed that they slowed down though i think even like what was it yeah. this month they only released like four or five titles or something i was like wow it's like the least amount they've released in a long time it's been a long time so 
Yeah. They've even slowed down on their announcements, too. Yeah. It hasn't really been a whole lot, so. But, um, but yeah, to add to knowledge here, I, I just wanted to get your guys' opinion, just briefly talk about it just for a second. But uh, I posted a poll in our Facebook group. So if you're not part of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror uh, Facebook uh, group page, do so. Look us up on Facebook. Um, but anyways, I posted a poll uh, yesterday. And it was just basically stemming from a conversation I'd had uh, briefly with a guy on there. He posted, he said he was watching Evil Dead films and stuff. And mm-hmm. this is where I came from because he said, I prefer the Evil Dead too. And I was like, what? I, I just don't understand that. So I posted a poll and I said, which do you prefer, Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2? Um, and, of course, the numbers came back and it was 69 for Evil Dead and 39 for the Evil Dead 2. So what's your guys' opinions? One or two? One. I voted definitely one. Yeah. So like my my thing is I can't believe how many people prefer Evil Dead 2 over part 1. I mean, I can't the, believe how many people prefer Evil Dead part 1 over part 2. Honestly. Like I always hear so much love for Evil Dead 2. I never hear it for 1 it seems, but the poll kind of surprised me. I was I mean, yeah, I mean, I just it, it it blows my mind though, man, because like I guess people I guess more or less are into someone even stated it, you know, maybe the more comedic uh, Bruce and things like that. But I mean, yeah, when, when, when I, I put the two that. films side by side, it's like they're theoretically the same film, except for Evil Dead 2 is very slapsticky and it's more of a comedy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I mean, for me, if I was to, you know, here's two films, I'm obviously going towards Evil Dead. It's straight horror. It's a great film. It's, great atmosphere. It's just, yeah, it's just everything about it is, is, it's like it was meant to be a bona fide horror film where Evil Dead 2 is theoretically a remake. Uh, comedic version of it. I'm really surprised at how many people prefer, um, you know, part two over one. It just, it, sometimes it just, it's one of those things that's always kind of blown my mind. So, I don't know. Your guys' thoughts? I can see, well, it's either or, because I know a lot of people do love Evil Dead too, because it does have a lot of good moments in it too. Like, I like uh, Ted Raimi's character as the mother and shit. Yeah. With the, and stuff, and it has some cool effects too. Not saying that Evil Dead One doesn't have its effects too, but it does have a lot more like blood and gore and stuff in it too, like just sprays of blood. I love the effects in the first one, man. I, I you know how they just basically use shit from the fridge. <laughs> I love that, man. But oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. The Evil Dead to me is just it's one of those films that I just it's like a go to film for me. I love watching that film. I mean, if I want to watch a horror film, I'll watch Evil Evil Dead. I mean, if you want to watch a comedy, watch Evil Dead 2. I mean, I guess that's what it comes down for myself, right? Well, me personally, um, I think Evil Dead 1, uh, I like the experience I had with it more. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do think it's the better horror movie. I don't know if it's the better movie. I, I'd probably say it is. I'd probably say it's the better movie. But uh, Evil Dead 2, if I'm going to watch an Evil Dead out of randomness, like, I'm just gonna be like, hey, I wanna watch an Evil Dead. I'd probably pick Evil Dead 2 just because it, it, it's, I don't know, it's more flowy, but, like, the first one, you know, it, I, I don't really, I, I'm not a big rewatcher in general lately, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely not a big rewatcher of the Evil Dead franchise, so uh, I don't know. I love, I like Evil Dead 1 more, but I would, ra- if, I'd rather watch Evil Dead 2, if that makes sense. It hmm. depends, well, it depends on me if I have, like, a buddy over, I might watch it because it's more, like, slapsticky with in case, because sometimes they don't There's just wanna... more going on in Evil Dead 2. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can just sit down and enjoy the movie, have a few laughs with your buddies and stuff. It all depends. Well, I, 
if I'm I guess, watch, man. I guess it's you know de- depending on you know situation and yeah, and what's if going I, on. If I'm gonna watch that. a horror film by myself, and I just want to watch a straight horror film. Definitely gonna go over like Evil Dead one. But I'm gonna have a few drinks and have a few laughs with some friends. Evil Dead two. It's yeah, funny well, because Evil Dead I, one is like an actual horror film. That's why mm-hmm. I like it. It's like a yeah. real horror film. There's like no comedy at all in it. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. But I'm like I'm just straight Evil Dead, like. Um, I've even put Evil Dead on when I have people over just in the background and stuff, not part two. So it's like I just always have leaned towards Evil Dead for some reason. I just – it's not that I don't like Evil Dead 2. It's just one that I just – I would never go to over Evil Dead in any given circumstance, whether I have people over by myself or whatever. But, you know. Yeah, I almost didn't vote because I was like, oh, like I wouldn't watch either of these over the Evil Dead remake. <laughs> what? That's just a joke. I do like the remake, but not that much. I do like it, too. I was going to say, holy shit, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's crazy. But anyways, yeah, I just thought I'd get that out there. Um, don't really talk about the Evil Dead a whole lot on here, so... You know how it is. Mm-hmm. All right, so getting into the uh, the morbid fact courtesy of Rue Morgue here. The from the coroner's report of weird stats and morbid facts, uh, we're gonna take it back to. Well, apparently, this happened in 1975. Um, not sure if I said this one before. Probably, probably not. But whatever. Um, now, this would have been really fucking cool. 1975, John Carpenter and Bob Clark planned mm. to collaborate on a film called Prey, which concerned of a trio of city women terrorized by murderous families of Appalachians. The movie was obviously never made. Really? But man. I've never heard that in my life. Could you fucking imagine John Carpenter and Bob Clark doing a film together? (laughs) About Appalachians. It doesn't even matter what the storyline is. (laughs) It was probably going to be awesome. I don't know. I don't like what were they both direct or like one write? Like. But the one produce and one direct. That's kind of like a weird team up to me. I don't know. Like I like I've always heard of Clive Barker and John Carpenter with Clive writing and and John directing, but I don't I don't really think that's that strange at all. It could be interesting. Like what's what ties them together? Well, the whole Halloween thing and, uh, and Black, Black Christmas, Black, Black Christmas and slashers. Mm-hmm. What's that? I said they just both made holiday slashers. That's the tie-in. It's kind of a, I, I mean, I've just not, it's two names that I would never would have stuck together on my own, you know? Well, more or less the fact that Bob Clark, I, I think, originally had the idea for, for Halloween. Is that how it goes, Derek? Wait, no. I'm, I'm not sure. Like no. He, ne- he never had the, he just, he just made a movie that inspired John Carpenter. To make him. I can't remember the whole story Halloween. with Bob Clark and, and John Carpenter, how it went down with, uh. Nah, shit, man. I, can't, I I wish I could remember the actual story between or what happened that, with the. That is the story. They, no, they... I don't think it is. There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Uh, mm. I, I had never heard of anything. You know, else. no, I'll I'll look into it, man. There there actually is. It, it'd be stuff. interesting if they did work together, though. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It would have been interesting, but it's just I never like I don't know. I was like, I'm surprised I never heard of that. Yeah. But but it'd be lost in like five thousand other movies called Prey. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. there's actually one that came out around that time called Prey too. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. But anyways, that's the uh, the morbid fact, and that concludes mood swings. So moving on to what we watched this week, 
And uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Hmm. Uh, the film that I'm going to review is... I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. Don't have a whole lot to say about this one. But it was getting a lot of hype. This is called The Windmill, or a.k.a. The Windmill Massacre. Actually really confused me because I kept getting press releases for The Windmill. And I was like, oh, this, like, this looks pretty cool. And then everybody started talking about The Windmill Massacre. And I was like... I was like, they made another fucking windmill movie this year? Like, what the fuck? And, like, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. I'm like, oh, shit, that's the same movie. Like, and it was annoying me, too, because I was like, I don't know what the hell this is. But it turns out that it was this one. So, uh, the windmill follows uh, Jennifer, who is uh, an Australian girl running from some shit that happened into her past involving an abusive stepfather. Uh, in a desperate attempt to escape, uh, she st- uh, and stay one step closer uh, from the authorities, she decides to embark on a world-famous windmill tour in Holland. The, like, what a weird premise, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, the bus breaks down, and basically her and the other tourists are forced to seek shelter, and there's basically a slasher killer guy out there uh, in the windmill, and he actually has a legend behind him. As well as, uh, it kind of has a supernatural twist to it where these characters are all sort of there because of a common uh, shared secret uh, that kind of kind of uh, marks them all for doom. So uh, this one, I, it was weird because I heard so much good things about it and I definitely liked the movie. But I was like, oh, like th- this was a pretty cool slasher, but it, it didn't seem like it had much more going for it than it just being a pretty cool slasher. Like... There was some cool moments with the supernatural tie-in because it's not really a traditional slasher. It's not like a bunch of teens go to the woods and get slashed off. Like there's there's a little bit more depth to it with uh, the um, sins, if you will. But it's also kind of predictable in that way. Like oh, like a bunch of people with secrets. I wonder what they did. Oh, that one kid, you know, killed somebody, or like that one cheated on his wife. Or, like you know, it's the typical shit that you would expect. Like they didn't have like a child molester. You know, like, because that would have surprised me or something, you know. And, uh, it, you know, it, it was just very typical, like, what I would expect. Like, the story kind of wrote itself after you had, like, the core idea. But the slasher killer guy's pretty cool, you know. He's not the most unique in the world. He's no, like, he's not going to break any ground as, like, a new Freddy Krueger or Jason or something. But, you know, he's uh, acceptable for what he is. Uh, I like the setting, like the windmill setting and like the Holland and shit. Like that's real dope. But I, I really like that. Um, I always like films set in just like biz- like like Biz- a windmill place. Like that, like, <laughs> like it's just cool that somebody was like, "Hey, I'm gonna make a slasher film in a fucking windmill." You know, it's like okay, nice. <laughs> like I haven't seen that one yet. Do it. <clears throat> um, so that that's pretty cool. There was some funny moments in it. Uh, some like cgi moments that are obviously not like that's a that any anytime you have a slasher film you're probably gonna uh instantly mention if there's cgi because like slasher films like some of the biggest stuff is the kills like that's that's one of the biggest uh parts that's why you watch slasher slasher films yeah exactly so this one um i thought the hype for it was a little bit too high I don't know about you guys if you've seen the, seen the hype, but it's definitely a solid slasher, but not top 10 worthy. I give it a 7 out of 10. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't... Uh, I haven't checked it out yet. I know. I didn't, I didn't know it was that hyped up. I, I know Andy... Maybe, maybe it was just me. I was seeing, I was seeing a lot of... Like, I, I know Andy reviewed it on Body Bags. So I think he gave it like an 8. Okay. 
That eight's pretty hyped for a slasher, like a new slasher. But it wasn't even Andy. <laughs> like I didn't even, so I didn't even see that. But I don't know. I, I thought that a lot of people were talking about it. Uh, hmm. Sometimes I kind of maybe just seeing it mentioned might have, like seeing it mentioned out of nowhere a bunch of times might have uh-huh. gave me that impression. I don't know, but. Yeah. I still want to check it out, man. It looks no, cool. dude, it's definitely worth checking out. Like, I remember like last year's big, big hype fest was Girl House. Yeah. Um, and that one actually lived up to the hype for me. Like, I like that one a lot more than, than the windmill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last year, this year's been a really slow year for slasher films, hasn't it? Yeah, it seems like they're last coming out near the end of the year more. Last year we kind of said, oh, this year's like kind of the resurgence of like slasher films. There was a lot of really standout good films. From last What's year. The, yeah. This year, this year is like the year of shitty remakes. But not like, really though, like, not really. There's only a couple remakes this year, right? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely, there's definitely more remakes this year than there was last year, but yeah. less. Th- this less, is the way year less slasher of... films. Way less slasher. This... What what notable slasher films have come out this year? Besides Windmill, like this is well, that's like notable. The... Like I was gonna start naming slasher films, but they're not notable. <laughs> Um, I, I heard another one. I, I heard. I heard. Last Girl Standing was pretty good. That's not. Yeah, that's the one I keep hearing about. That's yeah, that, that's the other one that I've heard about too. But like, there hasn't, there isn't a lot of ones being talked about, is there? No. Um, not <laughs> really. Not really. I feel like this year is like the the um, awkward teenager of the horror years. Like it just doesn't know what it wants to be. It's kind of confused. It doesn't know where it's going. Uh, it's not really good at anything, but it's not really overly bad at anything either. <laughs> but yet, but then yet they're saying, you know, there's articles being written that this is the best year in horror in a long time and stuff. Listen, and I'm like, I like, mm, I, I get don't it. need to see the films that they're seeing because listen, okay. I have a really strong top 10 right now and it'll probably be pretty strong by the end of the year, probably stronger than last year's, mm-hmm. but the drop off between that is insane. Like last year I had like literally 10 other films that could have been in my like nine or 10 spot. Like Mm -hmm. this year it's like, okay, I have like 10 film. Like I actually want to do the math and take my top 60 from this year and my top or and my top top. Well, top, I think I watched 55 last year. So top 55 from both years and add up the total number of, of like points and see what it would be. I, I bet because there was there was way more eight sevens and seven point fives last year than, uh, than 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 this year. Like I don't mm-hmm. know, it's just it's weird. Like I kind of understand what people are saying because the top ten is pretty strong. Like arguably it's stronger than last year's. If you take my top ten from this year and my top ten from last year, it might be stronger. Other than maybe like the top two, but I have like a like from like five to six is stronger this year than last year but i don't know it's like everything beyond 10 is like i'm, I'm kind of looking at them and matching them up i think there's a lot of there's still a little bit more potential to this one but it just, this one just doesn't have the like impact that last year did like with the good like i think of films like good night mommy and stuff that yeah like films that, surpri- that just, surprises like, you and stuff what we do in the shadows like i don't i don't really have like those tier films like my mid-tier films are nowhere near as good as my mid-tier. But the body films of good year. films last year was it was quite overwhelming. Like there there was a lot of I did a top solid, 50, solid dude. I know that's what I'm saying. Like I mean, so that would make theoretically last year stronger 
than this year up to this point. Uh-huh. Just based on the body of really decently good films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when you when I have shit like A Girl Walks Home Alone at number 21 of last year and like Deathgasm at like 18 and uh <laughs> those are both of my shadows top. <laughs> at like, like Girl House at 15, The Editor, it, it, you know, that these was are, another one in my are... top. <laughs> That's fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like there's so, like like even going way down the list, like at number 45, Last Shift. <laughs> like that was a great movie. Dark Summer, you know these are these are movies. Yeah. The Stranger, like yeah. these are movies that are solid, like, th- th- but they're in the forties. You know they're not like like Christie, like it, it's in the forties. Like if I go into the forties now, I got shit like violent shit. The movie, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean at, at that point it, it shouldn't even be called the top fifty list. <laughs> if you Listen, got yeah, Creep, fucking was it number nineteen? last year and creep is arguably better than anything from a 11 to like 34 on my list right now for this year yeah that's crazy so next nice mm, okay i guess i'll go next well since it's my second time i thought maybe i should do it like a segment before i just do like a guest appearance again maybe so i decided to do like a segment called since if you watch my channel on YouTube, I used to do a playlist. I'm going to start up again called It Came From The 80s. Uh-huh. So this is going to be It Came From The 80s. Nice. And the film I chose is actually one you guys talked about before. And it's a, it is? Which is a film from <laughs> 1981 directed right by directed by a famous director known as Lucio Fulci. Mm. And its title is The Beyond. Yep. Now, main plot this, now, the main plot of this one we're introduced to our main character of Liza, who's a young woman who inherited, like, this old rundown hotel who has, like, it's being renovated and stuff, and a lot of strange things start happening with, like, uh, one of the workers ends up falling and getting injured, and the plumber ends up being killed in the... Uh, basement and then we find out like later on through uh this uh blind character of emily that uh the gates of hell have opened in this uh hotel and it's one of the gates of hell and the dead are coming back to life and wrecking havoc and it's up to our liza and the doctor character played by david warbeck to try to figure out what is going on and try to close this gate before it's too late now, this film has a very great opening shot with, like, old school, like, New Orleans when this hotel is first being present with, like, this warlock and what happens to this warlock and stuff in the Book of Ebon. And it, interesting, like, camera work, and it opens up with this great title sequence with this awesome Fabio Frizzi score. And the cast is brilliant in this film. We got, like, Katarina McCall and David Warbeck, two Actors, of course, Katarina McCall's in all three of the Gates of Hell films. She does a really good job in these types of roles. And Warback's just a class act. I really enjoy him as an actor, personally. And I just love all the set pieces of, like, of these slow, creeping deaths that happen in this film with like this great like tension. Probably my favorite kill in this film, the iconic spider scene, 
which is very slow and disturbing and arm wrenching to watch. And there's a great gore from this film with like its eye gouging and fucking awesomeness of like uh, the scene where Joe Plummer just fucking comes out of that tub and you don't even expect it and just kills like the handmaid lady. And this film has one of the greatest like scenes. One of my favorite scenes is probably a very unintentional scene where uh, later in the film when, uh, you know, they're in the hospital and they're in the elevator and you see like Warback like just changing the bullets of his gun and Katarina just gives him like this faint smile and it's just unintentional, like probably them just joking around about the scene and stuff. But Fulci kept it in there for a reason and it's just a very like heartfelt scene and shows like their love on set and that they had fun making this film and stuff. And the ending of this film is phenomenal. It's very, so much atmospheric and intensity. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's just fucking beautiful looking and mesmerizing and the score goes well with it. And this scene is, should be a perfect film, but there is one scene that I do have a problem with. And that scene, of course, is like uh, in the morgue with like the mother and the daughter. It has some like kind of like kind of weird like plot hole thing that no, it's, I, it's not major continuity issues. Like it, what happens in that scene shouldn't happen like the way it went down. <laughs> exactly, it's the only scene that I really had like problems with like the film in general. But other than that, this film is an awesome treat. And if you haven't seen the Beyond, it's highly recommendable. Nine point five. out of 10. It's a phenomenal film, and you, everyone, should go and check it out, man. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, pick up the uh, Grindhouse release. That's actually the release that I have, which is is a solid release. Yeah, that's the one I have, too. So, um, one thing that... Derek did here. That's that's one of I think twelve editions I have. (laughs) (laughs) What what Derek did here is he actually opened up the gates for uh, another Hall of Famer. I know I know I know exactly what Derek was doing there. Did you do that on purpose? You cannot premeditate these things. Stop it. (laughs) No, I didn't. Well, it's actually the film I I didn't want to review it during my thirty one days of horror. So I just rewatched it. So I did kind of save it for this show for the reason because I really did enjoy you guys on that Fulci episode and it did sadden me that... Hey, and Italian Horror Month is next, it, next month. And it, it did sadden me that... It's like a prequel, of, man. That none of those films did get into the Hall of Fame on that episode, so... Yeah, because there's only two of us. Jeremy yeah. wimped out that episode. So, yeah, but you know, even if Jeremy did rate those films, I'm sure all three of them would have been probably in the sevens, maybe. Maybe lower. Maybe, but I don't know. Sometimes he surprises me with like. Now he, he's stuff. not. Well, he even said that he doesn't. He's not a big fan of those films. So, who knows? Yeah, that, okay, that would so, have been that would have been really sad though. It's like, uh, oh, just so the Beyond, uh, nineteen eighty one. Uh, way back on episode sixty two was when we did the Italian horror episode two, which was Falci. That was sixty two. Uh, yeah, yeah, sixty two. The Beyond is 1981 and it has a rating of a 9 out of 10 for me a 9.5 out of 10 for moods and what did you say deck 9.5 mm-hmm. 20 and, which gives a combined rating of 28 uh inducted into the hall of fame 
which uh, I guess it's this episode, so I, it will be inducted on episode 90, 90? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, episode and 90. yeah, so um, there's actually a few that I still need to update on there. Uh, Scream and uh, what was the other one? Wait, Dust Till Dawn, Blair Witch Project, and Blair Witch. So and Wake and Fright. My next. And w- did Wake and Fright make it to Jesus? Yeah. Well, a fiver. <laughs> the next update's huge. We haven't had a halt. Listen to this, guys. We need to review a shitty franchise coming up. Mm. We have not had a, a Hall of Fame entry since episode 72. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's getting ridiculous. We got to do, you know, that's almost what, 20? Almost 20 episodes? Is that the last now? time we did the Howling? Yes. <laughs> is it the hell? Yeah, we had three on that episode. But, oh my you know. god. Yeah, so uh it's been a while. It's been a while. So, yeah, uh thank you Derek for bringing that film up. Nice. Good job. It needs it needed to be in the Hall of Fame anyways, without yeah, question. Um all right, so uh I actually have an Italian stallion this week. Uh for y'all this one is coming from uh the graceful year of 2008 and it's directed by ivan zukon i think it's how you pronounce it i'm not 100 percent sure how you pronounce mm-hmm. it but he is responsible for directing a film that i loved in 2013 i believe it came out it was called wrath of the crows uh, mm-hmm. i think you're you're familiar with that sh- uh, one right derek i've seen it it's been a while since i've seen it that's the one with debbie roshan right yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it probably since then either, but uh, I really enjoyed that film. And this guy's got a few films I haven't seen, actually, but I've been hearing good things about most of them, so I decided to check this one out. I found it for dirt cheap, so why not? And it's called Color from the Dark. Hmm. And this film right here is actually based on an H.P. Lovecraft story called The Color Out of Space. So, And I believe I actually have read that before, So, um, but, of course, so many years ago, I can't quite remember, but... Um, but yeah, getting into the uh, the premise of the film, basically, uh, it's like a young couple that live together. Their names Petro and Lucia. Um, they live there with uh, uh, Lucia's younger sister. She's got like mental problems and stuff like that. And they live like on this really isolated farm. And the film takes place during night in uh, during the 1940s, like during World War II, um, mm. which is kind of interesting too because it it adds an element of like. Uh, um, a lot of social commentary of the times that are going on too, which is actually kind of interesting. I'll get to in a minute, but um, basically what, you know, what they do is they, they live out there, you know, they're trying to make a living. They live on this farm. And one day Petro is grabbing some water from their, uh, their well. And he unfortunately kind of stirs up this, uh, what you would want to say, like the supernatural type evil or something like that. It, it's not really explained in the film what it is. You know, it's an H.P. Lovecraft story, so it doesn't really matter, right? Uh, but anyways, he dips down into the water and he kind of stirs up something in there and it releases this odor and this, you know, this flash of color. And uh, so they, they kind of get, you know, not really stunned by it, but they're like, well, what the fuck was that kind of thing? And they're not really too sure about the water. But then he does this really odd thing in the film and he actually tastes the water. And he's like, oh, no, it's all good to go. So, you know, they go on with their daily routines and stuff. And they're drinking the water and eating their food and stuff. Next day they wake up and everything is kind of like just flourished. Like all their crops and stuff are all beautiful. And um, Petro actually at the time had this super bum knee. And now his knee's all fixed and stuff. And, and uh, you know, the younger sister's now talking. Like all these things are happening for the better. 
And then that's kind of short-lived because everything starts to go to pure shit right right uh, shortly after. And um, basically what happens is all the crops go to shit and uh, uh, the girl starts having breakdowns. And uh, Lucia is actually played by Debbie Roshan in the film. She starts getting possessed. Mm. And everything kind of goes from there. It just goes into a downward spiral. It's very nightmarish and stuff like that. And, and that's your film. So my thoughts on this one. Um, this one right here is probably a very typical example of something that's got a lot of style to it over substance because theoretically the story doesn't really explain exactly what the supernatural force is you just assume that it's like it's just some sort of weird evil that's able to make things for the good and you know possess things for the bad you don't really know but it's kind of a cool premise because it's it's just a big mystery you don't really know what's going to happen next with all these characters and stuff but Mm -hmm. you know and i really like the way this film was shot like it's low budget but man it has a lot of really good visual elements to it man it really captures the the isolation on the farm quite well like you feel like they are going nowhere like they're never getting out of this place whatsoever especially in the scenes where debbie roshan is locked in her room like because she's she's getting so possessed and so out of control that they kind of have to lock her up and stuff and it just it captures it so well like you know she's going absolutely nowhere and her downfall and like the way she's physically changing and shit is captured so well in this film too it's just nasty it's really really brutal and shit it's it's the whole film can be described as like a just a visual nightmare that's what it is like nothing is going right nothing's probably ever gonna go right you know things like that um but it's kind of interesting how they throw in the social commentary for the times in 1940 Italy, which was, you know, a fascist, fascist country at the time. And they kind of throw that into the mix with certain elements. And uh, I won't really get into that too heavily, but I like how they threw that in there just to kind of keep you on track with, oh, these are the times this was taking place and stuff. I don't know. It doesn't really need to be there, you know, especially with the type of story that it's, you know, trying to showcase you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought this was really good, man. You know, when you're, if you were to pop this movie in, you'd probably never even realize that it was Italian because you got Debbie Roshan, an American actress, um, and then kind of mixed in with, uh, with Italian. But this movie is in English. It's all in English for the most part. Um, but uh, very interesting film, though. I have to say it was very intriguing throughout the whole thing. It definitely kept my, my attention. And I, I thought the ending was really cool, too, man. It had a really kind of nice payoff to the film. Um, but, you know, not really a whole lot more to say about it, you know, without giving anything else away. It's your kind of typical kind of mine kind of mind fuck hp lovecraft story like you know but very typical hp lovecraft type story and uh i thought it was presented very well you know i, I thought it was pretty interesting with you know a couple flaws i can't, i don't know in the story if the dad actually or if the if the guy actually tests the water like i mean if you saw a flash of color and like some kind of weird odor and like things that were happening in your well would you drink the water right after no like, doesn't it just seem like the weirdest thing to do? You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. I thought that, I started laughing too. I was like, I would never fucking drink that water. Multicolored water. Yeah, if something just like happened in my water, I'd be like, what's in the water, man? That's fucking ridiculous. But Could be drinking radiation for always. Well, that's exactly it, right? And uh, so, who knows? But, you know, it's not really explained if that's why they're being possessed or, you know, from the water or whatnot and stuff. But who mm-hmm. knows? Who knows if this color just spread its way into, you know, di- from different ways or whatever but mm-hmm. um but yeah color of the dark man pretty interesting film man i, I don't think it's like mind-blowing or anything but i'm gonna give it about a six and a half out of ten thought it was definitely worth the watch very intriguing mm-hmm. stuff sounds cool so check it out <clears throat> yeah and that is 
that is going to conclude what we watched. Yeah. All right. So getting into the featured reviews for episode 90. And uh, we are back doing a trilogy of films. Well, kind I of. guess it's kind of a, it's, so, it's a, so it's, it's a threesome. But sort of a, a trilogy. One thing it's, is it's an, we it's an will orgy be of spoiling. Films. Even though the, like only two of these films have stuff to do with each other, we'll still, we'll still spoil because it's, you know, a trilogy show, so. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the first two do have a little bit of continuity, so gotta do the spoils, I guess, man. So first up here from nineteen seventy nine, directed by Fred Walton, When a Stranger Calls. Yes. Nineteen seventy nine. Very interesting. Uh first thing of note is I for my entire life I thought this was an eighties film. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, you know what, man? I think when I I, I think I always thought it was <laughs> honest too. It's kind of strange. Um, I, I love the uh, the IMDb synopsis on this. It's just it's so to the point. A psychopathic killer terrorizes a babysitter, then returns seven years later to menace her again. <laughs> I love that synopsis. It's great. That's yeah. pretty much what happens in the film. The director yeah, here, much- Fred Walton, he actually directed April Fool's Day after this. And then he actually came back and directed the sequel uh, for this way back in 1993. Three. Yeah. Three, yeah. And that's the only things that I know that he did. I mean, he directed that film called The Rosary Murders, too, which I've... I've never seen that. No, I've never seen it before, too, but I remember I've, I've heard of it, though. I didn't even yeah. know that he actually directed that film. And apparently but yeah, he's responsible writer, for April Fool's Day. The writer, Steve Fick... Has an uncredited writing for Poltergeist Three. Oh, um, a good sequel. There you go. <laughs> nah, I mean it's a fun sequel. I don't know if it's great, but makes but sense. Yeah. yeah, when a stranger calls, man. What's your guys' history with this film? Is it uh, first time watch or this is actually second? my thir- this is actually my third time watch of this. And to be honest, it's actually probably my best time watching it because at first it was like not. After watching it, because I'm just going to review it on a technical standpoint, there's a lot of things that I didn't realize about this film before. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah, I've seen this film a few times before. I remember renting this one back in the day and not really caring for it at all. And then, you know, dipping into the DVD that came out years ago, I watched it. And again, I've watched it three or four times. What about you, JP? Uh, so this film, ha- I have like a weird history with, not really weird, just um, an, like just not typical um i think i seen the sequel i didn't know that i had until i watched it this time mm-hmm. way back in the day and this one i had never seen but i seen like um for example on bravo's hundred scariest movie moments which mm-hmm. i recommended on this show and you know tons of other places uh, it's actually on our website. I still need to upload the last part, but uh, the four hours uh, are up on the website. So if you're interested to check that out, definitely do. It's it's a really cool like uh, countdown. But they sh- they featured when a stranger calls on there. So mm-hmm. I, and they featured this. They feature scary moments from movies. So they don't. They talk about the movie as a whole, but like they they show a scene from like a moment and it's the it's the classic moment that everybody knows the big reveal and so i had seen that so you might think like oh man that ruins the whole movie 
and I thought it would, but it, it, it didn't necessarily, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, one thing that I was surprised with, though, is that doesn't happen at the end of the movie, which I had always thought that it did. Mm-hmm. So um, well, I'm sure we'll discuss that. But yeah, I'd, I'd never seen this film until now. I've seen one clip from it. From the Bravo special? Yes. Wow. I'm surprised you've never seen this one before. Me too. That's, in- that's interesting. On, uh, Blu-ray with uh, Happy Birthday to Me for a long time. Yep, that's how I watched it. On the same Blu-ray. You know what's funny? I actually completely forgot that I had that Blu-ray and I watched my DVD. <laughs> you jackass. <laughs> that's such a good release because you get two like cool movies for like $4. Like I've yeah, seen that thing go for like three fifty. Oh my god! I can. I just. And the transfers so are pretty fucking... solid on them too. <laughs> that is so fucking funny. I totally forgot about that <laughs> shit. Didn't even think twice, man. I just went to my DVDs and grabbed because I had to grab the uh, the remake too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so just kind of grabbed them out. Didn't think twice. Wow, interesting. Um. So, what are you guys' thoughts on this one? So, um, I guess I guess I can open it up. Yeah. yeah so... Start with something. Basically, you know, we did talk a little bit about the brief synopsis, but uh, the the whole beginning of the film, this is really like a, a three-section film. Mm-hmm. And the first it's section... Good? I was going to say, is that a good thing? No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. the, the first thing that I will say is the first section of the film is like hook, line, and sinker, right? Like, I'm laying down... It's like 2 a.m. I pop this bad baby in, and it's horror. I'm like, yes. Like, I'm loving the first section mm-hmm. of this film. I'm like, this is horror. This is scary. This is, like, freaky. Uh, you know, it, it's good. It's good. It's it's a little slow burn. We're following this character around, and she, no. she's just getting more and more paranoid with these phone calls and these interactions with this, this guy who's calling is, is really creepy. And then the big punchline and it's like whoa like that is that's fucking horror man like that is that is one of like the best cold opens ever like it, it is it's it's a really well done suspenseful scary scene throughout first, the whole first section of this film the first yeah it's Do you fucking... guys know did you time mark it so basically what i've always said about this film i said this would have made the greatest 22 minute uh, short film Ever. That's ex- it was supposed to actually be a 22-minute short film. Really? Yeah, well, that. It, it, that actually makes complete sense because if you add in the other 75 minutes to this film, I mean, it doesn't need to be there. I mean, the first 22 minutes is is a great short film. I love the fucking music in that fucking first 22 minutes. It's so eerie, and you can hear, like, this percussion, like, drums oh. and bass in it. Dude, yeah. the score is so good. Everything about the first twenty-two minutes is like, great. Making it's got the awesome guy suspense. British as well was like really good because like he his voice like have you checked the children? Like I can't have it, you but... checked the children? Yeah, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> fucking dude. Listen, it does. It sounds so menacing coming out of that English accent, dude. And also, like once you find out like what had happened. It's even more of a gut more, punch. Yeah, I was like, yeah. holy shit, they did that? They went there? They, they, because, they, they did like, it, yeah. They're like, turns out this guy was in the house all, all along, and 
these kids been dead for for hours or something. I'm like, what? He's like, they were, he was covered in their blood. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, and you see them carrying the bodies out and he's like fucking plastic. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, dude, this is like the best horror ever. Like this, this movie literally has peaked. Like this is the best thing that you can do. Like I was so into it by that point. And, you know, I mean, I don't think it should come as a surprise that the, that a lot, I would assume a lot of people feel like it, it, it peaks and then it sinks. Oh, it it sinks drastically. It sinks drastically. I don't. Uh-huh. I don't think. Like in my opinion, it's not drastically. Like I still think there's a solid movie here, but compared to that open, like it's it's. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, after the the initial twenty two minutes are done, or basically when it jumps into seven years later, yeah. and then you um, then it switches to characters. You're really pretty much following Cliff. Yeah, so what you're doing here is, you know, if jumps seven years later and the killer's now escaped um, his uh, mental institution. Yeah, his mental institution. That he's, he was next to other right? famous killer. Yeah, so he's uh-huh. escaped and, uh, you know, and now they're basically on the hunt for him. Obviously, they want to recapture this guy. And, but the, the whole, the way the story kind of goes from there it just makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, he just, I find, I find that there's like, the story is just it's lacking in direction it's just lacking they didn't really know what they wanted to do with the killer you know doesn't it seem odd that he's just kind of like out there and he's just trying to pick up some random chick in a bar and then it just seems like they didn't really know what to do with him once he got out i mean my initial reaction would be you know since he got caught at this house instead of having him run around trying to do random things with random people in the middle of the film and then cut you know, the last twenty minutes of the film is when he refines, um, what's her name, Jill. Jill, Jill, Jill's yeah. character. So, so we get reintroduced to the babysitter twenty minutes uh, with twenty minutes left in the film. But this whole middle part of the film, I feel like they had no idea what they wanted to do with this character. Mm-hmm. I, and I, story think, I think that you're you're correct on like okay, like they they probably didn't have like a great like oh like this is what we should do, um, but I do think that like kind of what i got from it and whether this was intentional or not was just like okay this guy is like this is what happens to somebody after they're crazy for a long time and they're locked up for a long time and they're trying to re-enter mm-hmm. the world and it's like we're just seeing this sort of voyeuristic like confused narrative that this guy is just like kind of wandering around but i know but that kind of gets thrown out the frame a little bit by you know he eventually makes his way back to trying to find jill well, he yeah. didn't know where she. He didn't know about but, her until he saw that article. Essentially, Ooh. what it is is if when. But don't Michael... you think that he would have tried to find out right away, though? No, not like, necessarily. Well, he probably, I, I honestly uh, don't think rem- it works like that in real life. Like, well, I think rem- that is the movies that does that, where they come out and they do that immediately. You got to remember he does he was... something immediately right after something like that. You, you got to remember too. He was on some like heavily like psychosis drugs yeah, and shit true. too. It and... takes a little while for that shit to wear off. So he yeah. probably didn't realize like where he was and stuff too in the world either. So he was probably still a little canatonic from being like on these drugs. They well, probably. Uh, I mean, we we could assume all this stuff. I mean, it's not they, they it's not really shown, they right? Don't, do they don't show us that, do they, Derek? No. Well, they t- well they tell us that like in that scene where uh, Cliff goes to the hospital and talks to the nurse in hand and looks through the files and they talk about all the drugs that he was on and stuff. Yes, they do. Yeah. So the that's, dr- that's drugs a decent that- point. Yeah, I guess, but I mean, it would be. I don't know. Listen, this movie is 
what it would have been like had Halloween happens and then instead of following Laurie Strode during the day after he escapes, we followed follow Michael Mike. Myers the whole time mm-hmm. and what he was doing in the town because he didn't go right after Laurie. Like he went that okay. way. But, but does it okay? I get that. But does it make it interesting? A little, a little. A little I, 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 I actually find it, the middle. Not... I, I find the middle part of this film to be tr- insanely boring. Yeah. Like I find it just not. There's no suspense to it. There's not a really a lot of interesting story going on with the characters. I was. And then I it was... did, and then it feels kind of forced. You know, when he when okay yeah he finds the star and then he finds where Jill is, and then he uh, obviously. That's where this thing is going to lead. Of course, it's going to lead that way. And then, but, but you know, you gotta, you but know then you get 20 though? minutes. You, to, to kind of comment on what you just said there, I didn't think so. I was like, oh, I guess that storyline's kind of over or whatever. May, like, I had a hunch that, okay, maybe they'll bring it back around. But I wasn't sure once it started. Like, the deeper it went into the narrative where we're just following him around, I was like, maybe that's it for her. Like I, I, I genuinely I just, didn't know. I really don't care for the structure of this film. I wish that he had a found you know, his way to Jill earlier and said it feeling so forced. I mean, 20 minutes left in the film, he's all of a sudden back trying to get her. And then it just seems so forced to me. It just, we have this whole long middle period of the film where it's really uninteresting. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, here we go again. And then just kind of go, it just kind of brings you here. I just like that it was so untypical. Like that's exactly what a typical horror movie does is, is, you know, exactly, exactly. But this one's actually quite boring though. Yeah, I I think that it's curious. Like I, I was just very curious. Like, oh, like what's this guy I, doing? Like, where is he? Going? I was like, too. What's... This is like the third time I watched it. And I, I agree. Like the first like two times I watched it, the middle part of the film didn't work for me that well. But I actually enjoyed the middle part I was this time around. The whole time and what he was doing, whether that was the right choice, I think that Moods is right in in terms of like, yeah. okay, it probably could have been better to to keep the this whole middle section out and that be a different film, but. I did enjoy. It. I was like, I was like, oh, like this is a very like voyeuristic look at somebody who went. It's mad like a, it's like a, a couple. Yeah, children. it's like a character study in the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was because he was doing all kind of weird shit. It kind of reminded me of like Norman Bates when he gets out. You know what? Oh, kind of, I, you know I can kind of remind me of what doing with it. It's just not. It's just not exciting or interesting to me. You know what yeah, reminded me? Kind of. Quite boring. It kind of reminded me of like what if this guy stayed on the street and stuff and be homeless, maybe he'd become like the guy from Crazy Murder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, no shit. Uh, no shit. No shit. <laughs> yeah, like Derek, what what are some of the things that we see our our killer guy do when he gets out? Like the whole scene yeah, where he, he, does, he does a lot of uh, random things though too. Yeah, like, it he's seems like, like what a crazy person might be doing. Yeah, like he's going to a well, bar. Obviously, he has no direction because. I mean, it's explained in the middle of the film or in the beginning of the film that he'd only been in the country for two weeks at that point where he caused the or did these murders. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. he wasn't familiar before he was on these psychosis on on the drugs and stuff like that. So, of course, even if he got out and he wasn't on drugs, he still would have no direction because he's in a brand new country. Yeah. He didn't know where he was in the first place. On top of the fact that he's crazy, I think adds to like the the reasons why we're just seeing these sort of weird like situations like that well, one scene course, like, the, I, I, I like the one scene where he's trying to pick up tracy in the bar and said the other woman that's yeah. smoking at the bar and then one guy just beats the shit out of him he's like fucking enjoying it like yeah yeah it's laughing. weird it's weird mm. yeah but I, I mean i i never actually one time in this film 
was like, man, this is boring. Like, I was interested the whole time. Yeah, it was. But I just don't think that it's anywhere near as strong as like is the beginning. Is the problem. no, no, no. It's very, it's very, it's it's a lot slower than the beginning. But I don't. I think maybe if it was like maybe cut down with like a few like backup scenes, maybe like more of the investigation shit, it might have. How do you feel been... this would have worked if if we during following this guy we're cutting to. Uh, what's her name? Jill. Yeah. And we're seeing what's yeah. happening in her life, and then there's this moment. Well, there's this. There's this impending suspense. Like, oh, I know these two characters are going to come back together at some point. That's exactly what I was referring to. It feeling forced when it cuts back when he finds Jill and then he goes for you know goes for glory there. So you think you know it just feels like they, they just kind of incorporated they incorporated her you know that part of the story like just like automatically into there. Yeah, they just kind of put it in there. It's like, okay, he's doing his own thing, doing this, and then he's like, oh shit, you know, oh, and it's like it's jarring. No, it's not actually jarring. It just seems very, very forced, you know. And I really, I just don't like the structure of this film whatsoever. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I love Charles Durning, man. I think he's honestly the best thing about the middle, of the part of the film. He's he's great as the cop. I think he's a yeah, great he actor. Yeah, he's he's real he's, good as a cop. I like him. No, he's just a great. A- he was a great actor. Like yeah. I always loved him, and that's. I find him interesting, but the actual uh, killer, no. I, I just he's just like aimlessly walking around, it, but it's not interesting stuff. I wish maybe they had made him a little more vicious, and I don't know. It's just it's not interesting. At well, all. I think that there's a lot of room for things that could have happened. Like if I was making the movie, I would be like, I would use the suspense angle of what we know he did. And I would maybe mm. have him walk through a park or something where there's a bunch of children, or ha- like have yeah. this like suspenseful, like on edge vibe. Like this, this is exactly the shit time. that I'm referring to. Yeah, exactly, you know, structure the film a little better, make that character a little more interesting, do things like that. You know, it's just it's just a whole investigative angle to this where he's not really doing anything. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think like, that I, I'm in agreement that I I think it could have been much better. And I'm in agreement that, like, I think that even I have ideas that could have worked better. But I, I just, I just was actually interested in it. Still, even though it wasn't as good yeah. once it played out, I was like, oh, like, you know, that wasn't amazing or anything. But I was still very heavily interested in the character and what he was gonna do. Because Derek, even though, I find, what, I find uh, it interesting, Derek, that you that you found it more compelling after like a third watch than. <laughs> well, well, I was looking at a technical standpoint, and I did like like. I wasn't. I won't lie. I wasn't even really paying attention to this for like the first and second time I was watching this because I I kind of lost my interest. But I was more engaged into the actual whole story and stuff. Yeah, because now you had to watch it for a show, so you got to pay attention. Like, yeah, that yeah. Makes sense. yeah. And I I actually learned like a few facts about like the making of this. Like the guy who actually played the killer was actually terminally sick during oh, the whole wow. film. He actually he actually passed away after it was done filming. Tony Beckley was his name. He actually. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't didn't know that. Yeah, he was like had cancer or something really bad, and he was really sick. So I kind of is that the guy? Is that the guy that didn't tell anybody? He might. I think. I think they knew, but they didn't want to recast him because he was already he did the voice and stuff on the phone. Oh yeah, okay, that's crazy. So it was, and then the other cool thing is I didn't even realize Charles Dern's like. Buddy was Superfly. Yeah, it's Ron O'Neill. Yeah, Ron O'Neill. Like, yeah, the lieutenant. The lieutenant's yeah. Ron O'Neill. It's fucking yeah. awesome. He's yeah. Superfly. So <laughs> one one of the things that I, I read in the uh, trivia section is that 
this was actually shot as a short film. Like the opening mm-hmm. was the film at one point. So See, that it makes complete totally sense. makes sense yeah. that, that the rest of the film feels <laughs> jarring. Um, because yeah, it's like, whoa, okay, like the, the, this whole thing, which by the way, Jesus Christ, what a great, like, I can't even describe, like, this is one of my new favorite moments, like, one of my new favorite moments of horror, like this opening scene, like, even though I knew what happened beforehand, mm-hmm. even though I thought it happened at the end, so that kind of helps me a bit, but um, I was just so into it, I was like, this is done so well, and I thought this movie was going to be like, like that was going to be the whole movie, but unfortunately it wasn't, but I, I still definitely enjoyed it. Mm. You know, the one thing I've never been able to understand about, you know, in the first 22 minutes is now they say that, uh, you know, the, the killer, he killed the kids, you know, hours before, and then he starts taunting the babysitter and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. of course they, they catch him like he's upstairs and he's, uh, he's all covered in blood standing over the kids and things like that. You know, is he gets caught because he is just, insane and he's just not gonna run yep he's just crazy as shit like he snapped and he like because you hear his reaction and this was like i don't know like i i just liked but he still has enough wit seven years later to to escape i mean the asylum that he's in why would literally been people who have escaped by by it's an honest question it's an honest question i read a story Mm. about some some girl who was guarding uh, who was on like duty or something, and literally just just like fell asleep and forgot to like shut the door, and like a, 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 like six crazy people like got out. Like it, it happens from time it to time. It happens all they the time. They didn't show us it, but we we did. It didn't have necessarily have to be this cunning like uh, escape from Alcatraz type plan that got this dude out. I mean, it is possible. Well, no, they the don't. Guy, they don't, the they don't could say just, that. The guy they could just say that he escapes. They didn't even say he broke out yeah, or doesn't, anything. Doesn't they, Michael Myers? Like, how did Michael Myers escape? He like, just jumps <laughs> off through the. They just all get out somehow, and they're like millions. No, but it's a legitimate question, though. Like, I mean, he just he stands there and gets caught, yeah. and then I didn't you know, get the but, I didn't get the sense that like in my head I even thought that, and I pieced it together, and I was like, I was like, I bet it was like some sort. I of always chalked it up just just due to the fact that he was so fucking insane. Because, I mean, obviously, anybody that is willing to, you know, tear apart kids without a weapon, mm-hmm. literally limb from limb, yeah. and this mm-hmm. is what they describe, is obviously crazy enough to stand there until the cops come and apprehend Well, he's, I, I, I don't, <laughs> so I don't know if he sense. wanted to, maybe he didn't want to die at that point either, because he didn't want to probably try to jump out of a window. I just think he didn't give a fuck, man. He just did what he did. and Yeah, he's probably still and, in shock of tearing, like, two little kids apart. Yeah, kinda. one one thing about that whole thing is there's actually a moment where i think that's when he's starting she knows that he has to she has to keep him on the line for 60 seconds to trace the call so Uh she's talking to him and she just happens to mention the cops and he's like you called the police like the thought had never even crossed his mind that that might have happened and I was like, yeah, that's crazy yeah. right there. I know. That's I actually crazy. kind of, I've laughed at that before yeah. too. It's like, yeah. what do you mean? You didn't think about the cops? <laughs> yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, yeah. so he's like actually crazy. Like he's just like, yeah. like nuts. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's insane, yeah. insane. This yeah. one scene that comes like in the middle part of this film too, that gives me a back on, maybe he kind of was trying to remember certain things because there's like this weird, like flashing scene where we actually see him covered in blood too. And like, it's like these dreamlike sequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe he was—he didn't have that memory, like because of all the that goes back into the canatonic drug thing. 
Mm-hmm. So and then he was starting to see it all over in his head again that he did this thing. Yeah, well, it, you get the sense that he yeah, was I mean, treated over the years. Like, okay, like he's not crazy anymore like he was. He's still kind of nuts, but he's like in in sort of a suppressed state now because – Dude, seven years of, like, shock therapy and, like, other shit that, that can happen to you in a mental hospital, like, mm-hmm. you're going to be kind of reserved after that. And it's, and it's been Yeah, it makes you, like, a little way. bit of a different type of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that, that eventually, like, that's why that's why he didn't go after it right away because, like, he kind of forgot about all that shit. And it all slowly started coming back to him once the dope wore off and once, you know, he sort of... Um, and then he saw that picture on that, on that article and then he yeah. found it in the trash... Yeah, so that it's more like this dude's like sort of in a, like just a, a haze walking around like doing shit, and then eventually it's like oh shit, like like it's not a te- it didn't seem like much of a revenge thing. It just seemed more of like a oh yeah, I forgot I was crazy. I'm gonna go kill this bitch that got away from me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one yeah. Thing, one one thing that uh, was interesting that I also read in the trivia is that um, this character was based on a acquaintance that the director knew in college that somehow would always just pop up in a room and make others uncomfortable and like they would never notice him and he'd just be there all of a sudden uh-huh <laughs> okay that, that's kind that's of a little cre- that, that's a little creepy yeah and uh Wes craven actually was a huge fan of this film and apparently the opening minutes to scream was kind of like a tribute or like a inspired by Dude, this film. What the fuck? I have that written down. I was like the opening. I was like, I wonder if Wes Craven was influenced by this film. That's so crazy. I didn't even, I didn't read any of these facts. Holy fuck. Yeah. But you can kind of see it though. Like the whole, the way the phone calls are and stuff, it totally makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it completely like, it just totally makes sense. That's so funny. I actually, well, you thought of that, but, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I I don't really know what else to say about the film. To be honest, it's such a it's such a three part film, man. I mean, this would be such an amazing thing just to have as a short. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that middle part, man. I just well, but the I but just, the thing is, moods it does get really good at the end again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the last twenty minutes. Yeah, the last twenty minutes are it, it goes back into that. Uh, um, into or, that mode, you know, it's suspenseful and it's, you know, it's everything you want in, in, in those moments for sure. The, the way yeah. I look at it, it's like bookmark ends, like the beginning and the end are like the bookmarks. And then the little, the middle of the film is okay in my book, but it's not, it could have been I, a I lot better. And truly find it just very uninteresting the way they approach that character after he escaped. I mean, I think they could have done so much more with, uh, with Kurt Duncan's character. You know, and instead of just playing it like he's just this fucking insane zombie walking around trying to do random crazy things, it's like it it was very uninteresting to me. And, and, and it, it kind of, to me, seemed out of character for the cop, um, Charles Dunny or what's his name, John Clifford. Yeah. You know, he gets to the point where, you know, he's tracking him down. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to get this guy. And but he's just like building up this anger and he's like, I'm going to fucking kill him. He goes, that's it. I, and then he even says to Ron O'Neill, his lieutenant, he's like, I'm going to fucking kill him. He goes, I'm not going to apprehend him. I'm going to kill him. And I'm just like, holy shit, that, that's so crazy. You don't see that in films very often where the lieutenant and the, you know, the the detective are like, okay. And then he sits him down and he goes, well, how are you going to do it? <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck? That's like such a random thing in a film. You well, don't see that very often. But like he's got such a hatred for him. And I understand well, that. Well, well, Cliff's, Cliff's a private investigator now. He's not even on the force anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that. I forgot about that. He was actually hired by Mandrakis to actually. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, De- yeah. De- Derek's actually a good addition to this because he, like, some of this shit I always forget, like, because I don't take notes that much anymore. But Derek's pretty good for detail. I'll tell you that. I probably should note that though. I even have PI written Cause, down here because Mandrakis actually hired him to take him out, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's just such it's such a weird aspect, though, right? I mean, I mean, it, it doesn't seem a little drastic, though. No, no, that was their first. Ki- yeah, of course, killing well, someone's well, always drastic. But I mean, if this guy's like, I don't know, man, it seems like somebody well, they probably well, if, could if apprehend you... again. You know, I just see it seems to me a little over the top. Well, it's, it's like, man, it's like Loomis, this guy's though. not Loomis fucked. Does the this same guy's shit, not though, been right? Like Loomis mm-hmm. does that. Like he he goes over the top. Like, and you get the sense, like, okay, he's a little crazy too from like dealing with this guy. Like, and I, I've always kind of liked that angle with Loomis. And, and, yeah, but and, and, the Loomis character is different though because he was, you know, he was actually dealing with Mike Myers like personally true, and things like that. True. Like that 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 I think that you would take it a little more personal at that level. But mm-hmm. with this one. It just seems like, well, you know, well, he's pre- he's a pretty fucking bad dude. Now we're just gonna we're just gonna take him out. <laughs> it just seems so over the top to me. I was like, okay. I mean, it seems like they could apprehend him again, considering the first time they did it. Why not this time? I don't know because you, know? you just don't want him to kill children again, really. Pretty much. I mean, I, if you I, have to pull I, those I, children I, out of that house, attitude. it might give you a different perspective than just seeing someone else deal with a criminal. Uh huh. I don't know, man. I, I mean, honestly, uh, I might uh, say some shit like that. Honestly, yeah, it's different to say some shit like that, but to actually go through and do it when you don't necessarily probably need to go and take him out. He's not fucking Bin Laden. Yeah, fuck there. it, take him out. He's a scumbag. But I understand, you know, like you understand. Who knows? You, like, you never know. The, the children murderers, even in like mental institutions for over years, they might be reformed again. But one day they might snap again. You never know. And you just can't have that on your conscience, especially because that that was well, clear. He was never was getting his... out of. He was never supposed to be out of that asylum, anyways. Yeah, but... Right. So once he was there, he was in there <laughs> for life. So it didn't matter base. really what happened to his character, anyways. It's the fact that he got out. It's like, hey, well, do you really need to take him out? I just honestly, I just think it's a little over the top. But not. You know. I don't really think it was that much over the top because it's like, could somebody say that? Has somebody in history probably said that? Probably. So it's like, okay, that could happen. That, but that they weren't just saying it; they were easy. planning on doing it, and that's you know that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, but people plan to kill people sometimes. Like it happens. Was, but but I'm just saying with with more. But, uh, I'm not I'm not saying but, he's but, dead. Did they not say why he but he's not a goddamn terrorist? I think it had to do with like that case because that was probably because the lieutenant that his uh, friend actually was on the case with him and shit. I don't know if he got lost in the force or just. Probably yeah, fighting. They, they don't actually say. They I was wondering yeah. if maybe he was a little unhinged and like a little off his rocker. Yeah, I think that was probably like that was, that was probably like it. his one last case as like a real cop. You know what I mean? Yeah. You you probably got on the hinge after that. Yeah, yeah they like, don't actually like believe. Been on the force say... too long and seen too much, type guy. Yeah. I mean, if you've been on the force for 25, 30 years, and you and that's you know you're approaching the end of your career, and you see something like that, wouldn't that kind of make you want to retire too? Yeah, yeah, it might make. I you mean, want to say I mean, that, that's probably too. what they're they're alluding to. You know, that's kind of what, but they don't actually they don't actually say in the film though. Mm-hmm. Um, another so. thing, this is really interesting. This is good filmmaking here. Independent filmmakers take notes because these are small little things that you can do to improve your film, and that's why I always say like. 
some of these new like indie movies that are shot in like six days and stuff like some of them are, some of the ones that like mutantis and stuff where i was like there's just nothing in it like there's no there's no it's just like people just pointed the camera at shit and like did stuff like but th- this is what i'm talking about this is like the heart that i always want out of the, these smaller type films is uh, mm-hmm. throughout the opening segment, the director gradually increased the feeling of suspense by making each subsequent phone call ring a touch louder than the previous one. Dude, really? like for real? Come on, man! Like that's like that's the time taking shit that that costs no money to do. Okay, no money at all, and it's just that's yeah. filmmaking. That's what that's what separates the men from the boys. Mm-hmm. It's mm. interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I, I I don't know. Do you guys have anything else on the film? Yes. Um, I don't really know. To... Nothing really. I guess we could get into ratings. Well, th- there's a, one other thing that I wanted to say. Um, what is it? Oh, okay, we... here's, here's another little bit of information. The Classification and Rating Administration had originally voted unanimously for a PG rating. Five years before the PG-13 rating were available. However, the C-R-A-R-A chair Richard Hefner then viewed the film and called the board for further discussion to consider voting for an R rating instead. Although mm-hmm. the theme of the film could potentially be accommodated with a PG th- PG rating, Hefner argued that the film's treatment of its theme was too unsettling. Most parents would want to freely be available to un- by Jesus Christ too unsettling for most parents to want to be freely available unaccompanied children uh, a majority vote was then received then received to assign the film an R rating so this film actually had a PG rating at one point and they like and then went to the R chairman was like nope <laughs> killing kids in films R so this film actually, uh, actually funny. has a lot like of oh wait we, I know something we forgot well. to talk about what did you guys think about Carol Kane as Jill? I like her. Um, overacting a little bit. Always thought that she got kind of overacted. I think in the first, like, I don't know, like the first, like I think that first like twenty two minutes is like nearly perfect. Honestly, like I I don't have any issues with her acting at all, and um, I actually like her. I thought that when she found out that he was like back and her children were at risk. Like I felt that. And I was like, yeah. damn, yo, like I could only imagine like the traumatic past that you have all of a sudden to realize like there's a babysitter home with your kids and it might be happening to her. Like that's way too uh-huh. much heaviness to, to take on. Like, yeah. Like, 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 holy, like how do you even comprehend that? Like this guy actually calls the restaurant. Have you checked your children? Yeah. In that moment, <laughs> it's just like a jolt of fear to your heart. Now, yeah. how did he get the number to the restaurant? I actually don't know. But how did he know? Like, whatever. Um, well, by that, that point, I don't care anymore. Yeah. Uh, the budget to this film. You don't, fi- you don't find her acting in, in that scene there where she answers the phone no, and she's dude, not. I thought it was no, great. I, I actually really liked her in the film. Oh, I, I totally so disagree. Passionate. Well, I'm used to seeing her in, like, comedic roles and stuff. Oh, I just, it, I don't know, man. It's To me, I, it just seems like it's overacting a little bit, but who knows? I don't know. It Like, my this opinion. is. This is, like, just, you know, the difference between the way we saw that performance. But, like, I actually thought it was, like, like terrifying. Like, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, it, like it, it was 100% yeah. work for me. 100%. Me um, too. 
I don't know. Maybe watch the film a couple more times. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. I've, I've seen I've seen the performance three or four times. So. Um, the budget but. of this film was one million five hundred thousand, grossed twenty one million. So really good, really good uh, box office rating with that film. You guys ready to go into ratings? I bet you if they kept it at a twenty two minute short, it would have. It probably would have grossed about a hundred million. No, would not even have made ten million. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't even have made ten thousand. Nobody's paying to see a short film. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, ratings. I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. So, when a stranger calls, uh, this film to me is like great in the first twenty-two minutes or whatever it was. Like, I loved it. I was so down for it. I was like, this is like my new favorite film. Love this shit. Like, I was, I was on edge. It was suspenseful. Like, it was horror. It's like what I love about the genre. The middle section was like a huge step down. It really was. But then I thought it brought it back nice at the end. And because the middle was interesting enough, it just was – it was a big step down. But it was still good to me. Like it was still uh-huh. a good middle. Like uh, it was pretty good. It was, I, I, like I really enjoyed the middle. But just compared to that first stuff, it's down. Um, I mean I, I loved the beginning and, and end this this film. And uh, the middle I liked a lot too. I give it an 8 out of 10. Nice, nice. All right, I'll go next. When a Stranger Calls, it's my third time watch, like I said previous. And on a technical standpoint, I love the fucking first, like, 22 minutes of this film. The atmosphere and the tension of the scenes that goes well with this great percussion bass soundtrack by uh, Dana Kufrick, but I believe that's the name of the composer, is fucking outstanding, especially with the tension with the phone calls. And then... The middle part, after we introduce, it kept me interested. It's not as good as, like, the rest of the film, but it's kept me interested enough to enjoy the rest, and the ending I really enjoy, too. So I'm with JP on this one, 8 out of 10. Oh, wow. Um, you know, if this movie was a 22-minute film, I would give it a 10 out of 10, probably mostly like you guys would. Yeah, I was at a um, 10. Go, like, right after that, I was like, 10? But we're but down. we're judging the, we're judging all ninety seven minutes of this film. Correct. Mm-hmm. And the twenty two first twenty two minutes are just fantastic. It, it's so great. Um, and you can finding out that this film was actually meant to be a short makes complete sense now because that explains the lack of direction and kind of the boring story in the middle of the film for myself. I think it just as a whole it brings down this film so drastically for me. I mean, if you're going to peak in the first 22 minutes, it's just not a good thing for the viewers and I don't know, man. I, like I've seen this film a couple times and I find the middle just it could just be so much better. I, I think that you could do so much more with the with uh with Kirk Duncan his character and things like that. Um I just find it kind of blasphemy that they went this route and they did it like that. It does pick up in the last 20 minutes. I think the last 20 minutes are pretty good too. But, you know, that's half the film. You know, 97-minute film. We got 55 minutes in the middle of the film that are just very uninteresting, really not a lot happening and stuff like that. And I don't know, man. I've never really been a big fan of this product as a whole. You know, I've you know when I was younger, I didn't care for it whatsoever. throughout the times you know i can respect it a little bit more but still to me as a whole product i find it very average and i'm giving it five out of ten okay just so you guys are aware here we mentioned this earlier in the show jack frost 
Mood 616. Seven out of You know, Chief, you've, you've done this many times when I when I underrate you. You always bring up older things. Like, yeah. why, why do you bring up other films? That's not well, even relatable. I brought up it because this. we mentioned it today. And because it's not relatable. Jack Frost is a, is... Is a polar opposite film than this. Yeah, this, but this film is better it, made than Jack Frost. Of course, but this is also boring as shit, except for the first 22 minutes. Which is better than the entire Jack Frost. Well, that's this is 22 minutes. You don't think it's better than the entire Jack Frost? What? The first, the first 22, 22 minutes? minutes? Yeah. Of course it is. But this is a 97-minute film, though. So, so wait, this is better than... This is at the same level as Dark Hall? <laughs> Yeah, essentially. Essentially, they're pretty much the same movie. No, I, I base on fucking... This movie is boring, dude. It's fucking boring. <laughs> it's a well-made, boring fucking movie. But the first like, 22 minutes aren't that boring. Come on, that is the least... 22 minutes, dude, it's a 97 fucking minute film. makes the film there's above nothing, average automatically. There's nothing, there's nothing in the middle. It is. It's 5 out of 10. that's a it's good a, argument that, that the first 22 minutes alone are so above average that it makes the entire film, even if the rest was kind of... Not so good. Not when, not when the middle part of the film is more than double the length of the beginning good part. It brings it down. Yeah. It brings it down drastically. I'm judging the film as a whole. Yeah. It's a well-made, boring film. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it is. Uh, That's what it is. <laughs> listen, listeners out there, listen. This is blasphemy. This is this this, this movie is good. Oh, no, it's okay? not. It's not. Don't listen to moods on this one. No. It's I, I would recommend this film to anybody. Just shut the movie off after twenty two minutes. You don't even need to see the rest of the film. Yeah, it doesn't but watch even the get entire better. Jack Frost. Why not? At least you'll have fun with that film and you won't be disappointed. You know, I mean fuck. I'm gonna put a poll up. Which film is better? The next seventy five minutes. Which film's more entertaining too? We'll dude, do I don't know why you always have to do this every what, time I under what you do this why every do single so fucking time. Hurt, man? Mm. Just, I never questioned your guys' rating. Did I say, oh, you guys have a fucking you eight? Can, it works both be ways. Because I, because I, 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 I don't give a shit. Because I don't give a flying fuck. You but you care do. every you time I underrate something. You always give a shit so when I do this. Why does that matter? Because I don't care. I find it so compelling that you give a shit when I do stuff like that. Yeah, I find it's interesting. Why is it? It's, it's interesting to me that you wrote it. to me is one of the biggest things. And you know this. You know this. We've done 90 shows, and you know this. When something's boring to me, mm-hmm. it does not get a good rating. Yeah, and I'm just, and I'm just, you know, I'm defending the film that I like, and I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, moods doesn't know what he's talking about. This film is better than Jack Frost, and it's it's an eight out of ten. Dude, Jack Frost you can't compare when a stranger calls to fucking Jack Frost. Ratings are all relative to what the film is. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, sevens and nines and sixes and fours, whatever, man. They're all yeah, fucking. I know. They're I've said on, that on uh, the show before. I've 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 even agreed with that, and I've I've brought that up before. But I just you thought can't it was say funny because, because that we, film got a seven. I thought it was funny because we just talked about your rating on Jack Frost this episode. You get butt hurt over it because you get defensive. I don't think it's no, that big I'm of a not, deal to be like, no, hey, Woods, I'm not getting this, defensive. This, I'm I'm always defensive. I'm intrigued that you always – no, because you constantly do this every time. Constantly, every time? I don't think it's been every time. I do it here You brought there. up Dark Hall on the show probably like six times. Derek just that brought was, up Dark Hall. That, that was me just kidding around. No, yeah. I know that you did, I've but you've also done it, JP. I've done it once or twice. I'm but not, it's a totally different film. Yeah, you can't, just like I, we bring up other jokes once or twice, dude. It's a joke. Calm down. It's not, I'm it's not being not. Like, 
joke. No. What do you you're, mean? It's funny. No. You're, Derek you're a little. Li- I bet you the listeners are laughing right now. No, you <laughs> honestly, honestly, you just can't understand how I could possibly give this film a lower rating than you. Now I'm just being Jeremy no, I right now. I can understand. I can understand, <laughs> but I, that doesn't mean I can't make fun of it. Well, I mean, I think eight is blasphemy. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. If you want my honest opinion, but I'm not going to sit there and say that because that's what you guys rated it, man. Yeah, but I like I'm not it. saying like, why couldn't you? Like, what? Like, I'm not going to get mad or anything because I'm I don't give. Get... A sh- I don't think it's. I don't think it's. it's if it's funny though, why not? We make about. jokes all the time, dude. Okay, but I just don't. Th- I, I mean, ratings are so relative that it's like I don't see how it's even a joke. I though. just feel like that if like if somebody says something or comments on one of your ratings, like you get, you get really defensive about it when it's just, it, it's all opinion anyway. Like, I don't know why, like if I, if I say that you're wrong about something, I, like, it's just a joke, dude. Like, it's not like, you know, even though I truly think that it's an eight or whatever, like it's all opinion. I know this already. Why? Like, we don't always have to, you have got a fucked up sense of humor, man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I do have a fucked up sense of humor, <sighs> but I'm it's like, serious. Uh... like, it's, it's not, it's not like, at the end of the day, we're all friends, and it's all like, good. I feel like hood. you get disrespected when I when I say stuff like that, and it's no, I just no, I don't get disrespected. I find it super compelling that you even have to relate things to my ratings because I've never done that once to you ever in ninety episodes. I've never been like, "Are you kidding me, dude? You gave that a fucking eight, and yeah, you gave this." Just not, I've never you done just that. Don't do stuff like that, but I mean, because <laughs> I don't care, man. Because every film is so different that I don't even see the joke in it. I'm like. Man, if we were comparing like the exact same film, then it would probably some conversation. It looks about, ridiculous like... on paper. It's like Jack Frost, seven out of ten, and When a Stranger Calls, five out of ten. That it it becomes funny when you point it out. Okay, <laughs> it's not Jim Jeffries funny, but you know whatever, teach their own, I guess. But like it's, it's just, all good. It's the... the same way we bust Jeremy's balls for being pretentious and stuff. Like it's it's just it's just what i do like it's something that i poke fun at you at because oh. I, if one because you react like that too if you just was like haha yeah like it like the, the reaction is <laughs> part of the fun to me but you like you get you've literally got mad like this like three times oh, God. that's because it's the same shit over and over again and i'm not mad i'm just i'm pointing out the simple fact that i find it super compelling that you even have to try and make a joke about something like that. It's like, it's I funny, don't understand though. the it joke. I guess, I guess what it comes down to, I just don't understand what's so funny about it, but okay. Well, it's hey, funny it that you it... get all up in arms about it, but it's also funny because like, it's Jack Frost. Like, Hey, I like Jack. I like <laughs> Jack I Frost. It. It's like, dude, you gave Phantasm an eight. See, I could bring this up. I'm and like, you that's did fucking before. That's when you just told me that you said that that's ridiculous before. So it's no different than what I'm doing. You literally okay. said that on the no, show. I will play back the constant, audio right now. But it's every time with you, though. It's and you just admit that I don't time. do this. I never do this. The way I literally not when bring something else up. That's the whole fucking fun. That's the funny it's thing about the, it. The, the way I, I look at it... moods is when it's a it's a big gap between our ratings. It's not like it's when I, when I if it's like you rated whatever a, a nine and I gave it an eight. Like there's no joke in that. It's when there's uh-huh. this giant gap and it's worked the opposite way too. Where I thought something sucked and you thought something was good. So it's it's just the the pointing out that our ratings are so different. That makes it funny. When you explain the joke, it makes it less funny. By the way, thank you. 
<laughs> well, of course, man. I never saw it was funny in the first place, but I'm just it's just like, like Dark Stranger, your review yesterday, man. You gave that shit a fucking 8 out of 10. And you pointed it out. You pointed out the fact that it was so much different, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, between me and you. And Dave <laughs> and Brandon. <laughs> because you said, hey, I recommend this. And I said, hey, I just let you know. This is what I give it. Yeah. But, you know, those know. guys don't listen to me anyways, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. But. But whatever. It's more that's the only, the, that's the only reason why I said something because you said you recommended it to him, and I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know. But I liked and, it. What's that? I liked it. What Dark Stranger? No, I was just being Andy Durham play a witch. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I liked it. <laughs> and by the way, dude, I'm not getting butter. This is just how I fucking react. Did, did I? Did I didn't. I don't because think. It's it's look, look, I didn't even do it in Blair Witch, right? I didn't pull up the other ratings. You said that I do mm-hmm. it every time. I didn't do it in Blair Witch. Okay, you know that's kind of a figure of speech, though, right? Yeah. Fuck <laughs> it, too technical here. Jesus Christ! But at the point, it's been done before. It's, it's all good. It's all in good fun. You know, it's technically, just... you know, technically, my ass actually does hurt because my. Fucking this chair, man! I gotta change the cushion on this fucking thing. Yeah, me too. All right, let's my move answer. on to when we got two other films back from the year 1993. Uh, this film follows a young babysitter all alone in a house with two children asleep above. Sound familiar? Is mm-hmm. bothered by a stranger. Unfortunately, the phone's dead. Wait, did that happen? That sounds. I don't like that storyline. Let's try this one. Julia is babysitting two young kids while a doctor and his wife are out. During the evening, a stranger knocks on the door, asking Julia if she can call the auto club so he can get a tow. The phone line is dead, though. This is all part of the act as he has made his way inside and a adop- What the fuck? These, these are terrible. This is like the <laughs> whole movie. <laughs> Why is the Who wrote this shit? <laughs> Listen, Pat Dude, that McCurry, is fucking fun. OCC grad 97 at AO.com. You suck, bro. Don't write synopsises. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> yeah, those are. Yeah, it's not really that good, is it? <laughs> Both of those synopsises on IMDb suck. So basically, what happens this is the real version, okay, homies? Listen up. So there's this girl, she's babysitting and shit, and it's similar to the first film, and she's just all like, oh, I'm just going to chill, and I, I have a boyfriend or something, and blah, 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 and then she gets a knock at the door, and this guy's like, hey, I broke down, can I come in? And she's like, nah, because I'm scared and shit, I'm a, I'm a teenage girl babysitting, and then mm-hmm. he's all like, oh, for real? Like, I need, I really broke down, and she's like, go to somebody else's house, and he's like, you're the only one home, which is creepy, right? So you don't want him in for that. And then basically what happens is she pretends to call for him because the phone's dead, and blah, 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 and basically, uh, the guy is like, yo, chick, I know you're home alone, but there's somebody upstairs and shit, and then boom, it's like a, that's a cold open. And then it follows her traumatized, years later, Seems like there's a killer who abducted these children, or just an abductor, not really a killer. There's an abductor mm-hmm. messing with her, so she uh, gets help from the college lady who is the original When a Stranger Calls chick. Okay, mm-hmm. now you're also not allowed to write synopsises either. Because <laughs> if that was written down, Yo, that I'm was sure the well, well, majority of the listeners the just turned off the cast right no, now. No, that was like, like the best synopsis ever. arguing about ratings, and he's given the worst synopsis as ever. <laughs> The end. Well, that's well. We're gonna give spoilers anyway, so 
it's whatever. But it's yeah, pretty... that's essentially what it is. Yeah. 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 So. so this is a TV movie, by the way, directed Which by the it? original director, starring the original cast. Like that's that's kind of cool. And the composer comes back, which is a plus. Didn't know that, but that is a plus. Um, no. One thing I forgot to mention about this director is he actually directed a film called I Saw What You Did, which was, I believe, another TV movie, if I'm not mistaken, which I actually really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, yeah. It has to do with, like, phone calls and shit, too. So this dude's pretty good at that. <laughs> this movie was actually filmed in Vancouver also. It was. So I really? thought I mentioned that. So technically, this is a Canadian film. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Is is it nice? <laughs> going to start out this review the same way me questioning <laughs> um okay so so like what like op- what once again opener. like the opening, i'm pretty sure this like, is I like the opening this... was pretty solid it was a little different but still the same mm-hmm. no it, it was like, it was okay it was nowhere um, near as impactful but it, it was no near as of the original it, yeah opening. I love, I love when they, when you see the killer like behind the when he comes behind the window is like looking like a Bela Lugosi like with his arm around his yeah. face like oh I'm gonna get you you can you know the opening scene in this one's like 27 minutes long and it actually feels like 27 minutes though it just seems like it kind of goes in circles like mm-hmm. did you call yeah did you I, call see, I'm, I like yeah. all that stuff though like that I wish the whole movie was that like because that's like my favorite part of these two movies is like. When it's all like just a killer playing games and like this slow drawn out like like what's gonna happen type thing like I don't know I I just kind of like that it reminds me of the opening to Scream too you know like I I just like I guess I just like shit like that yeah the taunting and stuff yeah it's like it, it's like the taunting and just the like the mystery of it like yeah it's it's kind of corny in this one I like though. how they threw him with the with the I mean the killers uh, but the, the problem is with this film though is that there's so many there's so many unanswered questions with this film. Mm-hmm. That it just it just seems like it's just full of fucking plot holes, like plot hole after plot hole after uh, plot hole. Well, there's one major plot hole. Well, we'll get into that when we. But at least this character. film, you know, at least from the opening scene in this film, twenty-seven, <laughs> you know, it picks up five five years later, and uh, but it still has kind of that same feel where the first one, you know, feels like it's separate films. At least this one kind of feels like it's you know the well, same type we're of still film. Still following the same character that was in the opening. And, yeah, and then we see the original girl brought in. Well, I love that saying, little exactly. touch. Like I, played by Jim, Jill Schoen. Yeah, Jim, yeah Jill, 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 Jill Schoen returns. I believe this is uh, one of her. La- is this not her last horror film that she appeared in? Probably. Okay, okay. Like Jill, Jill Schoen, man. Like she played in oh, a lot Jill of films, and you know she was like kind of like no one ever talks about her as like a great like you know horror queen or anything, but she started in some pretty cool films, and uh, I'm pretty sure this is like one of the last ones she ever did. Kind of a shame, but hmm. maybe nobody knows. But no, I, I don't uh, know. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it's cool to see the gang back together. Uh, it's kind of a little odd. like this one's kind of structured weird too because like we follow like this girl and then it, it switches characters like in the last half of the film. Yeah, it goes like, back to regular Jill. Yeah, so it's like oh okay, <laughs> like but it was kind of surprising too. Because I didn't expect that to happen, so I was like, okay, like I'm yeah, me neither. Down. Like this is kind of cool. Um, listen, th- I had seen this movie once when I was a kid, I think, because I was with mm-hmm. um, not like a kid, kid. It like aired, I was like I, I don't know, like thirteen or something, and it was like on TV or like rented it. I can't remember, but I was chilling with this black dude named Squeaks, and I just <laughs> remember like 
like like <laughs> I can't say it without actually saying it because it won't. Th- I'm quoting somebody, so he's like, he's like, this nigga's all painted up and shit, like stuck to the wall. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this was like, I'm, that's the only scene I remembered from this movie, and it's <sighs> like, because it, it just like thinking back when he said that when we were like twelve <laughs> or thirteen, like just how ridiculous it was then. And it's like even more ridiculous now because it was ridiculous. It does, it's, we're like twelve. It's, it's a good idea in theory, but at the end of the day, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's it so ridiculous, man. Like one, what the fuck? One thing that I did like though was okay. At first, you're like, okay, so what the fuck actually happened? Like, there's a killer inside, and this guy is being creepy outside. And you're mm-hmm. kind of like, okay. Well, like, that's where the psychological yeah. aspect of the film kind of plays yeah, Julia, in. Julia, Julia thinks there's going to be two people, yeah. Yeah, it's starting to, you know, it kind of gives you the impression that maybe Jill's not very stable. Maybe it's actually all in her head. Is there two people, blah, 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 what's yeah, going on and also shit. also then but, you, the real side of it comes through too where you're like, well, maybe she is sane and there was like partners doing it. Or maybe the, mm-hmm. the guy just got out of there because he had warrants or something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, people could just bounce out when they see the cops. I know I do. Yeah, the, the script is very shaky, man. But no, I, I give that all – that's all positives that I just listed because mm-hmm. I'm like – I'm like I was wondering what it was, what happened. Yeah, yeah I was kind of wondering. you do find out later. You do find out what it was. It's ridiculous, but I liked it earlier. No, but it, it's, it works too. But no, but like that's actually a real thing. Like people can actually do that shit quite well. I mean mm-hmm. th- I think that's kind of a cool reveal. You know, it's and so where it plays in, where it plays into her being, you know, is she fucking crazy? Is her TV? I think that's kind of an interesting concept, and maybe one of the only cool things really in the film. <laughs> I just honest, don't, like realistically, like I just I, I understand that angles. people can do it, and but what we're talking about here is um, uh, ventriloquism, mm-hmm. and well, throwing your voice too, right? Throwing your voice, but like the concept that this guy was in the house, like upstairs. And was able to make it sound like he was outside the front door. That mm-hmm. one to me just seems like yeah, okay, it's a little what? bit unreal. Like, it's kind of okay, yeah, okay, it's kind of corny now? when you think about it. Tell yeah. me this again. But, like I said, the idea in theory, you know, it's pretty cool. But like you, you can tell <laughs> it's, like a it's cool and corny at the same time. That and and he's gonna have some issues with it. And he's mm-hmm. twelve. <laughs> he's yeah. gonna be like, wait a minute, you tell me what now? <laughs> like, so I mean. It's, yeah, uh, so it's, it's I, I, you can I accepted it because you know it's like TV movie and shit, but like I, I definitely was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, so there's um, one the one plot hole that I didn't get was where the fuck is Jill's family? She's living by herself now. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's she not had, really she a had, plot hole because well, kind of because to she, the to the well, she's, well, she's living by herself now. I don't know how long the time period is supposed to be, what happened to her husband and stuff. Yeah, but that doesn't make it a plot hole. Like, the definition of a plot hole. That well, the timeline apply. isn't accurate because, yeah, because this one picks up. Yeah, the timeline, I I don't think there's an explanation for that at all. It's not really accurate. Yeah, it's not. it doesn't all. really bother me, but I was, like, curious. Like, why? She, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just, it's like an um, an oversight or, like, a... Uh, it's not like a like a plot hole usually affects uh, like like a plot hole is basically something that hurts the story because it like let me look up the fucking definition of plot hole because that's bugging me. 
Well, that always but the, I get what you're of... saying. I get what you're saying. That's just something left out of the story. A plot hole. Yeah, is it's an not really a plot or yeah. gap or uh, inconsistency that goes against the flow of logic established by the story's plot. Such oh, okay. inconsistencies include things illogical or impossible events in statements or events that contradict earlier events in the storyline. So, like, a plot hole is, like, if somebody locks a door and then that door is open later in the film and nobody was there. Like, okay, so he, So here's, here's a, a, a prime example of a plot hole in the film. Um, so they said that the kids were kidnapped, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, what happened to the kids? We got a mass kids? kidnapper here, guys. So what happened to the kids in in the story? Well, I assume they never fucking found them. Like they never well, bring them well, up again. Well, they never. No, bring no, them they up they kind of did because uh, what happened? Yeah, no. like when Charles Duran's back and like going to like uh, uh, what's it? Landis's apartment. That's the name of the killer, I believe. He uh, sees like this landlady, and he tells she tells him. Yeah, he's a nice guy. His kids died a while ago, but he's back to try to find their mom. Oh, shit. I didn't even yeah. notice that. Remember That's that crazy. lady in the hallway? So yeah. he abducted these kids and was keeping them and like as, as they own. were his kids. And they died. They died. And, and all we know is they died. How they died, we don't know. But they died, and it was probably him. So that's kind of creepy. I didn't notice that. Detail Derek over here. Props. See? Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah. I guess. You but guess? you That's would definitely what they meant by that. And mom, and the mom he was thinking was Julia. That's why he came back for yeah, her. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Yeah. That's creepy because, like, like, because you know, like a mat, like a I didn't even actually think of that. Way less threatening than like a child murderer, right? Like, so, like, I'm glad they kind of brought it back and subtly hinted, like, because it is a TV movie. Like, mm. I, I don't think you could flat out say, like, yeah, he tore him apart with his bare hands, you know, killed the kids, killed him upstairs. Look, here's the dead bodies coming down, you know. So, like, the subtle way of like, like, oh yeah, he had two kids, but they died, like that. And why two? Like, two is the number that was gone. So it's like, obviously, mm-hmm. that's what they were saying. Really cool. Really cool. Did not notice that. Half point for that. I actually did. I just didn't even put two and two together. <laughs> that's actually kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy, man. That's crazy. But, uh, yeah, I don't know about this one, man. Um, I finally, <laughs> what do you guys think about... You know, I, I coming back, I, I talk about this quite a bit, like on different shows and stuff, but, you know, coincidental writing and things like that. You know, the fact that she gets attacked and stuff and Carol Kane works at, you know, the uh, the college that she's that she attends um, yeah, as, a, as a counselor and stuff. It's complete, like, convenience writing, like, sloppy I know, convenience and, writing. And, now, and if that's she the type was, of shit that I can't stand, man. Like, it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, fuck, they couldn't come up with a better storyline like, to incorporate the original character of Carol Kane? Now, if you would have said, like, oh, she works as a psychiatrist helping people who have dealt with home invasions or something like that and saw mm-hmm. this story and it particularly got her wanting to be involved exactly so what similar I'm... to hers that's more of like I... nancy with elm street 3 that's mm-hmm. what they yeah. should have did instead of like oh it turns out she works here yeah. isn't that convenient? see now it makes sense you know they, they incorporate carol kane's character and then they bring in uh they bring in 
Charles Dern, yeah. yeah. yeah they bring in Charles. Now that makes sense, right? Yeah. Now the problem I have with when they bring in them and they start to investigate these, um, you know, the it whole kind of becomes their film. Well, it, it does. It does. But the thing is, like, they're cooler <laughs> anyway. I don't give, I don't how did they figure? Like, how did Charles Dern? How did he figure out? Uh, like who the killer was in this film? Well, the, he there's started another looking scene. for ventriloquists. Yeah, yeah. Cause, but cause no, but a... no, but I understand. But like, he just seems to find it so quick. Like, I don't. There's not a lot of like plot details that kind of lead him in oh, that he direction. Found it during the commercial break, that's why he found it. He, he did the investigating during the because there is break. a point where it's all of a sudden like, holy shit! Like, how did he get that lead? And then like, I understand that he's all of a sudden going. I understand the whole ventriloquism mm-hmm. thing, but what got him there? I was well, like, did I miss yeah, I th- something? I think the idea was he, well, was, was he just... knew that he was a ventriloquist, and he was like, where do ventriloquists hang out around here? It's like, oh, they play but how did, weirdo But how did he know that he was a ventriloquist, though? Um, because he, was, he, just, he just came to him when he was like, how would somebody you know, he, be... He was going on a hunch because I, they do explain the fact that, you know, he's like, I don't, I'm pretty sure there was only one person here. Yeah. And if she thinks there's two, what could possibly be... He says he's a ventriloquist that... before he goes and looks for a ventriloquist, though. Yeah, he does in that, when they're in the house with yeah, the window. He, when they're but looking that, at the a, layout pretty, of the house. But that's a pretty fucking spot-on hunch, though. I mean, you would not know. Like, he doesn't know yeah, but, who this guy is at all. But he's a, So he's basic. It's a hunch, right? It's a hunch well, no, that he, he went on. logic. Put, he was like, he couldn't have... That he couldn't have... Let's it, say that he's like, let's say that it is one it's guy. It's not technically logic if you don't exactly know if there was one or two people there for sure. He was just assuming. He's like... No, he was I'm, using, like... He was he was ruling out possibilities by yeah. going through the scenario. And he's like, let's say that there is one guy. Well, but it was never that ruled work? out that there was two that there wasn't two people. Huh? It was just always assumed that there wasn't. Yeah, and he and then he was like, "Well, what if there was only one?" He like literally says that. He's like, "What if there was only one?" And then he's yeah. like, mm-hmm. "Well, if there was only one, like he would like how would he but have that's... made and amplify his but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not actually. Yeah, I know. But I mean, if you just well, assume in your own mind that there's one, all the scenarios. It isn't like yeah, that's the did. first scenario he picked. He thought, but it's still technically hunch work, though. It's still technically yeah. hunch because well, he detective... could still be wrong. He could still be wrong and be like, "Okay, I'm pretty sure this is the way it goes down." There's only one person. This guy's throwing his voice stuff, but he could be fucking wrong, he and there could be. actually be two people. But he went with he, he went with what they call a hunch. I, I'm just saying. Going with a hunch, he's like, "Hey, I don't believe in my in my private investigator mind that there was two people, so I'm going to go with there's one." So I'm just saying his hunch was right, and that's yeah. essentially what led him to figure out the whole ventriloquism thing. Yeah, but I mean, so it's like, basically just playing off that. But there's no fine factual details in the film that are like, "Holy fuck!" Like this is what we found. Yeah. You know, this type. You know, and that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I mean, you, but the, it's like, okay, yeah, it's it's a fucking pretty lucky guess or whatever, but it isn't like he just was like. <laughs> He actually attempted to make logic out of how he came to that conclusion. Like, but I mean, that's exactly how your mind's going to work. But I'm just saying, it's a pretty good guess. It is <laughs> it's, a pretty it's, good it's guess. It's a but, damn good lucky guess, I guess. Let's, I, I mean, just thought it was funny. I started laughing in the film. I was like, "Wow, that's really good, man." <laughs> yeah, I, but well, you know, I, I, the thing is that it, it it's a good guess because it fools us. Like nobody was thinking ventriloquist. So it's like yeah, okay, I didn't even. If the I was audience, even that like nobody in the audience was like, "Oh yeah, ventriloquist, of course." Like everybody's like, "Oh, like I didn't even think of that." So like yeah, if but if it was something we would have thought of, it wouldn't have been as cool, right? Because mm-hmm. then it's like, oh yeah, like everybody knows that. Like why the character? Why are the characters so dumb? It's obviously this. You know what I'm saying? So like it's kind of you, you're gonna 
there's ways to pick it apart both ways as if it was yeah exactly exactly i just I, I thought it was i don't know i guess i'm just looking for more bona fide factual logic here than just shit you know i got no. i got a fucking hunch i'm gonna go yeah, <laughs> it's but like he, i mean at the same i mean time, the average like, person is like, never gonna yeah i mean at the same time he wasn't like oh this is definitely what it is yeah, he's just going on a hunch. Yeah, and when you go exactly on a hunch, argument. but that's, that's what exactly everything is, argument. though. Like, how many times do people go on hunches and it's like, well, that wasn't it. Oh, this one was it, though. My hunch. Yeah, that's yeah. why there's a thing called a hunch, just, because just, sometimes it, it, it works. It was just downside. If sometimes hunches didn't work, it wouldn't be called hunches. Yeah, it was just downside. He probably had more hunches in real life, but it's just downsized for the content of the film. You know, what's on here, and it's like, I don't know, it just seemed very kind of... Well, it is. It definitely is. We're not disagreeing with that. But speaking of content of the film, how about those titties? Like, what? I was kind of confused by that. Like that weird, like whole strip club scene. What is going on here? It's interesting. This this movie got a rated R uh, release for you know the VHS that came out, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of interesting actually because the only thing in this film really that would give a rated R would be that scene. Yeah, those titties. And... You know, there's no blood. There's no gore in this film. There's no fucking swearing. Uh, there's and those naked just pictures a... he finds of the girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's like mm-hmm. a little bit of nudity, but that shouldn't warrant a rated R rating. <sighs> Why did he get a rated R rating? Isn't that weird? I was like... Because yeah, that one like, dude that... on, the ch- on the chair, the board, like, it was like, when a stranger calls. But, oh, I remember that movie, Definite R. The same guy was was still there, just like 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 an angry teacher, just F, F, R. Okay, so so my final question here is um, something that was kind of bugs me in the film um, with Jill Shulman's character, uh, the shot in the head. Why does she do it? Uh, Did she? That's what I I was wondering. Because this is a question in the film that I I, I could, was wrapping racking my brain around. Okay, so if she shoots herself in the head, then she's assuming that she's that crazy. like she's lost it, like she's fucking crazy. I got the impression that, that she didn't do that. I didn't. I think he did it. Yeah. But they don't. But but that's a plot hole because it is not explained. They never ever. Well, well, technically the whole the the whole ending that was was going to happen to Carol Kane at the end too. Yeah, she was about to get dumb beast as well. Well, of course, but I mean, you know, we're talking about this previous scene here. It's like it's never really fully explains that he was in the house all like he. That's how he was able to shoot her because he was like all like painted to the wall, face painted. I guess we could assume that, but I mean, it's not I factual. Think there's enough evidence there to assume that. Like, there's obvious like that they pointed, like they not they tilted their hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's done very poorly. Like, if he did shoot her, then yeah. But you say all the time, like we don't need shit like spelled out to us. Oh, I know, but like, that's actually confusing kind of though. Like, no, because when when you're playing on a psychological aspect of a film like you know she's trying to figure out is this shit real am i fucking insane like she's had enough and she tries to offer herself she's like i can't take this shit anymore but if he did that isn't it kind of isn't it kind of repressing the whole psychological aspect of the film like from her aspect well at that point of the film it doesn't become her film anymore yeah, well of course it doesn't well, also, but i mean still, that, you still have to explain know, shot her in the fucking head but we already know as an audience though that like oh like this shit actually happened 
So it's like it's it's kind of it's kind of pointless to play up that psychological aspect. Yeah. Because he's running from the cops and shit, like you know what I mean. So it's like you don't like it would be kind of a, a stupid road to keep continuing down. No, I know, but if I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, if we assume that he shot her, then you know whatever. But if she shoots herself, then she's it's it's still you know what I'm saying though. How, I mean, it's like I don't know, man. I, I just I don't really understand the whole writing in that in that aspect at all. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think it, you know, I think it makes decent sense. Honestly. You know, what like, I, get, that, I, like, I feel like they were intending for it to be Saw as me and Derek kind of saw it. I personally think there's it's just a just a big. You know, seen you know what scene had me cracking up. You know what scene had me cracking up when he's all painted to the wall and shit. No, the hospital scene where he just comes out after Carol Kane leaves and he just starts punching the girl like numerous times. I'm like, dude, I know. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's That's just good. punching her like, boom. You don't see that every day where a chick's like in a coma and someone's beating her. Like, <laughs> yeah. at first I thought he was trying to see if like she had any like responsiveness. Like if you like, cause he doesn't know that she's in a coma, right? Like yeah. she doesn't, he doesn't know that. That, that, the characters I guess we would have to that. assume like everything else in this film, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, like, how would he know that? Like, he just he went there. Like, it's not like this shit's like, you know, like they they sent him a newspaper. And well, if like, he was looking for if he was looking for any type of reaction, maybe it's because she shot herself in the head. Who knows? Maybe it's it's left of whatever you. Just... I'm pretty I know, but sure that's, that but that's a major problem. Her. This is the point of plot holes, right? It's, this is it, why I don't think we it's question. a plot hole at all because it, they, 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 there's enough evidence there that. that oh, but that's you're always what playing happened. devil's advocate. You're always no, playing devil's it's advocate. It's actually like, I, like that. There's evidence there. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion, the, though. The, I, the I, same I think things it's happening it's... again to uh, Carol Cox or whatever. It's like the same scenario that happened to the girl. Mm-hmm. I I guess if you want to put it that way, but I don't agree at all. Okay. It's lazy. It's lazy. It's all over the fucking place, man. There's just ah, oh, there's so many questions I kept asking and writing down. I was like, what the fuck is with this movie? <laughs> it's like it's just kind of a, it's a messy script in my opinion, but I I think that there, it's like can, there's some convenience there. Yeah, but... convenience and messiness and um, not overly entertaining either. To be honest, I, I don't enjoyed this, this one. I, I enjoyed it too. <laughs> oh my god, what the fuck, man! Seriously? I enjoyed it as much as the first one, but I enjoyed it. It was the first oh, time yeah, watching it. Me too. I, 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 I really was into this one. Yeah, I thought this one was just a fucking. It was a stale fucking mess. Ugh. I don't know. So this film was dedicated to the killer in the first film. Yeah, because he passed away. Yeah, yeah Tom Tony Beckley. Yeah. Also, Rift Tracks did did a episode on this. Really, yeah. Mike Nelson? <laughs> That's awesome. All right, since are we getting to ratings now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I, uh, uh, you, there, got, you guys you don't want to you guys don't want to bring up any other bullshit. Like, do you have more? Go for it. <laughs> no, I got all my I got all my points out of the way Just, without giving too much away. You know. Like, uh, Derek, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I like this film. I didn't like it as much as the first one. It has a little continuity and plot hole issues that I didn't really see coming. And some thing that happened with Jill's character that I didn't understand, like the whole like 
where's our family thing, but whatever. It's probably just because of the story and the way the script was written. But I did dig this. I liked how the story went down, and I liked the the score was even... It was kind of a toned-down version of the original score for, like, TV and stuff, but it was still good. I liked Charles Duran and Carol Kane and their performances. Julia... Jilla Schellen was pretty good. And it had some funny fucking moments in it. So it wasn't as good as the first one, in my opinion. So I'm going to give it just a 6 out of 10. Alright, me, I also enjoyed this one thoroughly. Uh, I think it suffers from a lot of what most TV movies suffer from, and that's just, like, convenience and just just a a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of fuckery going on. And Mm -hmm. the whole, like, like, to me, the most ridiculous thing is just the concept of this ventriloquist, like, (laughs) guy who, like, paints himself into the wall. Like, to to me, that's, like, where, like, I just, I take it literally, and I'm, like, okay, so he sat there in the house, and he, like, matched up the wall, and he's, like, oh, a little red here. Oh, it's so fucking stupid. That's really dumb to me. It's fucking stupid. You know, that hurts my rating more than anything. Uh, But overall, I I definitely enjoyed this one. I give it a 6.5 out of 10. Oh man, this one there's nothing worse than watching a film where you're just like, "Hey, what the fuck? Plot holes, what the fuck? Shaking head, shaking penis." Um I you know, this one was actually more entertaining even though I was scratching my head so many damn times in this film. It's like, "Okay, that's too convenient. Um that doesn't match up." There's m- some of the most ridiculous scenes like <clears throat> the the end scene. It's ridiculous like that just would never it's so <laughs> stupid it's so stupid and the simple fact that like the end pretty much goes down exactly as the first one it really kind of annoyed me because i'm like just do something different man just do something different you know like this film is structured very kind of similar as the first one it's a little more fast paced than the first one but mm-hmm. um but you know just i don't know why they just didn't change the ending a little bit more but eh, it is what it is but uh I don't know, man. I this one, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get over how many plot holes I I think there is in this one, and I'm just like, it could have been a lot better, you know. And th- oddly enough, this one right here to me has a cool idea mixed in with one of the stupidest ideas, you know. <laughs> the ventriloquism thing I think is an interesting idea on in theory, but it's actually kind of stupid in when you put it onto screen because. The things don't add up. I mean, GP, you pointed out this guy's supposed to be in the house and it's coming out the front door. It's like it that really doesn't make any sense at all. It's it's a nice attempt, but overall, I think it fails an idea on mm-hmm. screen. Um, so theoretically, the whole film doesn't work for me whatsoever based on that. I mean, this is the whole point of the character. He, he's a ventriloquist, you know, shit like that. And and, uh, you know, the, the thing also about the killer in this film is he's very mysterious man we don't really know anything we don't really get to know a whole lot and you know i mean it's it's got its pluses and minuses to that too but um Hmm. again this one fell real fucking short for me man four and a half out of ten and qjp and seven on jack frost and five on dark hall I'll never let you live the Dark Hall one down because I truly think if you rewatch that movie, and I think you've even agreed with this, that was a high rating. 
No, it was. Yeah, I should have definitely probably given that one about a four, maybe maybe three and a half or something. <laughs> uh, maybe I was in a good mood that day. Maybe it just entertained me to the point where I was like, but yeah, it's not a good film. It definitely, you know, it definitely did. Like the, it like... probably had less plot holes than this one, though. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving along here, we have When a Stranger Calls, two thousand six. This is the remake. Uh, right in the right in the midst of the heavy remake craze, 2006. This one's directed by Simon West, who the director of Con Air. And, really, I like Con Air, and uh, Expendables too. Oddly enough, mm-hmm. uh, so so this film very similar to the first one's 20 minutes. Uh, during oh and yeah, go ahead, Moods. What was he gonna say? Oh, it's, yeah, it's rated PG-13. Correct, it is, and that's mm-hmm. gonna be a point that we bring up probably a couple times. So, yep. during a babysitting gig, a high school student is harassed by an increasingly threatening prank caller. Yeah, it's it's a remake. It's it's pretty much so, a remake so, so of the first twenty minutes. In, in, actually... in, a, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, this this movie is the first twenty two minutes extended into ninety minutes. Uh, uh, Which, yeah, by yeah. the way, I'm I'm gonna say this now: a hundred and fifty percent could work. Like a hundred, like that, like there is a strong enough story there for that to be an entire movie. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was this one, like this, yeah. this movie was what we got out of it. But I'm, I'm still not saying that. Like this actually, when you talk about films that should be remade, like this was one of them. Like it's like exactly oh, like, this it could have been that could have yeah. been remade because like. What did we not like about the first one? Well, all the middle stuff. So it's like, oh well, but this first is... part was so strong. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this one falls into that time period, you know, in the middle two thousands, where they were making all these like peach the remakes, like the, all these kind of, you know, let's make them safe for the theaters so we can just make a buck. We don't, let's you know, they the don't fog. have to. That's there was a lot of these that came out in this time, and this is one of them. It falls right into that format. So, yeah. But so, uh, you know, in theory, again, in theory, this movie probably should, you know, if you make this rated R and you do a little bit more with it, you know, the extending that first 22 minutes of the original film into a full-length film, I think you could actually do a lot with it. It, it could yeah. get real good. Oh, 100%. For sure. This one shows its limitations big time because of what they can't do. Yeah, they yeah. kind of... Yeah. So the girl and, and is, problem. you know, in in high school, and she goes to this uh, babysitting job that her father took her to, and her father's all mad. And I, I was tweeting during this movie, and one of the things that I said was, like, "Yeah, I saw some of your re- tweets." Remember when going over your minutes was a thing uh, with cell phones? <laughs> it's like you're grounded. It's like yeah. So oh, this, this father's so... all mad because she went over her minutes talking to her boyfriend who cheated on her, and it's like that's just so funny. And I, I tweeted this too. I don't care what you say. Anytime you put cell phones in movies, it instantly will date the movie. I tweeted a few things. I, I tweeted a few things too. I'm like high school drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another thing that I mentioned was like this house is ridiculous. Like, like it is so fucking nice that it, it instantly takes you out of it because you're supposed to connect with like a regular babysitter. Like Jamie mm-hmm. Lee Curtis in Halloween was like a regular any town babysitter, and, and this shit's like, the... well, this would like this is fucking ridiculous. It's all like safe and alarmed, and like the lights escaped. turn on as she walks down the hall, like yeah. the automatic lights that turn on. That fucking house was incredible. I'd like to see that house in person, man. <laughs> I know like, they have one like, of those out. They have like one of those outdoor. In the of it. 
yeah, they have one of those outdoor indoor rooms, like in the middle of the house, and it's like super fucking cool. Yeah, it's got like <laughs> so cool, got, man. Like fish and like a, like a whole entire like, yeah, pond. birds, vegetation. It's all you know, water. It's fucking nice, man. Really, really cool. Yeah, I one love the house. That I it was looks happy nice. With was the girl actually did mention the fact that the house was like incredibly nice, and it wasn't just like oh, this is normal babysitting. <laughs> yeah, they did say that. It's true. And you, so can, you speaking of sorry, Derek, but speaking of the whole PG thirteen rating, like from the very beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. like, you can just tell that it's going to be tame. Like it just has that tame vibe to it. I do yeah. like some of the beginning though, like with the carnival stuff. Oh yeah, that, a, that looks great. But it's it you know the, the beginning stuff is fine, but I think it's completely unneeded. Like I don't believe that you need to show. I don't understand why they showed. Um, the scene where you know the the kids were killed at that house and stuff. Like you don't really even need to show any of that because we're already anticipating what we're gonna get, right? Like they don't show anything in this house. Well, so what's the point of showing this? Like okay, they just kind of, they show they show they show like a look at this moods. Okay, so one, uh, people didn't you know you assume that people didn't see the original or whatever, and it's like yeah. okay, we're gonna show that this is yeah, but... a killer who's threatening. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that that whole scene is to designed to the fact that my number one problem with this film is, is that it, he never feels threatening and you don't believe that any character is ever actually in danger of dying, uh, besides mm-hmm. ones that you know are going to die like the bitchy friend. So mm-hmm. and I think Rosa. the idea is like, okay, well maybe that was even done after where it's like, okay, well this character doesn't feel threatening enough. So let's shoot this shit early on. It still doesn't work though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know. Like, I, I understand. I like it, to me the pretty much everything in the beginning is not needed. Even if you haven't seen the original one, you don't need any of the stuff in there. You can just have her showing up. Okay, this is baby, just like in the original one. You know, because what happens after that is your film. Like, you don't need any of this other shit, man. I mean, there's still a mystery there. I mean, they explain in the credits, I think, or right at the end of the film that, you know, oh, they captured this this killer and killed, like, 15 people. I mean, they, they even explain all that shit after. Do we, do we need this, like, up front? No, it does absolutely nothing for the build-up. We don't, but they... I, but I, I agree that it doesn't do a damn thing. It doesn't do... Yeah, it doesn't really it do anything. It looks cool with the carnival, I will say that, but... Yeah, the carnival is the only thing I liked it, about it, it. It's... it's I think that the intentions was it's to added make it time. threatening, but it, it doesn't. It's added time. It doesn't. This work. movie's eighty-seven minutes long, and they added what an extra. I don't know the opening scene before she gets to the house is what ten, 60? twelve minutes long. Sixty, extra sixty minutes. Uh, uh. Well, I'm just saying, like the opening scene before she gets to the house, the babysit. You know where the actual movie starts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, just saying, yeah. there's there's a good ten, twelve minutes yeah, there, but I think that's tagged on time at the beginning of the film, like the high so, school scenes or like yeah, the, all that type of stuff. We don't like you know all that type of I stuff. Don't we mind can... the high school scenes because it's like you know that's I like that kind of stuff. It's it's like character development and stuff like that, and it just sets up the. The, you know the teenage horse, yeah, the same as the, Jamie Lee Curtis walking. Yeah, this is during the time period shit. when there's a lot of like those scenes and stuff in these type of movies. Well, it's too, always so. been like that since. Well, since, yeah, you know Halloween or you know Carrie or whatever. Like it's always been that with teenage horror movies, which I like because it sets it sets the mood that it is a teenage horror movie. But you know, it just doesn't like it doesn't lead to any like like that stuff's cool and stuff for for. Well, my point that. is, I'm just saying it's not needed. I'm, the, I'm not saying it the, doesn't like, need to stuff? be there. What's that? You mean like the high school stuff? Yeah, I mean just the whole 
first 10, 12 minutes of the film in general, like pretty much all that type of stuff. I mean, you know, her interactions with Bobby and uh, like all this, all this other shit, like well, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be there. I mean, we're going to get all that from her on her cell phone inside the house anyways. I well, mean, it's actually the house phone because she went over her minutes, remember? That's the way they get rid of the cell phone. It's there for a reason, though, like because it sets up the characters who. That's how they get rid of cell phones in this film because she doesn't have a cell phone because that's why. But she doesn't even need one because she has direct contact with the police. Yeah, but they could also have her talking on the house phone to her friend saying, oh, why aren't you on your cell phone? Well, I just think I went over my minutes. 90 minutes in the house, like because it was already so drab. You know, no, mm-hmm. the, the film could have been 75 minutes just, you know, without the I, I, I just think the beginning part. I think that that's some of the better stuff at the movie, if I'm being totally honest. Like <laughs> well, and, you know, oddly enough, oddly enough, I am, too. <laughs> I think it is some of the better stuff, too. And it's not even needed for the film. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's, I mean, it's it's technically it is not needed. Like, you don't have to do that. I don't really think. There's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, some of the better it's stuff so of the movie we do with teenage horror films though like it 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 does set the mood and it does set like the world that she lives in like that's what it's the only thing it shows the the only thing it shows is that she's a little bit pissed off that she can't go to this uh this high school bonfire which by the way she has teenage problems and she's a teenager and it sets the world for the character that she lives in and it it does it by showing you instead of just saying like here's a teenager look at her like that's what i'm saying like there's a purpose for that stuff to show her as a character and stuff before <laughs> she gets to the house. Okay. Um, like, it's not needed in Halloween, right? Not really. It's not. It's the same thing. We could have never seen Lori with her friends in, in class and stuff, right? But I'm, ju- but I'm just saying, they could have also, like I said, if she was at the house on her, on the, the house phone, Mm-hmm. And she's call she's talking to one of her friends, and she's explaining all this. We get all that from that call, though, too. If that would have happened, yeah, you know, she's got teenage problems. She got her cell phone taken away. She's at this house babysitting because she's in trouble. Yeah, and you know, the, same, the need- same thing happens in Halloween, where where Lori then talks to the friend on the phone about the boy that she likes and stuff. Completely not needed, really. Like, because we mm-hmm. don't even see that dude ever. Um, no, it's just it just it just sets what we're dealing with it's till he gets killed in part two i have to say i have to say that fucking high school bonfire is the most outrageous thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> yeah please Isn't you it had like to tell the me school that the entire fire too? department wasn't at that party too <laughs> like, it was looking what crazy. the hell were they burning i mean the we've, wicker man we, we've <laughs> the wicker. yeah they, they burned the wicker <laughs> like that that's like around this area though like we we've literally caught like trees on fire by mistake in and the fire department you know but it's like, uh, but this was like this, sanctioned by the school. Yeah. The high school knew that this was happening, so yeah, the fire department had to be. That was the biggest fire ever. <laughs> yeah, like even the cops on the phone early later in the film, were like, yeah, we know we have a few crews. Yeah, and I'm just like, holy shit, that is one big fucking fire. They weren't lying yeah, when they said bomb. This film reminds <laughs> me a lot of like, film, like remember when we reviewed Valentine? And it's like everything just feels like too, like not like fake and like man, like manufactured teenage parties yep. and like manufactured yeah. teenage babysitters like yep. like nothing feels like this one actually... falls directly into that category yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it, everything about this film is exactly that feel and tone yeah, yeah. i mean it, it's it's like it's just one of those movies like i don't think it's necessarily super badly made like i mean it's shot well and stuff but it, it's just the story is is, is not really there 
It's yeah, just no, it wasn't executed the, properly for the 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 actual story. And there's a lot there's a lot of filler scenes in this film. Yeah, I mean, like I kind of liked you know, like the girl who shows up there. Like it's, it feels so just like oh, like this shit's writing itself. Like the girl she's who shows be up killed. there. Like oh, that, like she's definitely being she... killed. And you just hope like oh, well if she's being killed, at least we get a kill. Nope, cut away. We find her dead body later. Like yeah. that's some yeah. bullshit. You know what I, I love? Was... I... Oh, oh, go, go ahead, Derek. I just love like the whole scene where it's just I'm just laughing. Like, the... She's trying to pull that fucking log, and you're like. Oh, I killed this bitch and then cutaways. <laughs> you know what I find really kind of funny about the film is uh, I know they kind of meant it as a joke and stuff, but you know, like just before the parents are ready to leave the house, uh, our main character's like, What about the children? Like, oh yeah, the children. You know, it's like they completely forgot about the children. It's like, okay, they're over here. Yeah, like, uh, the, 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 oh wait, the children? Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? But the other thing I thought was interesting too that they, unless I missed it, but uh, they don't. The parents, I believe, don't say anything about the housekeeper going to be in the house working yeah, at does. the time. Or whatever. She does. does she say something? Yeah, they that do. she's they actually about. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I thought she said her. that she was just going to be over at her house. No, she said they said that she might be around the house, but uh, it's possible that she went to wherever she goes or whatever. Sees her mother or something. Yeah. Her mother was sick or something. Okay, yeah. so she does. I, I, yeah, they, they kind of just say, like, yeah, she comes and goes type thing. Oh, okay, because from what I remember, I just thought that she's, oh, she'll be over at her cabin or whatever, her her quarters or whatever. So, yeah. But I thought that was interesting because when she just kind of shows up and then she seems a little bit surprised by her. You know, when she first sees her, she's like, oh, she's yeah, here. I wasn't she's really a big fan of all the fake jump scares in this film. Oh, but this is, is there a lot? Involves, I, I honestly didn't notice. With the cat, a few of them involved. Is the there cat. a fucking cat? Oh yeah, there is. Okay, yeah, yeah there is, man. There, there is Jester. Cat scares over, are so dumb. There's over a dozen of them in this film. Really? At least there's lots of jump scares. Maybe they and, like, weren't as jarring as like say like the Blair Witch. They weren't probably didn't seem as loud. No, or these ones are. Li- some of them are a little more subtle, but there is quite a few, and there's a couple mm-hmm. of rapid spots too, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, I, but it's it's more or less that. It's it's using the soundtrack too. It's just like that. It's, it's almost like that symbol type. It's like oh, for fuck's sake. So, we... so um, uh, Lance Henriksen's kind of in this film. Yeah, he's the voice of the killer. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> I know, but he so... doesn't play. But he doesn't play the killer. The no. killer's Tommy. No, Fred. that's play. Yeah. yeah, by that dude. Listen, um, I'll tell you one thing. I Brave love Hot. Lance. Like Lance is a homie of mine. Like we go way back, but he was not good as the caller. I wish they actually just used Tommy Flanagan's voice because he's a Scottish actor, so he might have had like the brow like the original killer did. Mm-hmm. Were they trying to be edgy and not use some cool English sounding voice? Yeah, because that's think, what I think that they were just going for. Um, yeah, precisely that. Like, but in reverse, like they were just like wanted it to be somebody from around here, like oh, an American. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Because Tommy Flanagan's an Irish actor, so or, he does have... I mean, it's possible that they... like Because Irish accents are even more thick than that, like, British... Yeah, he... Or that Scottish accent's even more thick than, uh, like, the British but he, accent. But, but, he, he, but he does, like, an American accent on Sons of Anarchy, so he does act like an American. Wait, who's hmm. Tommy Flanagan? What's he, who's he? he, he he's the one with the scar on his face in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's the guy... His accent's Scottish the whole time. But he's a good actor. No, he's not. I, I love that guy. 
I forgot that yeah. guy. I didn't know that's who that was. Can't comment. Haven't seen it. Sons? <laughs> oh, Sons is the shit. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, this is like, one thing that I will say, and I tweeted this out too, this is the first of the three that when the call comes in, like, have you checked the children? They, they actually go check the children. Like, yeah. Like, I was like, okay, props to you, touche. Yeah, but, <laughs> I know, right? Call call I have that noted too. But, but I hate they the actually check call. the children. Because, like, the, cause, the like, phone call right, the phone call right up, how are the children? Yeah, that... You know, and that was that was a little cool moment. Like I was like, okay, like that's sort of like the original. But you know, if it was me in that situation and some asshole called me and said like, "Have you checked the children?" Like I probably would have right away. Like that's probably what I would have done in any of these. Yeah, yes. You know, the only problem with extending this type of story into like a full length film is that if you do it PG, you get a. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you get a PG-13 film. You get a lot of fucking... Filler scenes. Well, yeah, you get a lot of filler scenes, but you get also a lot of uh, ringing, a lot of calls, yeah. a lot of ringing. Like, it's just so repetitive. And I, like, I, the phone must like ring in this film. Parts of the, these like, movies, 80 times. It rings so much in the film. Like, it's it's almost like it, they didn't pace it out properly. And plus, they include, like, like, the, the phone, phone calls from Bobby and... Yeah, and then, like, const- the phone is constantly ringing throughout the whole film. It's like... I love the scene where she's trying on jewelry because, like, okay, yeah, that's great. She's just going <laughs> yeah. through these people's things. Yeah, but I yeah. think you're going to get a lot of these type scenes, Derek, you know, you know... With yeah, it's a actually... storyline like this, you're going to have to throw some type of thing in there. I wish they had to throw cooler stuff in there, though. You know, stuff yeah. that was a little more interesting. It just seems like... You know, for such a big ass house, you could have probably explored that thing. Like if she walked in and found a, like a drawer full of dildos or something, like that would be funny. And all she eats is one popsicle. Come on, raid the fridge. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, you know, she, she, there should have been a scene where she was picking out on fucking chicken or something like that, man. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, or like even yeah. watching TV. Like, I just felt like the whole time it was like. Just like oh, well, they did kind of like... show that where she obviously doesn't know how to use remotes properly. She lit the fire. Yeah, she puts on, on like yeah. this weird chop on music and stuff. Yeah, like I mean, it's really not hard to figure out. But come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um... and then, and and then they do the fireplace and like foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing, uh, a little bit of trivia. By the here. way, is the stupidest fucking final scene ever. Or yeah. that that. That is fucking stupid. <laughs> it is. Come on, it man. is. It's uh, so dumb the way it goes down to. It's like, ugh. I, I just fucking started laughing so hard. I'm like, oh my god. One thing about uh, this movie is that the actress actually wanted to turn down the role because she doesn't like horror films. So boo on her. Well, that makes sense the way she acts in the film. Yeah, well, all these fun facts tonight <laughs> that keep coming out. Ugh. She also. Uh, did this movie instead of Black Christmas, which she also had a role in, or she was going to have a role in. Yeah, it would have been the same year, right? Yeah, 2006. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, crazy. Interesting. Well, these these facts are fun. Yep, yep. Well, I actually got I actually got a tablet, so I've, I've like, it's easier to look up facts now. I am EB. So, like, yeah, that's why I've been a little more... Uh, did you did you like find what did you find that at work, or did you actually buy that thing? Next question. 
It was in Lost and Found for like 90 days, and after 90 days, we, we get to keep shit. Oh, you get the score? Oh, I get you. Yeah. Damn, that's a good fucking I mean, binder. It's, a, it's, a, it's, like, it's like a $50 thing, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I figured it'd be handy. Um, I love the... I love coming in handy tonight with all these fun facts, man. (laughs) Shit. I love when she's running through the fucking woods to the guest house. I'm like, are you serious? Like, oh, Oh, her acting's like over dramatic in some scenes of Durham now. Like, oh, Oh, she's just running with the trees and the wind. Like, (laughs) this. I'm like, oh my god. I even tweeted the running through the woods scene, lol. Uh,. One another little fact here, guys. Yeah, you ready for this one? Uh, Screen Gems had actually greenlit a sequel, rumored to be titled "When a Stranger Returns," in which Hayden Panettiere, which who I love by the way, uh, was mm-hmm. to play the babysitter. Screen Gems later canceled the project. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I wish. It... <laughs> oh yeah, I just remembered some. Um, okay, so getting back to. Uh, well, actually, no. In the, like in the end of the film, when they when they specify that uh, you know they've been looking for this killer because it's like you know on the I think they're playing it like on the radio or something like that. So they were looking for this killer who was responsible for over fifteen murders of playing this cat and mouse game, and so basically, uh, those previous crimes were exactly the same as as this one, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing that kind of annoyed me is that when she had called the cops and actually talked to the cops. Then why the fuck didn't they just anticipate that she was telling the truth and, and you know send someone, head over there send re- someone over they, there yeah yeah because if they were already looking for this person like maybe they said they, already maybe it was in a film. different like town or something and they found this out afterwards like because that but, town but was she said, but she even told them he's like yeah they're this dude is phoning me and you know he's fucking with me I don't think she and said she's like phoning. that I think she said shut call. the Fuck. You know what? I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna fucking strangle you. He's gonna come through that computer screen and choke. Okay, okay. Here, here we go. I'm gonna read the back of the of the fucking DVD case. Have you checked it, children? Locked in with the lights out and the curtains drawn, a panicky Jill phones the police who trace the calls, only to inform her that they're coming inside yeah, the man, house. This was a Canadian she phones the police. So Jill phones me. the police. Yeah, I'm sorry, production. but that is on an American disc. Go fuck yourself. No, actually, uh, that's on your Canadian disc. <laughs> actually, not. My, actually, actually, I have the American one right here. And if you look there, it actually says calls. No, it doesn't. Yeah, doesn't I'm looking read. at it right now. <laughs> so, but anyways, the point is, though, the point is, is why didn't they just anticipate that, you know, because hey, I think this they guy didn't might be fucking with her, guy. too. He's already killed 15 people. They didn't know that. They didn't know that about him because it happened somewhere else. And they found this out after. Yeah, they didn't really specify, like, if it was in like, the same once town. Once you find out who it is, you look into the file. It's like, oh, this is the. They the even said people. in the thing, they said the person that was responsible for the 15 murders, blah, blah, blah. I'm like. That's one of those infamous... They're referring to the same person. There's no question about it. They're referring to the same person. Besides, she's explaining to the cops exactly where what has been done. Wait, when do they say this whole thing about the 15 murders or whatever? Right as right as everything goes down in the end of the film. You can hear it on the radio or whatever. They're, uh-huh. they're talking about this. It's like playing over like a news broadcast, like on the radio or something. Before they show that entire thing, the same person that was caught that we the the person has been caught who was responsible for these fifteen murders who were playing cat. Before they show that, before they show that 
the Palma ripoff scene at the Wait, hospital. Wait, so you're saying the person has been caught? So that so this yeah. was after he was they caught. They said the person, yeah. So yeah, yeah obviously yeah. you find out more about the situation once it happens. Then they show that retarded end in the scene. No, you're not finding anything else out about the police because already. How does the guy? How said... does the one cop know that that, that, that about that guy? What are you talking about, man? They said they've caught this person who is responsible for 15 murders who who was playing a cat and mouse game yeah. with all these people. Yeah. So this is the same case as all his other 15 murders. So when she called into the police, why wouldn't they just anticipate maybe they that this is the killer that was... that case. Well, maybe they get prank they calls, too, about the situation. They caught the guy, and it's like, it's like then they... Then they... You know, word gets no, around, and it's plain, like this is plain as he's driving away in the cop car. So they just managed to come to all this right at that exact well, moment. The news and stuff, you know, like once the, once they find out what happened, it's like oh, like you know that like that that's the fucking dude from Miami, dude that that, that happened or whatever, you know. Uh, uh-huh. Like I think that that's how it was supposed that's... to be interpreted. No, it, I think the way that they... just because like that one cop answered the phone doesn't mean that he knew about all these cases. But it seemed like it was a pretty high-profile case because they, I uh, mean, well, we could just just the way it plays out, they're like, yeah, the, but they caught the guy responsible for these fifteen that, like, murders. We get calls like this all the time or something. Yeah, yeah, of course. But they okay, always say so that shit, every, though. Man. Well, I mean, every. But like, I mean, so if there was fifteen does, murders and fifteen murders locally in that area or whatever, it, you think it, even locally. if you were a police dispatcher or whatever, you would still know about they something didn't that's say going locally, on. Though. Whatever, but. 15 murders like who knows it just seems a little ridiculous it does to me but of course you're gonna argue because no i'm just i'm i'm logically making a point of like it's possible so am i that that you know like that that guy didn't know about it but just the way they worded they said they have caught the guy who is responsible for these 15 murders who has been playing cat and mouse with people and stuff. Yeah, because once they've... Once but if they're they've, saying that the second that they catch this guy... Well, it's not the second they catch this guy, though. It's like... Well, that's the way it plays out in the film. Okay. <laughs> well, then they have the news clip recapping it, too. Yeah, like, right? I don't know. I just... I, like, I... That... I don't I, know. It just seemed like... I, I just took it as like, oh, like, now they fi- finally figured this shit out. I kind of forgot. Well, yeah, I, I kind of forgot way. about it. I took it a different way. I don't know. So, I kind of forgot about it after that. I kind of thought back to the time scene. when she calls the where she calls the cops and fucking Buddy just seems oblivious to you know this potential major hazard. Yeah, but that's because you know it's real. If you're a regular cop, like you, you might not think that that's real. Like you know what I mean? Like it's not that he's like. But this like is he's this asking is, her questions like, is anybody this bothering you? M-O. He's killed 15 people playing a cat and mouse yeah, game. Yeah, but that's saying Jeez, that you know fuck. that that cop knows that, about that. I'm just saying, I'm just it's saying possible that he did it. But generally, you're informed as a police officer of know. major cases. But how do you on. know he was? Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's. It, there's. There, there's logic. I mean, dude, cops do. Cops well, I don't know that he was. I'm. But that's the thing. You would assume that, you know, these that they would actually be informed of major cases, major pending cases like this. There's a killer on the loose. He's killed 15 fucking people. Yeah, but playing what this if cat he killed those 15 Jeez, people in Alaska? You're not necessarily going to know about it down here. Dude, they're not going to have him killing in Alaska. Well, that's just an example, dude. What if it's like Ohio? No, it's probably in the general area. It seems like it's pretty local. You know, I this local he was news. just rolling around. The local news is reporting. Well, but then that, on that this... moves. If he's doing he... that to people 
all over that area. You think that that dude's going to let his daughter go babysit? It seemed like the whole town knew nothing about this guy. Yeah, yeah that's what it seems like, too, though. to me. But the police would. And like that's this lo- I'm saying. Dude, police? The police, hmm. the police know shit and don't. It, they don't tell the fucking public everything. Trust me, I know this for a fucking fact. It, but it, you gotta look. You have to look at it like, like especially where I live in this in a small in a small city like I do. The police don't disclose a lot of shit that happens around here because they don't want people getting on edge. Yeah, they well, don't. Well, so maybe I'm this is happening, like, and it, it, it actually isn't a small the, town the, too. The police around here. Maybe it's in a state. Probably make that mistake. <laughs> And well, that, like, look that, at the, look at like the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, right? Where like the police clearly see like there's there's all kind of shit like that all the time. It's not that impractical that like they wouldn't that the, that guy wouldn't know about it. It's just not. It's just not mm-hmm. that impractical. Mm-hmm. Okay, well you see it like that. I I think it's a little ridiculous, man. But yeah. but um, I mean, especially if it's if it seems like it's happening locally, it didn't. You know, to me. It's a, it, and it's it a didn't small feel town. locally to me yeah, either. Me neither. Ah, oh, fuck. I call bullshit on it, man. I completely think this is happening in the same area, man. That's what they were anticipating. Und- or that's what, what indication? Huh? Like, why, why do you think that it was happening in that area? Because they don't tell you that it was happening anywhere else. Right? I, I so what's, need to listen back and see, like, what they actually say. But yeah, I, I assume that that, that, like, that, that this, thing that happens at the beginning with the theme park was nowhere near there. fucking news reporting... It, this is not CNN. Did they the say of... local news? Like, I don't, I, well, it's lo- Dude, like, it's the it's... same thing as like I don't know, man. It just it, to me. Of it's course, just... it's local. It's always local it when this be... goes down. What if it's the same state? Though? It could be like a different town. If it happens in a town, you're going to report on it locally. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing when they caught Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, like, hey, the guy that, that all those missing people. Like, turns out it was this guy. We caught him. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think with all those missing people, when the cops walked up to Jeffrey Dahmer and that naked dude, they would have been like, "Huh, well, this seems Hello. a lot here." The people, you know, it's it's like it happens all the time. Yeah, it but does. Anyway, another little quick fact here, guys. MySpace ran an advertisement, the profile Jill zero five one six zero six, in which users could add the profile as a friend, leave comments, and read Jill's blog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's some interesting marketing. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't have a whole lot more on this one. What about you? Nothing guys? much. Just the ending. I just fucking hate that fucking. The film. The... the film had a fifteen million dollar budget and did end up grossing sixty six million. Lot of lot of lot of PG thirteen teenies <laughs> going to that one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, garbage I... film ready for ratings yep all right uh moods well i've said everything i need to say four out of ten <laughs> all right um you know to me like this movie like fails on on like all of the threats like that th- this guy's just not that threatening because you it's a pg-13 film and you know that people are 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 not going to die like in any serious way like you just know that it just feels it just oozes that feeling um there were a few moments i liked like when you know how was the children and i'm like oh like that's kind of creepy you know and you know that like is as stupid as like the the house is because it's it's mega gigantic and stuff like 
Like there's some there's some good shots when she's like walking down the halls and the lights come on and stuff like that. I didn't I didn't this is definitely not my cup of tea film, but I didn't think it was overly terrible either. I'm going to go at about 4.5 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, this film has a lot of like serious like plot holes and scenes that fucking dwelled into like the retarded area with like the <laughs> flashing turning on lights and girl's character we were supposed to root for is looking for people's jewelry and fucking this cutaway kills and the killer doesn't seem menacing even though yeah but she didn't steal the jewelry either though she was just no i know I, yeah i know but it's, i wouldn't wouldn't i wouldn't do some saying if i wouldn't be doing that shit in some not my house you know what i mean yeah i might have when i was like 16 though i wouldn't do it now yeah especially when you're supposed to be like trying to learn responsibility and stuff so she kind of comes off like immature yeah but other than that this film has a lot of like fucking tension spilled jump scares that don't work for me and it's just intense but there is a few things i do like in this film like some of the shots like the carnival stuff and some of like uh the character build up in the beginning was all right Mm -hmm. so i'm with jp at 4.5 out of 10 sweet sweet so that was the When the Stranger Calls trilogy. Well, that, that wasn't a big surprise that you went with the 4.5. Well, <laughs> no, Because you guys average. agreed on every single thing in this episode and was completely against me on everything in the whole no, episode. No, no. So, well, that, 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 right? that, that was a fitting end. That was a fitting end. we're right. Because, we, because no, it does two of it us. Does. It means it was a gang up. Was... one means that, like, majority <laughs> no, rules, it's son. literally every single fine detail in this film you guys agreed on. Or in the whole... Hey, I think we've just it's... seen it the same way. Wait, well, yeah, this, yeah. this actually proves I just my found that was very intriguing. I've gave Derek shit for agreeing like, with even, you even on talking, shit even forever. Even, even talking about... I could be mini GP today. Where they're broadcasting locally, like, no... Uh, uh, I, I truly uh. felt that way though, dude. Wasn't playing devil's advocate. Like I just, I never thought that it was like, oh, like I just kind of knew about this shit. Intrigued me. It just feels off. <laughs> He's like Derek Moods is like you're supposed to be mini me, Derek. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> oh, I just find it very compelling that you guys were. Fuck, that was wow. I I like yeah, Brandon <clears throat> apparently like loves the sequel, like the second one, so. I'd be curious to see what he rates it. But honestly, like, I, I think that really? for the That's most part, I, I feel like for the most part that um, th- this is a very weird set of films, like, to, to even review. Like, because they're, they're just, like, they all have issues, but they, that like, to me, like, I, all, I had fun with the first two a lot, and, like, they, mm-hmm. they were very entertaining to me. I mean, I guess it probably helps with the first one that I had never seen it before, and that the opening was so powerful. Uh, and the sequel, I just, I don't know, like, I, I like TV movies like that. It's just... I just feel like you rated the, the film based on the first 22 minutes. Of, of the original? That, that's the way I, that's the way I interpret your rating as being so high. I mean, yeah, the first 22 well, minutes the of the first original film is fantastic. Is like a 10, and then like, that's it what I said. down to like a 7 with the middle, but then the end brings it back up to an 8, because I like that too. That's kind of how I was mm-hmm. looking at it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's just I think there's just too much in the middle, man. I yeah. just don't think that the middle stuff is necessarily bad. Like the main the main criticism it is just that it's feels, it feels I never said out of I never said it was bad. I said it was boring. Yeah, I think it okay, could, could just been better boring done. Is like the most subjective I don't like, thing that you can possibly do. Yeah, so I like, if no, I but I like told you, but things, I explained I think that they could have developed the killer a lot better. Instead I of just having him do what he was too. doing. I, I 100% agree with that they could have. That's too, what made it boring. There was nothing there. Just there was no could, substance like, to him in, like at all. It was in, just. In yeah, but there was some fun characters because, in the middle of all that stuff too. Just, like that homeless guy that Cliff talks to. Money! Just, just because something but it doesn't could even be make better sense, doesn't though. It's necessarily like, make it seem bad to me. It just means that it, of course it could be better. And there, we pointed out the, some of the things that probably could have made it better, but that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that like that that what is there is is boring to me. It, it you know. Well, and, it was to me. Yeah, it was yeah. To me. And I and I understand that, and that's where I'm saying that our core differences is coming from. With that, I really like, just did not like it. I didn't see all. it as bad, and you said you didn't see it as bad. I didn't see it as boring. You did see it as boring. So when boring is like the most subjective thing possible, because it all like you might find pencil sharpeners boring when I might not, you know, that's a bad example, but Mm -hmm. like, for example, skateboarding, a movie about skateboarding, you know, somebody might find that incredibly boring. Like I would find a a movie about BMX kind of boring because I think BMX is lame. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's because I was a skateboarder. I don't think that now that's just what I thought back then. But, um, you know, so, so one person, it's, that's all personal interest. That's why I don't like leaning on, uh, critiques as boring and not boring that much because it's uh, like it is just it is just so subjective. If you don't like fish and you watch a movie about fish, you're not. Yeah, going but everything to like it. in a review is subjective. It doesn't matter how you explain it, it. It is all subjective, but it's not as subjective as if you like fish or don't like fish, right? So that just because the movie's about fish and you don't like fish doesn't mean it's a bad but that, movie. But that still comes down to taste, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. Like I said, the material so proposed to us in the middle of the then. film. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm saying the material in the middle of the film is just not my cup of tea. <laughs> if you want to get down to taste. Um, Bad taste. No, I just, just thought, I thought they could have done a lot. I, I wish they had it just wrote something a little more exciting. You know, it's just it, – it, it, I found it very, very boring what they did. And – uh, I don't know, man. I, I they they could have done so much more. It's just I, the problem is when you're watching that middle part is like I'm constantly running ideas through my head. I'm like, oh, they should have done this. They should have done that. They should have, you know, even when like I don't know, man. You know, like even when when the black guy comes up to him and like he's trying to get him to go do this. Yo, shit crazy stuff. Kurt. Yeah, man. Like I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe something happened. Who knows? Who knows? But. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. yeah I, I, I can nothing tell that you exciting. really did not like this trilogy. There's nothing. Oh my god! It was like the it worst was, trilogy ever. Yeah, I I mean I even didn't hate the remake honestly. Like I, I thought it was it was like it was watchable. Like I didn't really like it. I, I talked to my friend a little bit about it, who's a little younger, and she saw it when it uh, came out, and she thought she was because t- this is before I watched any of them. And mm-hmm. we were talking a little bit about the remake, and she said that she, you know, kind of, kind of dug it and stuff, but thought that I was gonna hate it because, like, like the shit that I say that I hate. And um, I didn't hate it though; like, it, it was watchable for me, but just, just definitely, yeah, like, I was super wa- tame, super reserved, super held back by the stupid idea PG that it's PG thirteen. And PG thirteen movies can work, 
But this one was like by the numbers and yeah, it, it doesn't was, work because it's yeah. by the numbers and PG-13. But um yeah, very Yeah, very, it was all it was all limited, sure. man. It was all fucking limited. Very, very very like if people the people that like our shows for like the the debates and stuff would probably have fun with this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny. But don't waste your time watching any of these movies except for the first 22 minutes of the first one. Um, <laughs> I say definitely watch the first one because and that 20 minutes yourself. alone is worth it. And you might enjoy some of the stuff in the middle. And the end's good, too. And I say I say, watch it three times and maybe the third time you'll like it the best viewing out of all of them. Yeah, and I say... Well, that's Only not entirely watch... true, too, because this is my third or fourth time seeing it. Well, see, fucking... if it's your fourth, you went one too many, and that's why. You maybe maybe, it. maybe I overdid it. Maybe I overdid it, but it didn't change the fact that the first 22 minutes are great. Yeah, so. and also, you know, the sequel, I, don't, I, don't, I can't really recommend, like, seeking that out and checking it out because it, it is just, like, a 6.5. It's really not worth your time. To if, you find it, if, you, if you find it online, give it a watch. Yeah, or if you can find the VHS at, like, a... Uh, yeah, like it's, pretty, it's pretty bad. Yeah, uh, it's pretty bad. It's, <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I definitely. It's got some of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in a film. Oh come on! You watch like the, the craziest movies. <laughs> it is ridiculous, dude. You can't use that argument every single time. It's that's ridiculous. Hey, I, I watch ridiculous movies too. Like, dude, the camel on the fucking wall. Come on. Yeah, that is one of the... They don't even try that shit in fucking Z movies, man. It's stupid. It is stupid. It doesn't... It's a TV movie, too. Yeah, but... um, But either way, I I think that people would enjoy it, though. I really do. I I think that um, if you... You know, if you you decided to seek it out, you're not going to be blown away, but but you might have some fun with it. It's not not a terrible TV movie, for sure. Um, Unless your moods, of course... This is just my this is just my my version of the story. The two different versions here. But uh, and as for the remake, maybe watch it if like you have like a, a thirteen year old daughter and you're trying to have some bonding time. I, I think that it yeah, it's a it's, perfect film to watch with the kid. It's tolerable. If you want mm-hmm. to kind of you know try and scare them or something, maybe they might get scared by it. But now if you're me, you don't have to you worry about vulgarness at all. You just show them Friday Thirteenth Part Seven because that's the first one that I watched and I turned out. I'll just show. I'll just show. Humanoids from the deep. Yeah, but <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, really, you can't. I can't really say to check out um, the remake either, though, or or the sequel, unless you're just curious. Because curiosity, it's on TV, maybe. Like I was curious about the the sequel, and you know if it yeah if it comes on TV, that de- definitely. Yeah. Um, but it, when a stranger calls a, trilogy, I give weird trilogy. highest rating of a five. <laughs> I, I am honestly surprised that um, I thought that you would like the original more because like it has that it's you know it's like that seventies movie and shit and it's just like I don't know. Um, I've never I never dug it, man. To. No, never been a fan. Very interesting show. Yeah, so sure. so um, that's gonna wrap it up, guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, any final words? Nothing. Well, that's usually my part of the show. But if you want to take uh, take front on that, that's fine too. So whatever. 
<laughs> Anyways, Derek, thanks for coming by again. Thanks uh, again. Good to have you on the show. Again. Even though you ganged up with JP and totally took his side on everything. Hey, no, 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 no. How do you know I didn't just take Derek's side? Well, you guys, you guys are definitely humping each other. Just put it that way. Let the, let the viewers. <laughs> Listen, I retract uh, my statements that about shit. Derek having bad taste in films. He clearly knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> hey, at least we got one Hall of Famer today. True, 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 true. Yeah. Anyways, guys, we need to get the fuck out of here. I'm sure this show has gone on way too long. So, yeah, as usual, check all the links down below and uh, leave those comments. If you guys want to win yeah, some free shit. Comments. And like JP said, it's not free. It's not shit. Yeah, it's, it's just free. Shit. It's shit. It's if stuff. it's any kind of type of shit, it's great shit. Exactly. So, so win some shit. we're out of here. Peace. Peace. Later. <laughs>